warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 245. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And you're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. All right. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Jake, episode 245. We are not alone on this episode. Uh, no, we are not alone. The truth are, is out there. <laughs> truth is out there. X-Files reference people. All right. Anyway, uh, we've got uh, one of my favorite people and uh, Transformers brother in arms, Daniel Hepner. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, happy to be here again. All right, and uh, yeah, first time since episode 200 on a regular episode, uh, Mr. Greg Alenti, welcome. Hey guys, how you doing? We're good. Good. We're good. Remember when? Uh, remember when Jake called you Greg Caliente that one episode? <laughs> I do remember that. It was uh, it was because he was having trouble reading a nice card that I sent him with kittens on it. It, it, it looked possibly like you had written down Caliente. Yeah, I'd only been listening at that point for like three and a half years, so I get that it's tough. It's tough for Jake to remember with all the fans. Between that and the Hearthstone, it's 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 tough. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, thank you, thank you. At least someone someone gets it. I think yeah. I, I, I think I think I think he was just hungry for some habanero salsa. That he was. He was. So it was just such bad penmanship. I'm what am I, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, I did. I wrote it on my leg. I stopped at like a Rite Aid on my way home from work just to send you a quick thing. And I, I wrote it kind of on my thigh in the car. So I, I get it. <laughs> next time, you know what? Next time I send you a nice card, I'll make sure I write my name nice and clear just so that you have no confusion whatsoever. Yeah, thank you. Maybe maybe invest in a stamp. <laughs> I'll try. I'll do that for you. Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, he'll call you like Greg Conolingus next time or something. <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, no, I, I made that up. Oh, okay. Uh, you never know. I mean, these things, I don't know. Maybe that, <laughs> maybe that came up. I, don't, I feel like I'm really breathy this episode. Like, br- like a lot of breath. 
Hmm, I don't. I haven't noticed that. A lot of breathing action going on. <laughs> were you just were you jogging or anything like that? No, or I feel are you like, exercising? Did I did I climax and just hop on the podcast? I don't know. <laughs> like I, right now, I'm in that weird refractory period where you know I'm waiting to go again. So I, it's I don't know. I felt like I was breathy. I was making sure that I wasn't blowing you guys out there. No, we're good. We're good. You need a minute. You need to catch your breath. No, I'm fine. I haven't did. I didn't do any exercise today. So <laughs> I don't know. It's all in my head. It's all in my head. Hey guys, uh, you can go to uh, popcultureleftovers.threadless.com, or you can go to our website now and you can uh, scroll down and click on the link, and uh, you can get uh, pop culture leftovers T-shirts, hoodies, cell phone cases, uh, bath mats, uh, shower curtains. Uh, rugs. They have tapestries. They have PCL tapestries, Jake. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's pretty awesome. Throw pillows. I, Greg, I know you had your eye on the uh, pop culture leftovers duvet. That's right. I, I need a good duvet. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way your wife will let you have a, a gigantic duvet uh, with the PCL logo on it. I'm, I'm going to give it a shot and see if I can make some magic happen on your logo. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me tell you something here. I actually looked to see because I thought it would be kind of funny if uh, we if there could, if we could have like pop culture leftovers condoms and the, the logo on the wrapper. <laughs> It's something that you literally can do. Like there, there, you can personalize condom wrappers. Thing is, you can't just have a store that you put up, like on Threadless.com. You actually have to buy them. So it's like, I don't know if I feel like buying a bunch of condoms and then dropping them off at Planned Parenthood or something. <laughs> That's very weird. I'm just trying to help out. Yeah, I've had a vasectomy, and I would still wear that condom. And I guess what I'd be curious about, though, I don't qualify for this. Like, if a guy's really girthy, would it make your logo like an oval, an oval shape? Would it be on the top of the condom? Or I somewhere don't know else? if they put the actual logo on the condom. You know, <laughs> no, they don't. I, I think it's just on the wrapper. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would presume that if you put it on the condom, that's going to probably compromise the integrity of said condom. Oh, that's too bad. I was hoping the like the reservoir area would be between the P and the C, so that when you climax, that's where it goes. You know. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I guess I've overthought this. I'm sorry. I, no, no. I yeah. thought about it. I thought about it myself because I was looking into it, and I was hoping that it would be ribs for her pleasure. And when you pull yeah. it back like an accordion, you see the logo. You know what I mean? Yeah, that'd be nice. That would be nice. Anyway, glow in the dark. That would be fantastic if they were glow in the dark. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Maybe look into a different company. Maybe someone's, someone out there has to be able to do it for us. I don't know. It, it might like it might give like uh, somebody, like a woman, an allergic reaction or something like that. Then we get sued. I don't know. Oh, we, don't, we don't need that lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to have Greg and, and Daniel on this episode. And uh, let's see here. Let, you guys want to jump into iTunes reviews? Always. All right. Yeah. Here we go. iTunes. It's one star five. We don't give a fuck because we really love to hear just how much we suck. Guys, Chris Dumas and your host is a jerk. I'm an opinionated asshole whose dick don't work. Yada, yada, blah, blah, fuck you too. These are iTunes reviews. All right. I only got one of these fuckers this week. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's a good one. Well, it's it, here's the thing. It's from Blockbuster Girl 47. Blockbuster Girl 47 has a long-standing history with the iTunes reviews and our podcast. Her first review is a three-star review. 
I believe it was. Or was, was it a one star? I'm pretty sure it was a one star. And then she, yeah, I yes, think it was a one. It was a one star. And then she's like, you know what? I kind of like these fuckers. And so she changed it <laughs> to a four star review. And now, after the last episode, Jake, she has changed the rating to what? Guess. Two stars. Guess again. <laughs> uh, four stars. <laughs> no, that was the previous rating. Oh, damn. <laughs> hey, Jake, you, you don't know how to play this game, so I'm just going to give you the answer. Uh, she gave it a five-star review. We're at five stars from Blockbuster Girl 47. Five now. stars. She gave it five stars. Yeah. You, you win, Jake. You're a big winner. <laughs> yes. She goes on to say, uh, this is my absolute favorite porn podcast <laughs> they cover wait every, a minute what well hold on after last episode she's not 100 percent wrong here uh they cover everything from scat to bestiality to autoerotic asphyxiation good job so that comes from blockbuster girl 47 jake do you think the rating's going to change again I mean, history definitely makes it seem like it will, right? Yeah, it feels like, you know, what goes up must come down. I'm, I think we're gonna hear from her again, and I think we're gonna go down the next time we hear from Blockbuster Girl 47. Yeah, I mean, unless we keep up the porn talk. Yeah. Last episode, okay, we can do that. Hey, last episode was pretty fucking dirty, wasn't it, Jake? It happens. It happens. I, I, I kind of didn't realize it until after the fact, and people were like commenting and tweeting after the fact. Oh yeah, were you getting tweets from people saying that it was pretty dirty? Well, you know, I saw people make some comments yeah. about some stuff that was said. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even talk about my uh, my ex girlfriend from years ago that used to masturbate constantly, like that. Wow. Yeah, constantly. Yeah, I think you've talked about her once before about that. I was, I thought that was pretty funny. Oh yeah, she. Oh my god, all the time. She. Yeah, we're gonna get to advertise content, people. I know I say this every week, but some people just still don't fucking get it. <laughs> we're gonna. Get we gotta there. keep those five stars from Blockbuster. I know <laughs> this is all about keeping her in tune and uh, a fan of the podcast, people. But I used to have this girlfriend. Uh, I was twenty and she was older. She was in her thirties, and she would masturbate violently all the time she would flick the bean violently and she i guess she thought i was asleep you know like we'd be in bed and then all of a sudden it, you know like the bed would just start shaking like it was jurassic park like that like that glass of water from jurassic park and the bed would just start rumbling and i would be like i think she's i think she's masturbating and it was, she violently, like the bed would just rattle. Like if, like if I threw a joystick down there, she could have like gotten a high score on Galaga. She was like just <laughs> tapping away on that fucking clit, like she was a courtroom stenographer. It was just insane. She was just going nuts all the time. She's like, she's like Steve Martin plucking his banjo. It was crazy. <laughs> Did you ever like verbally address her? About oh, all the like, time. All the time. I would let it go for a little bit. I, I, you know, I'd let it go for a little bit. And then I would, then I would be like, are you, are you masturbating? And then she, <laughs> her face would turn red and she'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, all right. Oh my God. You do that all the time. And she just, she, the bed would shake all the time. It was like <laughs> Catherine Hepburn and Michael J. Fox were fucking in the bedroom. It was insane. <laughs> wow. So you I mean, were never, you were never compelled to join in when this is going on. You just kind of pretended to be asleep. 
No, it's not. It's not like I did. There were times when I joined in. You know, I'm a man. Oh, okay. I'm a red blooded yeah, yeah. male. Like so, yeah, there were times when I joined it. There were times when I was fucking tired, though, right? Or like, you know what I mean? So I just wanted to go to bed, and then all of a sudden, like the bed shaking. You know, <laughs> I tell you, I I literally could have like put a like a thermos full of fruit at the end of the bed, woken up the next day, and it would have been a fucking smoothie. I am not lying. Like, it was just all the time with her. Just I'm like, how many, how many times a day would this happen? She masturbated all the time, Hepner. All the time. Masturbate. It was like, uh, all she did was talk about sex. She was literally just very, I mean, you know, I was 20, so, like, I love sex. You know, I still do, but, I, you know, back then it was just like, all the time with me, you know, and then, but with her, it was just constant. Oh my gosh, it was insane. Just always. She just, like, she like finished herself off, and then ten minutes later, she's at it again. Well, I, I don't. It's not like I was timing her, you know. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> but, you know, women, stop. Watch out. Women don't have that refractory period like we do, right? So, right. you know. I don't know, man. She just, yeah, I could have thrown a couple sticks down there and she would have earned a Boy Scout badge. It was insane. <laughs> she was just, <laughs> just crazy. Just lighting fires down there. It was insane. She's like, I didn't know that women didn't have that refractory period. I'm thinking of all the times I've been lied to in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they can, they can, they can have multiple ones, Craig. <laughs> Damn it! Not with me, they can't. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Greg. Um, <laughs> all right, so there you go, Blockbuster Girl Forty Seven. I talked about my ex girlfriend that would uh, masturbate violently all the time. So. Hope we can keep it at a five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep catering to this one listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, we lose everyone else. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, women, uh, women know they masturbate. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm yeah. not really concerned about losing listeners over this. No. <laughs> that wasn't a genuine concern. <laughs> Yeah, I think the shower head is a very popular method oh, of that. I, yeah. yeah, she would do that mm-hmm. one too. When mm-hmm. she'd throw her legs up and then she had the shower head and then, and then after a while she got the attachment and she was just going to town. And, uh, a couple times I was able to watch, you know, I was an observer, you know, so I felt like I had a, you know, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about that. That's a thing Sorry, that's what, happening. Brian, what was her uh, her name and phone number? He'll <laughs> <laughs> let you know after the show. Thank you. She's not in her for, 30s anymore, Greg. This was 20 right. years ago. So <laughs> I don't, that's all right. It's for a friend. She's a grandmother now. So <laughs> even better. Uh, yeah, Greg's on gilf.com right now. <laughs> he's like he's searching for lemon party. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Freshly squeezed. Uh, let's see here. Guys, let's jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop. <laughs> it's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. 
The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, I got a couple things that I'm going to talk about real quick here at the top of the show. Uh, I watched one of my favorite shows. It's uh, They finished season four uh, sometime this year, and I had not gotten around to watching season four. It got past me somehow. But uh, I watched You're the Worst season four on FX. Does anybody else watch this show? Mm, no, I do not. No, not me. Nope. I highly recommend this. Like, if you like really <clears throat> raunchy, edgy comedy, this is your fucking show. It is absolutely fantastic. If you are easily offended and things bother you and upset you, then I would not watch it because it is going to offend you. The season was insanely offensive, and I absolutely loved every minute of it. There was a... Uh, spoilers for You're the Worst Season 3. Uh, at the end of that season, the main character proposes uh, to the to his love interest, and uh, they agree, oh, yeah, we're engaged. Then he freaks out and just takes off and basically leaves her and never comes back. So they start off Season 4 with him being gone for four months, and uh, things happen. He gets back in her life. She sees him for the first time. She says, I understand why you left. Everything's going to be okay. She kisses him, and he's, he can't believe that this is happening, that they're making up because he wants this. And then she basically tells him that she's going to. this guy walks into the room. She starts making out with him, and she says she's going to go like fuck him down in her room like right in front of him it was absolutely insane and then the guy that she's dating this season he's got a kid and so she wants to she has to meet the mother and so they get together and they start drinking and she blacks out and when she wakes up she's finger banging the mother of the guy that she's dating <laughs> no no finger banging the, ex, wow. the ex-wife this was the finale no this is like mid-season okay so she blacks out and when she comes to she's finger banging the mother of the child and this and the guy she's dating's ex-wife this show is just insane. It is absolutely – I've never seen – and they're literally just showing like this woman's got a blanket covering her up and they show they show her hand just going back and forth like a jackhammer. And I'm just like I cannot believe that they're doing this on television. So season five is coming up. It's going to be the final season in early 2019. It's probably a good thing because I think once Disney takes over the network, they're not going to allow that kind of shit. So – Probably a good thing last season. <laughs> oh, time to wrap this up, huh? Sounds like. Oh, man. Blockbuster Girl 47, I just keep on giving this episode, don't I? <laughs> it just doesn't stop. Oh, but I Tupperware this show. I, I binged uh, season four in two days. It was 13 episodes, half hour episodes, and I binged it in two days. It was absolutely phenomenal. The next thing that I watched, uh, Dimitri Martin comedy special on Netflix, Jake, the new one. Oh, yeah. How was it? Was it good? Uh, it's called The Overthinker, and I'm going to give it a high taste it because he does this. It's it's like experimental comedy. I just want him to do stand-up and talk, but he does this thing like where he's up there and he's doing his stand-up, and then all of a sudden like they insert this voiceover like he's overthinking. The whole comedy special is called The Overthinker, and so like 
they actually have like this his inner monologue going on throughout the comedy act, and it's really distracting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, his last Netflix special was about maybe three years ago, and it was fantastic. Yeah, but yeah it was just a straight-up comedy yeah. special. Yeah, and this one, there, he also, like, includes some animation and stuff of, like, jokes that he says. It, he doesn't do it all the time and with every joke, but it's just enough to kind of take you out of it. Like, I, stand-up, I think, in its purest form is not – you know, people using like uh, voiceovers and animation and Carrot Top pulling out shit out of his trunk. It's just a guy on a stage talking into a mic, right? That's it. Yeah, I, agreed. I mean, every now and again, like you can see some cool stuff. Like I think, like Leguizamo did some interesting stuff twenty years ago, and, and here and there you see an interesting act. But yeah. yeah, for the most part, I want to see a, a, a man or a woman and a mic. Exactly. Wow, a man and a woman and a mic. Or I'm wow. an or. Uh, you just made uh, you just made Blockbuster Girl 47 very very happy this week. <laughs> so what's happening with this microphone? Huh? Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. I'm gonna leave that up to the imagination. Can't just spoil it all. Oh man, we're just dirty, dirty people. Uh, I got a bunch of other stuff that I want to talk about, but. Uh, I'll hand it over to one of you. Uh, I know, uh, Dan, you had a lot of stuff that you wanted to talk about this episode. Yeah, I'll try to run through some of it uh, pretty quickly here. Some, a little bit of it's been covered before and other stuff we're going to get to later. Um, so I know, Jake, you last week had uh, reviewed Christopher Robin. I checked it out last week as well. Uh, and I'm right there with you. I absolutely took away the movie. Um, it definitely has problems in terms of how predictable it's going to be in terms of where it's going and what kind of sequences of events are going to happen. But, like, it just it grabbed me by the nostalgia and just, like, held me like grim death with it. So, I mean, Eeyore had me cracking up the entire time just with his, you know, very nihilistic and cynical, you know, viewpoint of everything going on. And there were a lot of times where I was just welling up in the theater of just like, you know, the listening to Pooh talk about something or just, you know, having the gang back together. It was it was a real emotional journey for me. So I absolutely tough to wear it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Oh man, have you guys seen Funnier Die this week did a uh train spotting Christopher Robin crossover <laughs> video? Have you guys oh, seen God. this yet? Oh, that's that's amazing. Oh, you need to Google this because, like, you and McGregor, like, is doing the drugs and, like, freaking out. And they're cutting it in with, like, Pooh trying to give him advice. And he's freaking out more. And then, like, they make it so the Hundred Acre Wood is all, like, a drug hallucination. It's, oh, man, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Um, let's see, what else? Um, uh, so back uh, last month, the um, second uh, part of a three-part uh, miniseries. On Netflix, uh, it's a Godzilla anime. This one is called Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle. That came out on, I believe, it was uh, July 18th. Um, so it's the middle part of a three-part uh, series, and I gotta toss it. It's there's just so much techno babble. It's like all the the you know annoying parts of a good Star Trek episode with none of the fun bits or character development or any personality in it. Very little action, and just the animation style is not very good. There's a whole, it's all 3D cel-shaded animation, and I don't like when uh, Western 
or uh, Eastern uh, companies do 3D animation because the way they, you know, traditional anime style is very jerky movements where, you know, characters aren't fluidly moving and they jump from pose to pose with very little in between. And it does not look good at all on uh, when you translate it to 3D. See, I toss that. Hmm. Did you like the first two at all? I mean, I... Well, so the, this was the second one of three. Um, the first one, it was okay. I talked about it briefly the last time I was on with your... Um, it was okay, but really it was kind of, I was giving it a taste of, but kind of also freezing it to see how the second part was going to play out and hoping that they were going to expand on some of the more interesting ideas that they had mentioned, but didn't do anything with and nothing. They didn't explore any of those things any further. So <laughs> was it so bad that you won't even watch the third part? I mean, I'll watch the, I'm going to watch the third part, but it's, I'm not going to be that invested with it. Okay. Man, I know how big of a Godzilla fan you are. It surprises me that you would could toss anything Godzilla-related, but there you go. Oh, no, there's definitely Godzilla stuff I can toss. I'm definitely a discernible fan. <laughs> Awkward but, uh, silence. Yeah, that was fun. That was a thing that happened. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'll pass it over to someone else. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Me and Michelle went and saw the spy who dumped me that you talked about last week, Brian. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of mostly echo your review, honestly, of it. It it wasn't a bad movie, but it wasn't the greatest comedy ever. And I completely agree with you that by the what is going on? That's Greg opening his bag of Fritos again. Like, you, oh, you know, you know what I think is happening? My microphone is right over my beard. Yeah. So you're you're hearing the the mic rub up against my face. I'm, so, I'm, I'm going to try not to do that. It I sounds sorry. like you're like rubbing it in your pants or something. You're just like, <laughs> you're just like yeah. No, it's, it's right on my, it's right on my beard. I'm, I'm sorry guys. I, I didn't know. If, continue. I didn't know if my ex-girlfriend was making an appearance on the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, Jake was talking about, you know, wanting a guy, a girl and a microphone. And Greg was like, hmm, let me try that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shoot, it was my fault. But yeah, I, I, by the last half an hour of, of The Spy Who Dumped Me, I was kind of a little bit bored with it. But the middle section definitely had some really good laughs. Yeah. Um, I thought, it, I thought it did a good job of not completely following like all the tropes of like the James Bondy spy movie too. There was some interesting twists. And yeah, I like you was surprised with kind of the uber violence and, uh, choreography of the gunplay and the fighting sequences like i kind of didn't expect that level of thing from a uh you know kate mckinnon yeah. comedy movie yeah, it so felt, that was cool it felt like they had gotten guys from like you know like gareth evans the raid or like the john wick movies you know like chad stahelski or or uh Dave, david letch to like, <laughs> help out bless you <laughs> I agree. Like they, you could tell that they actually gave a shit that that stuff, you know, looked legit. Yeah. And, you know, had some weight to it, and that was definitely really cool. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, this is it wasn't so good that you need to run out to the theater and spend ten bucks to see this. I mean, if you're using some kind of, you know, a a list or movie pass thing, and you can actually get in to see it, sure. But otherwise, you can wait to watch this on HBO or, or free cable. It was fun enough for what it was. Yeah, exactly. I out of the spy movies, um, spy comedies that have come out recently, uh, the Melissa McCarthy one with Jason Statham and June Law. I watched that one a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I was pleasantly surprised at how good that movie was. Pretty damn funny. 
Yeah, that's a Paul Feig wrote and directed that one too, I, I believe. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was really enjoyable. So, have you seen the uh have you seen the trailer for the Paul Feig horror movie? Wow, it looks really good. Doesn't it? Yeah, with uh um Anna Kendrick, I believe is in it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really good. And I was like, it was so good that I was like, all right, trailer, don't show me too much. And it, it kind of borderline got there, but yeah. I don't want to see any more about this movie. See, that's the thing. It's crazy, Jake, that we're getting these directors that I never would have thought would have done horror movies. And some of them are doing them better than like the guys that are considered horror directors. Like uh, Steven Soderbergh just did that Unsane movie. And that was phenomenal. That was absolutely phenomenal. And he shot yeah. it on a fucking iPhone. <laughs> the whole movie is shot on an iPhone, and it looks beautiful. It's so cool. Yeah, I think a lot of these modern horror guys, like the big one that stands out is like Eli Roth or whatever. Like, it, they just kind of fall into their own, like, trap, right, where it's just more of the same, more of the same. And I think a lot of these, you know, fresh voices, um, I think, like, Jordan Peele is yeah. another one, right? Well, like, I mean, he, like, he just – that was his directorial debut, but, like, he comes from a comedy background. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, a bunch of years of sure. comedy and then to do like one of the best horror movies in years. Oh, yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, it, it's really crazy. I, I think you're right. Like it's just these the modern horror movie directors just seem to go around in a circle. Right. Like I, I'm sure you guys saw the Nun trailer this weekend and it's like, yeah, yeah you know, I do, the, <laughs> we've the, seen that 800 times. Oh, my favorite part of that Nun trailer is just the reaction from the crowd. <laughs> yeah, it is a pretty good jump scare at the end. I'll give it that. They showed it before the Meg. And so there's a bunch of kids in there, you know, and I loved it. I was like, oh, my God, thank God they're showing this before the Meg. This is great because there's a bunch of kids in there. They're like kids that have like shark hats on and shit like they're ready to see a big shark and stuff. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Meg here in a second. But, yeah, here's the thing. It's like all these kids watching the Nun trailer and they got freaked out, man. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, I, it was a really good bait and switch with the with the nun trailer and the yeah. jump scare. I, it, it was very well done. I almost feel like the trailer is going to be better than the actual movie. Probably. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm not excited to see the movie at all. It's just jump scares. <laughs> oh, man, they, they're milking the conjuring. Like, if you were, like, an extra piece of furniture in the conjuring, there's a good chance you're going to have a whole series dedicated to it. Oh, yeah. It could be oh, yeah. The, the couch. The couch that was in the conjuring. Find out where it came from. Uh, evil couch, and it like swallows people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you, like at the end of the trailer, you see like a little bit of a blouse sticking out, and then it gets sucked down real quick. <laughs> You're gonna see like the couch like following behind, but then the, it's the yeah. fucking ottoman gets you right from the yeah. left. Just when you thought it was safe to look for change. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, well, how did we get on that? No, just the Conjuring and how yeah. how it has like eight spinoffs already. Oh my God! I uh, the Meg when I went to see that in IMAX, uh, they they it's the forty year anniversary. Is it no? Is it forty year or fifty? Fifty year anniversary for uh, two thousand one A Space Odyssey. And they yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, wasn't it? That was incredible. I was blown yeah, away. I hope that it, is it going to be a whole week or is it going to be like maybe a few weeks in the theater? Oh, I don't I don't know how they're going to how they're going to work that. I, it it wasn't a fathom event. So, yeah. I don't know. That's something not to be missed in my opinion. Like I will be seeing 2001 in the IMAX when it comes out. It's fucking Same incredible. Here. It's fucking yeah, incredible. I'd love to see it in IMAX. Yeah, absolutely in IMAX. So, um uh Hepner, oh yeah, you passed it off. Jake, what else? You got yep. anything else? 
Oh, Spy Who Dumped Me, yeah, just a middle-of-the-road taste it. And then the, the other thing I have, well, I think we're all going to talk about as a group, is I also saw the Meg. Okay. All right. Um, let's see here. Greg, what do you got? Uh, anybody see Insatiable on Netflix? No, they mm-hmm. they keep showing the trailer for it, and I can't figure out if it's a if it's like Heather's or because it just seems like you know this bad girl doing bad things, and so I I went to IMDb and checked the ratings, and it didn't seem like it was doing too well. But if you say it's good, I'll watch it, man. So the the basic premise is it's um, there's this very very overweight girl who gets in a fight with a homeless guy and he punches her and breaks her jaw. So she has to go on a liquid diet and she loses a lot of weight. And she, she gets kind of connected with this lawyer who I, I'm not even, I'm not making this up. This lawyer who was accused of pedophilia and was also like a beauty queen manager. And they sort of find each other, these two people. Uh, it's actually really controversial just because this idea that you know, they show her really being picked on as a as a heavy girl, and then she goes on a liquid diet and loses all this weight, and all of a sudden she's getting all of this attention. So it's it's supposed to be a black comedy. I got to tell you, I did watch one episode. I just don't find it very funny. Hmm. <laughs> it's like it's trying to be subversive, but it's not. I just I just didn't laugh. So I I might watch one more episode just to see if it finds its stride a little bit. Um, it does have Alyssa Milano in it, which again, just being a fan of you know growing up in the eighties, so I'll give it another shot oh, just God. for her. But and I love her as a person too. Like, have you, have yeah. you ever gone to her Twitter? I have not, but she's, I'm familiar with. Yeah, she stands for all the right things. I love. Yeah, her. she does. She's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got to give it a low tasted for now. I'll give it another episode, but I, I can also see why some people are bothered by it because this idea that you know she all of a sudden is loved by everyone because she loses a lot of weight. It's a, it's a weird message. So, mm, well, I mean, that's the thing like, uh, shallow how was kind of controversial yeah. when it came out too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and the fat suit is terrible by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's crazy. Um, they, they were doing that on this is us as well. Weren't they? That, uh, they were, that that's right. NBC show. So, uh, yeah, crazy. I'll probably check it out. I want. I I enjoy watching things that are a little bit controversial, so I can kind of like make up my own mind about it, whether it's like next level or if it's just like, wow, you guys are just trying too hard and failing miserably. So I'll give it. A, I'll give it a watch. They kept like every time I pull up Netflix, man, boom, right there on the front front fucking page, insatiable, insatiable. And so yeah, they're I, trying really yeah. hard. And I, I guess the actress was a Disney girl, which is also pissing everybody off. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't I obviously don't watch the Disney Channel, but, um, you know, she was sort of like a sweetheart. And now she's what happens? Sleep. Yeah. What happens to all these Disney stars, these girls that are on these Disney shows? Like once they get older, they just have to prove to everybody that they're not Little Miss Disney. And then they just go around humping everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, you got like you got Lindsay Lohan and Selena Gomez was a Disney girl, right? Well, Hannah Montana yeah. was Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana Miley Cyrus. Was. Yeah. yeah. Un- unbelievable. Just 
Yeah, we, you're, just because you're, you know, you're not mature because you go around humping everything. My, you know, I had dogs doing that around the house and I didn't respect them for it. Ridiculous. <laughs> you gotta shed the old image and bring on the new. Yeah, but just because, you just shedding the image doesn't mean that you have to like, oh, I gotta do outrageous things. I'm growing up now, so I'm gonna do outrageous things. I'm gonna go hump this thing over here. You know? <laughs> a, friend, a friend of mine, when his dog would start humping something, he would get really close to it and just look it right in the eye just to see if it would stop. <laughs> <laughs> it probably it, it, motivated it him. Yeah, probably. <sighs> maybe it helped a little bit, you know? <laughs> that's weird you know oh man if you did that to a person and they kept looking that's a that's a psycho killer that you're that you're yeah. you're dealing with there it's not normal no it is not or just someone who's really into you <laughs> jake, jake always looking for the positive a little, it's a little too into you silver lining <laughs> all right uh anything else greg so, also, I'm not a big gamer, but has anyone heard of No Man's Sky next? I've yeah. heard of No Man's Sky. <laughs> not again. Uh, yeah, it, it, that's the same reaction that I had. So, this is basically the people who made No Man's Sky saying, this time we're really sorry, and this is the game <laughs> you were you were promised. So, I have I bought the game, whatever, year, year and a half ago. I played it for 10 hours. It was like, um, it, it, was, it, it, it wasn't good. Let me just put it that way. And, um, you know, I saw that there was this massive update, so I downloaded it, I played it again. So it's essentially got much better graphics, you have much more interesting little creatures and shit that you find around all the other, all the little planets and stuff. There's a story that's somewhere they put in there, and it also has multiplayer, so you have the chance of running across other hopeless assholes who are going to planets because they have nothing better to do, evidently. <laughs> the game is still, you walk around, you gather shit. You make shit with that shit. You fix other shit, and then you um, you you build things and you take pictures of animals and plants. Uh, I got about five hours in and was done. I couldn't handle it anymore. So overall, I probably spent like thirteen, fourteen hours on that game. So it's better. It's much better looking. Uh, I still can't recommend it. It's a toss it. Wow, wow! This was this game. They'd been developing it for years. It was supposed to be huge. I mean, the idea—the the idea is basically like oh, they, they generate these planets using algorithms. So there's, you know, ten quadrillion combinations that you can get, and it's really an interesting novelty. But after a couple hours, the, the gameplay is just not very good. It's not very engaging. When you, so you go to these other planets, and are there just animals there, or are there actual like aliens and shit? There are some aliens, but there's only like three or four different kinds. Hmm. <laughs> and they'll send you on boring missions like they'll be like, oh, get me uh, get me 10 kilos of, you know, plutonium or whatever. And then I got to walk around with my drill and start shooting plants and rocks and to get the plutonium. It's crazy like, how hunting for plutonium in a video game is boring. But in real life, that's pretty goddamn exciting, right? It's, I, I've never done it, but I imagine it would be fun. Yes, I know. I have. I haven't been on that mission personally, but if I were <laughs> given given the opportunity to go on a hunt for plutonium, that would be kind of exciting. Yeah, and then you know, there's like little creatures, and every time you take their picture, you get points, and you can name it and stuff. Mm. And so that's kind of fun. Yeah, don't you get the name, we, name planets too when you discover them? You can name. You can name planets. Mm. Can you name and it? other players see that when you name stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, because the universe is so big. If they go to the planet that you found, which I guess is theoretically possible, they would see whatever you know, whatever you named it. Welcome so. to the planet. Fuck. 
Yeah, I, I, I have tried to name them the dirtiest things possible, just so if somebody found it. <laughs> oh, that Planet would be yeah. fuck. Plan- yeah, Welcome to Planet there. Fuck. Oh, <laughs> it's a six-legged scrotum head. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, though, Greg, because I tried No Man's Sky when it first came out, too. And just because like, it was so hyped up. But, yeah, I've never been a fan of those kind of survival walking simulator games where there's no real objective other than just, hey, go around and look at stuff. And you know, there's nothing... There's no real, like, gameplay mechanic outside of, yeah, you're running low on oxygen. Get more oxygen. You're running low on this. Fix that. That's about to break. Upgrade your ship for no real reason. Yeah, yeah. I liked it on the NES when it was called Solar Jetman. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, another awkward moment of silence there. We are two for two. Um, anything else, Greg? No, that's all I got. All right. I uh, I went and saw Black Klansman, the uh, new Spike Lee movie. Oh, nice! With um, I know Adam Driver's in it, I believe. Yeah, Adam Driver's in it, um, and uh, Topher Grace, uh, <coughs> John. D- Jesus Christ, Hepner! Put a sock in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that got that got really awkward, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, there was another awkward silence. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. It's a, it's based on a true story. It's the true story of Ron Stallworth, an African-American police officer from Colorado who successfully managed to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan and become the head of the local chapter. Uh, it's directed by Spike Lee. Uh, Jason Blum and Jordan Peele were producers on this. Um, and, uh, yeah, Topher Grace plays David Duke, the uh, former Grand Wizard of the KKK. And uh, I heard that the role was so hard for him to to play this, you know, racist bigot that that he made. To, uh, he needed some catharsis, and so he made a uh, two-hour cut of the Hobbit movies, and uh, he edited all three of them. He edited them down to uh, two hours, and he also did with this with the Star Wars prequels, if you remember, years ago. Um, you, you ever I'd like to watch his Hobbit cut. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to watch the Hobbit cut, uh, the Star Wars prequels cut. I would watch that too. But the, the, he can't do anything with them. He just he does them on his own, and then he like he has a viewing with like all of his Hollywood friends and stuff like that at his house. Is what he did with the with the Star Wars one. Um, also in this movie is Laura Harrier, and she plays uh, Liz in the Spider Man Homecoming film. Like uh, Peter Parker's love interest, the one that he kind of had the crush on, she's in this movie, and I couldn't believe like uh, how like when you give her a, a role like this, she just she's just amazing. I, first, I'm just going to give this movie a Tupperware. This is one of the best movies I've seen all year. It, it mixes comedy with emotion so well. Uh, one minute you're laughing your ass off, and by the end of the movie you're crying, you're in tears. Um, I. I I just, I was blown away. I was blown away by the performances of Adam Driver and, uh, this, uh, uh, John David Washington. He's the son of Denzel Washington. He's the lead in this one. He plays, uh, Ron Stallworth. He's very, very good in this movie. He's really, really terrific. And, um, 
I, I don't want to give away too much. It's like I, this is one of those. It's based on a true story. You can look it up. A lot of the things that happen, some of the things that happened in the movie, actually, I, I don't want to say a lot, but some of the things that happened in the movie didn't actually happen in real life. They kind of had to change a few things. Um, you know, I found out that David Duke did not discover that. Because basically, Ron Stallworth calls David Duke and pretends that he's a white racist, and they basically have like this relationship over the phone. And then when he applies to get into the KKK, they send Adam Driver's character, who in the movie he's Jewish, but in real life, the real guy that played this guy. Um, I, I don't know if he, I don't think he was Jewish at all. So they kind of threw that into the movie. And, um, but a, a black guy was talking to David Duke on the phone and became like really good friends with him over the phone. It's absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. And kind of like, uh, uh, they infiltrated the KKK. Even the KKK sent him a membership card. He was, he had a membership card from the KKK with his name on it. And this movie is, it's a roller coaster. It is absolutely crazy. I, I loved it. Um, but the real David Duke didn't find out that Ron Stallworth was a black man until 2006 when a, when a reporter contacted David Duke and, and then told him. And then David Duke right there, you know, like 20, 30 years later finds out that this guy that he had talked to for years uh, was a black guy. It's it's absolutely incredible. And then at the end of the movie, stick around uh, for the credits because um, they uh, play. They have uh, Prince uh, singing "Mary, don't we- don't you weep" over the end credits, and it's a uh, unreleased live rehearsal recording that you'll get to hear for the first time at the end of the credits. It's pretty cool so i tupperware the hell out of black Klansman. I, I don't want to get into it too much i just want to let everybody know that you have to see this movie it's very moving uh there are parts where you just are laughing out loud um and uh at the end of the movie there's they show they show some clips of like the you know race riots in charlottesville and um uh, it's very uh it's very emotional so highly recommend uh black Klansman. Uh, that's good. It's nice to see Spike Lee doing something so like out there in the public again. It feels like it's been a while since a big Spike Lee movie. That- Ain't that the truth? I, I, when I was watching this, I was just thinking to myself, yeah, um, he's still making. He, he, he's still relevant. He's still making great movies. He's still got it. You know, so it's really good. Guys, can we talk about? Uh, can we talk about the Maniac trailer? Did everybody get a chance to watch this? I did. Yeah. Okay, yep. I do want to talk about this. Netflix has uh, revealed the uh, the official Maniac trailer. Uh, it shows off their upcoming 10-episode dark comedy series, Maniac, which stars Emma Stone, uh, Jonah Hill, and Justin Thoreau, and Sally Fields. Um, and uh, I, I, it's basically Netflix released a bunch of images from the upcoming series, and it's a... It's a it features a series of fantasy world scenarios that Hill and Emma Stone's characters experience throughout the course of an experimental three-day drug trial. And so you've got two people here, Emma Stone's character and then Jonah Hill's character. They feel like there's something wrong with their brain. And they try this 
experimental drug. It's a three-day drug trial, and they're being monitored by Justin Thoreau, who's playing this this scientist. Um, and uh, it's based on a 2014 Norwegian series, and uh, it's mostly set in the fantasy worlds of the character that uh, Hill and Stone play. Uh, Justin Thoreau plays the role of James Mantle Ray, and um, he's believed there's we don't have 100% confirmation on his character but he's believed to be playing an alcoholic doctor in in the vein of a mad scientist so um i want to talk about it a little bit more but i want to get your thoughts on this uh greg let's start with you what did you think about the maniac trailer you know i i don't know what the hell this thing is really going to be about but i I enjoyed the trailer. I mean, in, in terms of it motivating me to want to watch it, it, it succeeded. And I mean, you've got Jonah Hill, who's obviously really talented and Emma Stone. So um, once I started seeing those images of those different worlds, it really drew me in and made me want to learn more of, of, of what this was about. I, I did get it reminded me a lot of Legion for whatever reason. I don't know if it was the costumes and the wigs and it had this sort of 60s sort of kitschy feel to it. But mm. I got a little bit of a Legion vibe from it. I'll definitely watch it. I'd give the trailer a taste it, um, but interested to see see more. I was thinking like Legion meets like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless yep, absolutely. Mind. Absolutely, you know. So, uh, Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I'm going to give it a high taste it. I thought it was a really intriguing trailer. Um, I, I can see the Legion vibe. I didn't think that when I was watching it, but I did notice like. It had a really like neat artsy like feel to it, just like the way it was shot and the way the, the the rooms they were doing the experiments in and and then when they started showing flashes of the other worlds and the other stuff going on i, I was really intrigued and i you know i'm gonna give it a high taste hit because i thought it showed like kind of what the atmosphere of the show would be about without really like giving away all the main twist and i really appreciated that yeah yeah Th- didn't this feel like noah Hawley put out this trailer right absolutely yeah. yeah, yeah, it was it was very well done. Like it's, yeah. that's a hard balance, right? Like when you have a show like this that has so much going on to get people to want to tune in, but yet not kind of reveal your ace card. We need. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm telling you. I'm sorry, Greg. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say it's almost like if Noah Hawley did an episode of Black Mirror. That that's what it felt like. Oh to me. God, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. You know, it's it, we need some. I'm not saying Netflix is uh, tanking. But, but they come out with some crap, right? I mean, it used to be Netflix. Every all their original content was just gold. Most of it was just absolutely fantastic. Like all the original content that they were pumping out, and like now it feels like yeah, we've gotten some of like these original Netflix movies. Like they're giving us like you know the David Spade movies. These you know the this new Forrest Whitaker movie that came out that like literally maybe nobody watched, maybe a few people watched. Um, and I've heard good and bad things about, uh, what was it? The, I mean, there's been some stuff that just not everything this year has been altered carbon or glow season two. Like there's been some stinkers. feels like they're a bit more loosey goosey with their, uh, movies than there are with their TV shows, right? Not that they haven't had a couple of clunker TV shows too, but I feel like I hold the TV shows up to a little bit of a higher standard than the movies. They've kind of let me down so many times on the original movies between the Stephen King stuff and the Cloverfield garbage. And, you know, it feels like, I don't know, it's getting a bad reputation of like 
where you take your movie if it's not good enough to make money in the theater, which is not that, really the best reputation to have. That's that's just started. That's a trend that's literally just starting, you know. Um, yeah, but I mean, it, it still like kind of gives it a stink. You know what I'm saying? You can't help but but kind of just have it. And it, sure. they haven't helped that by really having many amazing original movies to throw out there on themselves, you know? No, I, I agree. I mean, they're, they're getting Will Smith to do a movie. Even War Machine with Brad Pitt. Like, that movie was not good, in my opinion. Even though, in that role, he proved to me that he'd be a better cable than uh, Josh Brolin. Just throwing that out there. But anyway. Um, yeah, the Duncan, the Duncan Bowie's Jones. Kids movie seemed yeah. like a bit of a bomb. Oh, I, I watched it. It was not that good. I mean, it was I was not a fan. So, um, yeah. Uh, Hepner, what did you think about Maniac? Uh. Um, I'm pretty much right there with Jacob. I'd definitely give it a high taste. There's a lot of weird, it's like you said, it's hard to have a trailer for something that looks like it's mostly like a psychological thriller and a drama and not, like you said, give away too much of it. But, you know, it really, you know, the cast is good, really good, interesting visual stuff and it looks like it's got tremendous production value. So I'm definitely going to check it out. There's one thing during like, right in the middle of it that just jumped out to me was like right in the middle where you start getting the idea that there's going to be some sort of weird element to it when you get all those flashes of images. And then there's a purple koala Muppet looking mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And it, like that, that really made me go, Hmm. What's, what's uh, it really got me curious. Like, <laughs> all right, you have my attention now. Okay. What's weird about this is uh, the fact that, they take this drug. First off, the drug is like the letter A. It's a red letter A, and it looks hard to swallow, <laughs> number one. Um, but then they keep they, – when they take the drug, are they sitting in these chairs? They're sitting in these chairs when they take the drug. And is that like them monitoring like what – because basically it's almost like it's hallucinogenic. Like this pill takes them on a hallucinogenic journey and they and they they kept saying that Emma Stone char- Emma Stone's character and Jonah Hill's character kept finding each other throughout these different lives and scenarios that I guess that their brains are make, like creating as they're going on through this experience of taking this drug. Like there was one where like she was the mother and it looked like Jonah Hill had a like a Kenny Powers Eastbound and Down mullet and and. <laughs> yeah. And then there was like one where she looked very elvish, you know, like they were in a kind of like a fantasy land. And there was other ones where she looked like she was like uh, Agent Carter, where she like in that 40s era, like it, they're bouncing all over the place in their in their mind. But they also mentioned in the trailer, like they keep finding each other. And I was just like, what does that what, I, how does this all link up? I, you'd think that they would have separate experiences taking this pill. How how are they linking up? How are, how are these experiences connecting them? And that kind of blew me away. And that's that's got me really intrigued. I'm also I'm going to give it a high tasted as well. It's got it's. I think this could be a Tupperware at the end of the day, but it's one of those things. It's got me excited enough to watch this. Um, and uh, basically, it, the trailer begins with Jonah and Emma Stone. Uh, oh, they play Annie Landsberg and Owen Milgram. They're being interrogated by Justin Throw's Dr. James Mantle Ray. And he is claiming that he can repair anything about the mind with a sequence of pills that he designed and he created. Uh, this 
show, it, it tells the many stories of Owen and Anne, two strangers drawn to the late stages of this secretive and experimental pharmaceutical trial. Each of them sign on for their own reasons. Annie is disaffected and aimless, fixated on broken relationships with her mother and her sister. Owen, the fifth son of a wealthy New York industrialist, uh, has struggled his whole life with a disputed diagnosis of schizophrenia. This, uh, the series comes from Emmy winner Carrie Joji Fukunaga. Uh, from uh, Beast of No Nation, True Detective, directed uh, all of the episodes of this show, and it was written by Patrick Somerville. Um, this this guy was a writer on the new It film, uh, and the the series was created by Patrick uh, Somerville. And uh, Jake, he was a writer on The Leftovers, so that makes sense why they brought over Justin Theroux. Yeah. So um, Maniac is executive produced by uh, Stone and Hill. And uh, Fukunaga and Michael Sugar and Doug Wald from Anonymous Content. Um, and so they've got some big names. This series uh, debuts on Netflix on September 21st. And um, I, uh, I, I, can't, I can't wait to see it. I, it I, th- there's the scene where they're talking about they, they, they really don't know the full extent of what this drug can do or the harm it may have. This is very experimental. And then Sally Field's character asked Justin Thoreau how many people have ended up catatonic. And he says zero, roughly. <laughs> so I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. Like, is that where this is going to end, where we're going to have, like, Emma Stone and, and Jonah Hill catatonic by the end of this thing? So... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see this run on Netflix, though, right? This this almost feels like a show that would be better served as a, a week to week show. I don't know. Like we just, have to we have to see how like the episodes are laid out. Like, if if, if each episode just doesn't land on like a big kind of like cliffhanger, I can understand just going to the next one. It feels like week to week shows they always try to leave you on that big fucking cliffhanger. Like even like the fourth episode of Castle Rock. You know, I was not 100% invested in that episode. And then the end of the episode, I'm like, holy shit, you, drew, you brought me back. All right. No, all right. I'm back <laughs> I'll, next week. Huh? I'll come back for episode five. It really just depends on, like, how they tell the story. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I don't know. Just, like, this kind of psychological thriller, it feels like maybe it'd be better to stew on it every, every week. But, yeah, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I give it a high taste that's just uh, on the trailer alone. If you haven't seen the trailer for it, it's uh, called Maniac, and it comes out September 21st on Netflix. And it feels like Netflix is getting a lot of these big stars on these projects, like, you know, Paul Rudd and Will Smith and, you know, now Emma Stone and Jonah Hill, because they're listed as producers on these. It just feels like they're using... Netflix is kind of like a testing ground to get into producing and then possibly even move into like directing and things like that later on down the road. So. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's a good way to like kind of dip your feet in the waters of that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to Maniac. Any final thoughts on Maniac? I'll be watching it. I hope the theme song for it is. She's a maniac, maniac <laughs> on the floor. And she's dancing like she... Okay, anyway. Um, 
Wouldn't that be cool? Every episode. <laughs> I, was, I, I already had my heart set on. I wanted 10,000 maniacs. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I uh, started watching um, last week, Jake. I, I, I talked about this briefly when I was talking about Sacred Lies, that show about the girl in the cult and she's got no hands. She can't masturbate. How do you masturbate when you ain't got no hands? <laughs> mm, uh, yeah, I don't know. Kind of probably propped up against the wall. If you have to Google that, hold on. Can you imagine if Captain Hook tried? Ah, you know, I was like, next thing you know, he's got his, he's got his little worm on a hook. So mm. that's what that, that that gives different meaning to masturbate, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> um, fuck you, Hopner. <laughs> you sounded very, you sounded your laugh sounded very judgmental. Uh, let's see here um yeah last week i talked about uh sacred lies uh that show about the cult on uh facebook watch and um when i when i brought that up i talked about a documentary wild wild country uh on netflix and um it's about uh the world's most controversial guru builds a utopian city deep in the oregon desert uh conflicts with the locals escalates into a national scandal it's based on a true story and it's about this cult leader his name is Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh and uh his followers called him Osho and uh it starts like in like 1968 in India and basically he talks about he he's he's like a religious spiritual leader and uh he talks about how, like, I'm not, I'm not Jesus, I'm not Gandhi, I'm just here to spread this message of love, joy, and peace, and I can turn you into a new man. I can open your eyes. He's kind of like Morpheus. He's like, hey, you know, red pill, blue pill, you know, you choose. I'm gonna, I can open, <laughs> I can expand your mind. And so, like, people are just kind of like, um, like, he, he's got this whole thing, and it's so weird when they show it. it um, he, he has people go through like this process where they, uh, what is it? Like the first thing that they do is, I, I can't remember. I, I might get them out of order, but like the first thing they do is start, uh, like yelling and screaming and like getting out aggression and anger and just start going nuts. And then they start like, uh, Breathing heavily. No, no, they start breathing heavily at first, in and out, out of their nose, until they get light, lightheaded. Then they start screaming and yelling and like going crazy, getting out all this aggression. And then after that, they like dance and have fun. And then after that, they just lay down and meditate. And like all these people do it in this big group. And it's all supposed to be like this insane experience that they go through. And like, People from all over the world are like going there to, to meet the guru, meet the guru. And, uh, he builds like this, he, they, they want to start like their own, uh, city. And so he sends out like his, uh, subordinates and they fly all, all over the world until they land on, uh, a place in America, in Oregon, this, uh, this little town called Antelope that has a population of 40 people. Next thing you know, dude, the footage in this fucking documentary is unreal. Everything was recorded. They recorded everything. Like, you get to see parts of these ceremonies. You get to see, I mean, everything. His speeches. Everything is recorded. That's what makes this so compelling. Is like, you, and then they get people that were actually in the Rajneesh movement, and they're, they're interviewing them. People that are still loyal to this guy, 
uh, and then uh, or and his memory. And then people that were like uh, cast out of the group, and then they talked to the locals in the town of Antelope. They, it, this is unreal. I can't believe like this happened in the you know it went from the '60s to the '70s, and then '80s is like when it started to explode. This happened. I as a child, like I never heard about this. Ted Koppel, Dan Rather, all of them were reporting on this stuff. Uh, his uh, second in command. Uh, this woman, Sheila, she was on Donahue. She was on all these shows. This was a huge thing. They tried taking over this town in Oregon. They, st- they, and, and, and they almost, it's, they almost do. It's insane. This, you gotta watch this, Jake. This is like, this is an amazing documentary. It's, uh, it's a six part series, uh, hour each. Um, I finished the fifth episode. I have one more left. And, uh, it's, uh, the Duplass brothers are, uh, executive producers on this one. Uh, wild, wild country. Uh, Joe Rogan was talking about it, so I had to watch this one. And, uh, it is, it is just, it's amazing. I can't believe this fucking happened in the United States. It's unreal. What service did you say this was on? Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's on Netflix, man. So I, I, uh, I started yesterday and then I watched a little bit today. I've just got one more episode left. It's just, it's so compelling. I can't, I can't believe that this happened in our country. Like they were, they were, they were, they were take, sending buses. They were trying to like basically like win an election. They were going to have like three of their, uh, the Rajneesh community, like they were going to have three of them run for office there in, uh, Oregon and, uh, basically take over this town. Um, they had their own police force, but they were taking these buses all across America and picking up homeless people. And telling homeless people, we'll move you into our commune, our commune, and we'll take care of you. Once they got there, they were like cleaning them up. They were giving them medical attention, dental. Sure. They were taking care of them. These people were converting. Uh, when they first got there, man, like they were literally like on, this is why they call it wild, wild country because like this is like parts of Oregon, like nobody lives in. Like this is like land that nobody was living on. And they like started their own solar power electricity and everything and then they had uh they started their own uh irrigation and farming and they started turning like this dirt into green and animals started coming back to the area and uh it's wild they started like building homes and people were living there it's absolutely wild this this uh this cult leader he had at one time at like they said like 17 rolls royces somebody bought him like a million dollar watch band like, uh, it, it's fucking crazy. It must, must be nice, right? And, yeah. And they record everything. Like literally everything is recorded and you get to see like, n- like the newscast too, like Ted Koppel, uh, Dan rather all the local stuff. And, uh, from, from around that area as well, they talk to the local townspeople about how they felt about it. Uh, these people just moving in and they all wear red, they all wear this red garb and all this shit. And they're always walking around and dancing and and then they have like i guess they talk about these like sex parties that they used to have or something like that it's fucking nuts this 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 story is fucking crazy i just gotta i gotta go on the record this cult sounds awesome are they still operating (laughs) dude i'm telling you yeah there's like i'll I'll be honest with you like the first two episodes you're like holy shit this looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> like it looks like summer camps for adults where everybody gets laid. You know, it's crazy. So, but yeah, it's a, it's not a cult is a cult. And you soon find out on episodes four and five that 
everything has a dark side. So but, uh, I, I'm I'm willing to live with certain things, Brian. I'm going to check it out just to see if they're still around. <laughs> 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 moving the family there greg <laughs> if i if i stop listening just please understand there's a good reason oh man <laughs> i love that one that one listener from the middle of oregon that's me yeah, we're too busy taking care of blockbuster girl to worry about what happens to you, greg. <laughs> thank you can you can, please jake could you please clarify what you mean by taking care of? Because I don't need <laughs> making sure we keep our five stars. All right. Shit. Okay. Just all right. All right. Guys, we are going to take a quick break and come back and we're going to discuss the Meg with Jason Statham. We'll be right back. back uh real quick i wanted to let everybody i watched uh mission impossible fallout again for the third time oh wow i didn't know you even seen it the second time oh yeah yeah by the time i reviewed it i had already seen it twice and i went back and saw it again today and uh got to watch it at the amc with the the one that has the recliners jake so i got to lay down and watch it all right did that make it better oh it's just it's just it, honestly like the movie just gets better and better with each viewing. I'm not going to lie. I'm not even just being I'm not even joking. It is it is so good. The story is so well done. And uh Christopher McQuarrie has basically like brilliantly tied in every previous movie it feels like into this one film and just kind of like it's just so good. It's really good. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. Mission Impossible Fallout. Fantastic. Still made 20 million this weekend. Came in second behind the Meg. Um, so yeah. Obviously they're going to do seven, right? They've got to. And I hope McCory comes back. I really do. I would love to see McCory come back and do number seven. This guy is just killing it. So yeah, it doesn't, it feels like it's still gaining steam, not losing it, you know? So yeah. you got to keep moving. Yeah. Uh, Hepner, I know you have one thing that you wanted to talk about for Good Pop, Bad Pop. Yeah, uh, yesterday I, based on, cause you guys brought it up again last week, I got to watch, uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower on Netflix. Yes. And man, yeah, you were right. That movie is fantastic. I definitely Tupperware it. I really, you know, it's, once again, it's got traditional, you know, um, Ghibli animation and visuals that are always just so rich and full of detail and subtle things that you wouldn't, where you want to like keep pausing the movie and look at the background, and be like, "Wow, look at all that work!" Um, but you know, like the early stuff, the early part of the movie has got a lot of like early Harry Potter vibes going on, which is really cool because I love the, that series as well. But yeah, just the the storytelling and the voice cast because it's on Netflix, it's dubbed in English. Um, our, everything is just really top notch on there, and you know I know that uh, it's uh, Studio Conic's uh, first film, and you know they're mostly all uh, former Ghibli people, 
And it's a really fantastic first outing, a great addition to the overall uh, collection of uh, uh, Ghibli and offshoot Ghibli works. Yeah, and in the meantime, it's a nice substitute for We're supposed to be getting new Ghibli Studios, uh, a movie uh, coming out, but they said it's still maybe even still three, three to five years out is what they've said. Yikes. I, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's gonna be a while, but I always say let them take their time because they almost always knock it out of the park. So let them take as long as they want. Well, shit, we weren't even supposed to get it. He just most recently come out of retirement within the last year, year and a half. So I'm just happy that we're getting anything at this point. So yeah, yeah, yeah interested to see what brought him out of retirement that he had to do, huh? Oh, I know. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I. These these Studio Ghibli movies are fantastic. Ghibli Fest is still going on, uh, and then I think they're playing uh, Grave of the Fireflies uh, Monday and Wednesday. For, today was the first day, and so Monday and Wednesday you can still check that out uh, as a Fathom event. And uh, it's going on until most of the rest of the year, uh, Ghibli Fest. So, yeah, yeah, very cool. I'm glad you got a chance to see that. Uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower, it's on Netflix. I highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend that movie. So, what what Night of the Fireflies? I I've never. That's like one of the I think two it's called, or three I've never seen. I think it's called Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have not seen it either. I'm hoping to catch it uh, either tomorrow. No, not tomorrow night. I got to record a podcast, but maybe Wednesday I can catch it if they're still playing it. Because some of the Ghibli fests. They only play it around here. Now I'm getting into details. Uh, sometimes they only play it on the Sunday and Monday, and not every time do they play it on the Wednesday. But um, And then they say that, that, that the Wednesday is a dubbed one, and sometimes it's still the subbed. So fuck you and your lies. <laughs> what the fuck? I know. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, the the dubs are really great on those too because they usually always get like really like known people to do the dubs yeah. on the Ghibli movies, so that's always really cool. Yeah, Matt Damon, uh, Brian Cranston, uh, Michael Keaton was in the uh, the Porco Rosso one that I saw. He was great. Yeah, he was great. He was really good. Let's. Uh, Jillian up. Anderson's great in Mononoke. I know. Oh, uh, Mononoke. Yeah, Mononoke. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Billy Bob Thornton and Claire Danes are on that one too, I think, right? That's true, yeah. Yeah, and then Billy Crystal is the fireplace in Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, I saw Howl's, but I had to watch that with the subs. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's because I usually, watching foreign uh, films, I usually want to watch it subtitled, but Ghibli, they always have such tremendous voice work for the American dubs that I it's one of those few times where... I'm like, no, I'll watch it dubbed. I'd prefer that, actually. Let's talk about the Meg. Um, the Meg, after escaping an attack by what he claims was a 70-foot shark, Jonas Taylor must confront his fears to save those trapped in a sunken submersible. Uh, it's directed by John Turtletop. Uh, he was a producer on the uh, National Treasure movies. And, uh, yeah, uh, this is the Meg about the giant shark. I've been looking forward to this one. When I first saw the uh, trailer on IMAX, I'm like, I've got to see this on the IMAX screen. It's a giant shark. i got to see it on the biggest screen possible. And uh, I went and saw it. I, I want to know what you guys thought. I'm going to start with uh, Hepner. What did you think about the Meg? You know, I kind of struggled a little bit back and forth with it. So, in the end, I'm going to land on just a middle-of-the-road taste it. Because my biggest thing, like, it was enjoyable. I definitely had fun with it. 
but it was one of those I wanted to either like lean fully into camp approaching Sharknado territory or I wanted it to go the opposite way and like try to be over melodramatic and self-serious to the point where it was absurd and I could laugh at it by that measure. But they kind of floundered back and forth about it a lot of times where, you know, you have these uh, these moments where they're trying to have a serious moment and then it's immediately followed by like some ridiculous joke or over-the-top bit of physical comedy. And I... It was a bit whiplash-inducing for me, and I kind of wanted to just go one way or the other. Okay, uh, so taste it, uh, Greg. What'd you think? I got it. I saw it totally differently, and I got to say that when Brian, when you asked me to come on this episode, you were like, "Oh, we're going to go see the Meg," and I was, I was like, "All right, of all the of all the movies, that's not one that I would." <laughs> my expectations were very, very low. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went in, and it, you know, I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be like a Sharknado thing or this cheesy, campy thing. I honestly thought this movie was better than it had any right to be in a lot of different respects. Um, I thought there were cases where, like, you know, I thought the script was going to zig and it kind of zagged. And, you know, one example is, um, you know, I I thought the whole movie might be about these three people who are trapped in a sub and this chase to like that that was going to be the whole plot. And they were running out of air. That was resolved probably in the first half hour. I thought that the ex-wife was going to be a big love interest. Obviously, she, she wasn't. Um, for me, this is, believe it or not, I, I thought it was a high tasted. I really enjoyed this movie. I had a lot of fun. I think um, to quote one of your most famous guests, I think it was probably about a half hour too long. I did find myself getting a little bit bored towards the end, but I thought it was a really good time. Other than Rain Wilson's character, I didn't think I didn't I didn't sense they were trying to lay on the camp all that much. I thought they were taking it moderately seriously and having some fun with the material but i I liked the movie and i was very surprised that i liked it so much nice i'm I'm gonna jump in here uh rain wilson's character was confusing though right i i i I didn't know if the movie was trying to peg him as a villain or not because it felt like they were but i don't think that they really succeed i don't want to spoil this movie for any it's a it's a stupid shark movie but (laughs) I don't want to spoil it too much for the people that do want to see it, but like, I felt like the movie didn't really know what to do with him. It, they were trying to turn him into a villain, but like, in a way, he wasn't. I, I it was weird. He, his character was kind of yeah. all over the place for me. Jake, do you agree? I mean, but I, yeah, I, it, it was by the, it was the end of his character arc that made it the most confusing to me to stay out of, you know, spoiler territory. But yeah, it was like, oh, really? I was supposed to feel that way? I never really did, but I guess that's what was supposed to be yeah, going on. Yeah, like at first I was just like, okay, he's this uh, eccentric billionaire who's funded this underwater kind of like exploration and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then they kind of like do this flip where he is wanting to cover up everything that they've done and he didn't alert the Chinese authorities and all this. And so I was just like, am I supposed to hate this guy? Cause I kind of like him. Like he's wanting to drop bombs on a shark. I'm like, I kind of like him. I don't know. I don't know. I, I was very confused about that character and I don't feel like they did. I think they, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give my thoughts on it and then I, I'm going to, then I want to hear from Jake. I, 
I love the first two thirds of this movie. I thought that it was really fun. The action set pieces were a lot of fun. Um, seeing it in IMAX did help. Um, my uh, the biggest problem that I kind of had with this movie was the um, the rivalry that they could have had between the Meg and Statham because there really wasn't one. And I think that's what makes a successful movie like uh, Jaws as successful as it was because you have, you know, it, we find out in this movie, the Meg, that this shark uh, killed his friends and and people didn't believe that this shark, uh, that, that, that there was something down there that existed. And, and I was hoping that he would kind of like use that in the movie that his friends died uh, uh, to kind of like drive him. And I wanted to hear him kind of like talk out loud and, 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 and voice his opinion and act like this shark is like his adversary. Like, you know, like he's captain Ahab and, and he's going up against Moby Dick or like uh, even in jaws, like with uh, Martin Brody and, and jaws, like we didn't get that here. I felt like, Instead, he's dealing with all these other relationships, like his ex-wife, and then like this new love interest, and and like I don't have problems with like relationships and romance and action movies. Like I love Speed, I loved it in Top Gun, but this is a movie about a giant shark, and I really wanted it to be kind of like I wanted it to feel like Jason Statham versus the shark, and like him really like that's his adversary. And um, I didn't really get that here, but the action set pieces were absolutely amazing. The audio in this was amazing in the IMAX. Um, so I'm, I'm also going to give it a high taste it as well, Greg. I I thought it was uh, a fun kind of movie like that, and and maybe my my nitpicks are like you could kind of like dispute what I'm saying here. You could be like, ah, Brian, this isn't Spielberg doing Jaws, you fucking idiot. <laughs> but on the flip side, like Jason Statham versus a shark, you see it in the movie. I just didn't feel the connection. Right. I did. I also didn't feel like this. The shark was smart. I wanted to feel like the shark, like, you know, um, like, like a velociraptor in the Jurassic Park movies when they do things and you're just amazed by them. Like, Oh my God, I didn't know they could do that. Like, yeah, I wanted to see this shark kind of like outsmart them, kind of like Jaws did in the Jaws films. But overall, I, I did have a lot of fun in the theater, and I do think the IMAX experience helped. Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I, just to talk about what you were saying real quick, how, how hard would it have been to just tie in his original experience with this new Meg, right? Right. So he actually, like, carries over that, you know— this thing killed his friends. He still has that, you know, emotion for it. But yeah, they did, they did kind of drop the ball on that fact. But yeah, I um, I'm gonna echo a bit what you guys are all saying. Um, I like Greg had very little like hope for this movie. It was like, you know, okay, let's go see the Meg dumb shark movie, and then was kind of pleasantly surprised. But then yeah, by the last twenty minutes, it was a little bit like, okay, okay, get this over with. Um, it's definitely. It's it's a taste it teetering to a high taste it for me, um, but only I think if you see it in IMAX. Um, I also was going to count on the sound. I was really blown away by the sound in this thing. Like I was, my seats were shaking in this movie, and I haven't felt anything like that in an IMAX movie for a long time. I, I can't think of any movie I saw where I could actually feel like my arm, like my chair rumbling and stuff while the stuff was going on in the sub and the bombs were dropping. That was that was really impressive and really immersive like i i thought i thought it was going to be more sharknado but then it really was more like deep blue sea where they like it w did have cheesy elements but they were trying to keep the drama intact and I, and I thought it worked i was not bored with it and 
I thought Stahan was a good enough, you know, lead man action hero. And yeah, it was fun. High yeah. taste it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to land. Jake, I'm with you. High taste it in IMAX, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, if you don't see this, if you saw this on your TV, it's probably a low taste. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> this is definitely a theater experience because the audio is fantastic. And I did have my seat rumble as well, man. It was kind of cool. I, I didn't know if my girlfriend was masturbating next to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, and on a, on a crazy fucking aside with this movie, the bottom of my large soda like fell apart in this movie. <laughs> like all of a sudden I hear all this dripping and I look to my left and my soda is just like literally exploding on the ground next to me. And I, so I like, I pick it up and I, I look into like the cup holder thinking there's like a fucking nail in there or something. Like I have no idea why this even happened and there's nothing in there. And it's just like, 30% of the bottom of it just came undone, like unglued. It was some kind of defect. And uh, so I ran out and got another <laughs> soda. And then I shit you not, 10 minutes later, it happened to someone else four rows in front of me. Somebody was poking <laughs> holes in the bottom of those fucking cups, dude. <laughs> yeah, they were holding, usually... though. It was like 20 minutes later, though, you know? And then it just all came at once. That's bizarre. That's usually That's done weird. with popcorn, right? Isn't that the trick? <laughs> no, that's a different different thing. Oh, okay, Just, I got confused there. I know it, it's it's a lot worse. With, it's a lot more sticky with the soda. Yeah. So mm-hmm. can I can I say one thing? And Brian, I I don't want to. I you're I know you're a big Jurassic World fan, and I I love the first one. Yeah. I couldn't help but feel when I'm watching this movie, like, hey, this is a much better script than Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Like that that movie, it seemed like every step was just telegraphed. And this one, not everything was surprising, but it it felt like a fresher story than what Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom gave me. Yeah, I'm dude. I I just turned my I dude. I'm an idiot. I'm a foaming idiot when I watch Jurassic World movies. I'm just like dinosaurs big. Oh my god! You know, like that's that's, that's that is literally me when I'm in the IMAX and I'm watching the Jurassic Park movies. And you know, Chris Pratt does it for me. I love that guy. I think he's fantastic. I love. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard in those movies. I think she's fantastic. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, this you're right, man. Uh, Greg, you're absolutely right. This movie does take some twists and turns that you really don't see coming. And that kind of keeps you in the movie. It, it it really does. Like when it when a movie is predictable, it takes you out of it. And and when when this movie zigs, when you think it's going to zag, it, you're kind of like, holy shit. Wow. Uh and it's 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 a fun movie, and and it definitely it's like John Turtletop. You know, he's a producer on the National Treasure movies, and the first one of those National Treasure movies is a lot of fun. You know, yeah, so, it is definitely. Yeah, I would love to see this get a sequel. I really would. Um, you know, and and the thing is with this one, it was uh, they were projecting uh, twenty to twenty two million for the opening weekend. And uh, it has surpassed that, guys. It made forty four point five million uh, domestic. Wow! This week, I'm glad to hear that. double and double, <laughs> and uh, it's made a hundred and third. Uh, the movie cost one hundred and thirty. The movie has made one hundred and sixty globally so far, and uh, if it hits two sixty internationally, uh, everywhere else in in some of the new uh, countries that it'll be released in. Um, then uh, it'll it'll basically break even. Hopefully, it'll go above that, and uh, we'll get a Meg sequel because this is Jason Statham's 
biggest breakout for a solo film that he's done with where he plays uh not you know not not the fast and furious movies those are bigger movies but for just jason statham a solo outing with him being like the main character this is his biggest box office draw and so yeah i uh i mean yeah, if you want to get your fucking shark fix, you can watch, you can watch this. I know Sharknado 6 is coming out soon. There's going to be Ian Ziering doing some <laughs> time traveling here and stuff like that, you know. But, uh, you know, if you want to get a really cool shark fix, this is a fun one to see. And I saw parents bringing their kids. Kids. Oh yeah, yeah I saw a lot kids. of kids too. Kids yeah, wearing, yeah. kids wearing shark hats and stuff like that going in there. They're excited to see the shark. Like, you know, they remember the shark from like Finding Dory and stuff like that. And, and, um, so these kids are excited to see a gigantic shark. And I feel like a lot of the same crowd that, that, uh, maybe goes to see the Jurassic movies kind of like went in to see this one. So. Can I ask uh, yes. one other question? Because there, there's one feeling I couldn't escape when I was watching the movie. Was the shark a little too big for anybody? Like, th- there's something that's much more terrifying about a shark that can tear you apart versus one that can swallow you. And I, I couldn't help but think, like, eh, you know what? They're going to get swallowed. They'll probably roll around in his belly for a couple months and then drown. Is it just me? I think what the, the, I think like the terrifying thing that they really wanted to get across. I see what you're saying, but it's like the what they did with the beach scene when they're on that beach and it's swimming underneath all those people. Right. And, and this is, this is a highly populated like beach where it basically you look into the ocean and it's just like hundreds of people in the water. And so they kept giving us like those overhead shots of like how big this thing was but you're right. You know, it literally just swallows people because it's that big. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's interesting. They, they did gonna, a good job of not showing it so much, though, that you you weren't ever just, like, bored of seeing well, it. Well, shit. You didn't, they drew you, the line really you didn't well even get the You didn't even get the Meg until, like, 30, 35 minutes into the movie. Right. Yeah, and I that's agree. another something else attacks at first, and I was completely in shock. I don't again. I don't want to spoil it for someone who hasn't seen it, but there's an attack early on where it's not a shark. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I was stunned. Yeah, um, that was crazy. Did anyone else get scared that um, maybe the kid was going to have some uh, Wesley Crusher like saving the day accident? I, did. I was like. Oh yeah. man, I'm glad that didn't happen. That's another one. She's in the sub, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go with this shit. And then thank yeah. God she got out again. Yeah, I was waiting for the stowaway sub storyline, yeah, and they, yeah. they avoided all those tropes, oh, and I was very God. proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, director was in an interview. John Turtletop was doing an interview with Bloody Disgusting. He revealed that at one time there was an R-rated version of this movie, and that it was going to be uh, pretty bloody. He said, "This my wife is glad about it, and I'm glad my kids can see the movie. But the number of really horrifying, disgusting, and bloody deaths we had lined up that we didn't get to do is tragic. We shot or even did a lot of visual effects for gory scenes. We just realized there's no way we're keeping this PG-13 if we show this. It's too fun a movie to not let people who don't like blood and people who are under, say, 14 years old into the theater. I was very hesitant to cut out a lot of blood and gore. I wouldn't have it. uh, I wouldn't have if I thought it was wrecking the story, but it wasn't. So. I don't know. I want to know your thoughts. Would you have, would you guys rather have had this been like bloodier and gorier? The part 
that I, I don't want to spoil it, but the part that was really bloody and gory had to do with another, some other sea life. And, uh, man, that was a hard watch. I, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know, Jake, I, I kind of like the way they did this. Yeah, I agree. I, I think of Eli Roth's Piranha movie as kind of an example of what this could have been like, you know, mm. if you've seen those. Yeah. And it's like, I, we didn't need that here. I, I do like the idea of kids going to see this. And I don't like if it was going to be more gory, I would have wanted it to be that more campy type of movie. Like the characters definitely weren't acting like they were in a movie that was not that type of movie. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So maybe I maybe on the uh, VOD release you can have the uh, R-rated cut. That feels like something that they probably will end up doing. That's smart. Yeah. What, what do you think, Greg? Dan? Yeah, you know, I think they're going to get some kid money. Like my son is eight years old, and I got home, and he's like, "Oh, can I go see it?" And I would have no qualms at ta- about taking an eight-year-old to see this movie. Yeah. I, I'm curious if um, they're seeing the audience come in and saying, "You know what? We better." we better keep this where, you know, you can have some kids go and they, they resist an R rated cut. Cause I think it'll just confuse the audience at the end of the day. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think when you double dip on the VOD though, that's smart. And you're making yeah. all kinds of extra money. Yeah. yeah. I definitely agree with all that. I think definitely it was the right move for them to keep that extra stuff out. And I can only imagine it probably was extended beach scene stuff. Uh, that'd be my guess. Um, but yeah, I think that, yeah, it was the right move for them to keep it out, but I'm definitely, if they do do, uh, already cut for it for the, uh, VOD, I'll definitely want to check it out because Piranha, like, uh, quitting it to the Eli Roth Piranha movies is actually a really good, uh, thought of like, that's kind of more of what I was expecting it to be closer to that, those kind of movies and less what it is. So, you know, maybe I'll have to check it out again and see if my opinions uh, changed on it or not. Yeah, I, I, if they come out with the R-rated version, first off, when when you come out with the R-rated version on your Blu-ray or DVD, don't call it the unrated version. Just call it the R-rated version. I think people think that that sounds cooler. I I hate unrated. I hate it when they call it something unrated version. Just call it the R yeah. version, right? Yeah, that yeah. would be cooler. The hard R version. Yeah, this is this is the rated R version. I hate it when they say unrated. Then it's just- yeah, because it definitely seems like they're trying to uh, bury the lead and make it sound like oh, it's way more edgier than it <laughs> actually is, and then maybe it does come off as a bit disingenuous. Yeah. So underrated. There's hardcore porn in here. But I would exactly. if, if they did come out with like this unrated R-rated version uh, on the Blu-ray. I would like to kind of see like the shark bite down on somebody and then kind of like impale them with its teeth and then like them just hanging there from its tooth <laughs> impaled, <laughs> you know, before it finally just eats them. But, uh, there's definitely fun stuff to do. I'm not saying that yeah. an oh, no, no, shark no, no. attack movie couldn't be fun. No, but it, I mean, this is coming at, uh, out at the tail end of, uh, of the summer, you know, bl- uh, summer season. And I feel like definitely take advantage of uh, having some of the kids come in there and watch this movie, right? So yeah, yeah. exactly. I think Mission Impossible was a little bit too smart for the mm-hmm. you know eight to fourteen set. So this is the perfect kind of follow up action movie Man, in the if, summer for that. If I'm a twelve year old going in to see this movie, I'm leaving and saying, "Oh my god, uh, I love Jason Statham. That guy's awesome." You know? Yeah, definitely. That, I love sharks too, right? That part where they are dragging him. 
uh, underwater and he's hanging onto that cable. That was fucking awesome. I don't care. That was fucking awesome. And the shark is after him and they're, he's hanging on that cable and they're pulling him in. That was a, that was amazing. Yeah. I had so I, I much was, fun. I was pleasantly surprised too early on. You know, there was some nice art direction and just the look of the base I thought was really cool. And yeah. some of the, some of the underwater shots when they go underneath the, whatever they call it, the, the layer. Um, I, it was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. if you can check out the mag, uh, it's in theaters now and, uh, hopefully, I hope we do get a tri- I hope we do get a sequel. It, it was a, it was a fun movie. It was a fun movie. Yeah. And this so. thing's based off like a series of books too, right? So they have like a slew of material if they do make more, I believe. That is true. Yeah. 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 There's like nine books about it or something like that. Yeah. Uh, guys, are you ready to jump into the pop culture leftovers news? Let's do it. Always. Yeah, 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 read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right. First thing I want to talk about, uh, have you guys heard the latest theory on the uh, new Predator movie coming out? No. This is crazy. Uh, the latest theory on the movie The Predator is that with them introducing this new super predator, ultra predator, whatever the fuck you want to call this thing, and hybridization being in this story where they're basically taking DNA, the predators are taking DNA from other species and using that DNA to upgrade their predators, uh, that they may have taken DNA back in 1987 from Dutch, who uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger played in that original film. And added it to this super predator. So that's uh, one of the theories out there is that they've taken DNA from Dutch, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, from the original Predator movie. And, uh, you know, it, defe- it defeated the Predator. So That's okay, interesting. Yes. Would you find that – is that something that you would find out in this new movie? Yes. How would they convey that, do you think, like on a computer screen or something? We've got a sample here. Oh, it matches up with uh, one of our uh, guys that we had. <laughs> and then, you, then, they, then they show a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger and then people are like, I remember that movie. I liked it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that's basically what will oh, happen. Oh, man. Yeah. That sounds pretty handy. At first it sounded really cool now that I – Put it together like that. It sounds really hampered. But hold on. Are we also going to find out, like, what other creatures have these, uh, these, uh, super, uh, these predators encountered? Well, aliens, of course, from the, you know, James Cameron film and, uh, from, uh, you know, Ridley Scott, you know. So are we going to find out these things that have green blood that are, that also, uh, doubles as acid? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying like that could definitely be a possibility that they, that they've actually, uh, doesn't the super predator look a little bit darker, kind of like a black color, maybe like an alien. So yeah. this thing could bleed acid. I mean, didn't no, we I... already, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Hopner. All right. Uh, cause didn't we already have something like that with alien versus predator requiem? I know it was, uh, yeah, they had a kind of more patched out of a predator at the end of the previous one, but like they've already kind of done that kind of a thing. If they mix the xenomorph DNA with predator, they're DNA. doing it again. 
Hobner, I just told you this movie is all about hybridization. I, I, I'm not saying anything that could not happen. I'm, I'm speculating. I'm not saying it is going to happen. But since they've said they've introduced hybridization, and I realize in that first AVP movie, Aliens vs. Predator, at the end of that movie, they show a baby alien predator hybrid. But I'm saying it could come. It could come up again here. It's a possibility. That yeah, what, no, I, and I, I don't. I, I, I and I'm not saying that they're going to basically tell you like out loud in the movie like oh they've bred it with the aliens I, i'm saying like in this movie when uh one of the characters uh like let's say uh, uh boyd holbrook's character cuts this fucking thing it could start bleeding and it could start burning through you know rock or metal or wood or whatever it is and they don't say it but fans of the franchise know since it's like burning through this shit, like, oh, it's also been bred with an alien as well. Yeah, that would be the way I'd want that to be revealed. Like, I don't want it revealed along with the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger moment. You that, know? That's the way they'd have to do it. You've yeah. got to throw up a picture of 1987 Dutch, right? You know that what, what, what challenges me about the Dutch theory, though? It's like, it's not like Dutch beat the predator with his body. It was, you know, he was setting all these traps with logs. And so it was like the predator going to have somebody fall in a pit with some punji sticks or something. Like <laughs> yeah, fucking logs. I'm like, oh, my God, he got that move from Dutch. You know, it doesn't make sense to me that they would that they would splice Schwarzenegger's DNA because he's still weaker than the original predator. Was. I think that the predators, it's basically it's just about like them wanting to create a champion so like they feel like oh okay let's take it from earth's champion right yeah honestly i think the predator will be setting up traps um i I just saw this trailer (laughs) the newest trailer again recently and it was the most uh glass half full i've been on this movie actually like i don't know like it it did look kind of fun i i like how it just looks like kind of a who's gonna make it through this hunt in the city type of movie and at the least we know this isn't just a paycheck thing for Shane Black that he obviously you know, cares about this franchise and these characters. And I mean, good. at the end of the day, this may be a load of crap, but I don't know. For some reason, I was really into the last time I saw this in the theater a couple days Jake, ago. Jake, when I saw the first trailer, I was I was... I was happy enough. I was like, okay, they're going to have, okay, uh, guys with, uh, big guns and they're going up against the predator. It's when they introduced this super predator that I, it kind of like dampened my, uh, excitement level for this. I, I guess I'm a predator purist. I just want predators. I don't need, I don't need, uh, these, uh, super predators that, I don't know. And, and the fact that we've got Olivia Munn in this movie. She's. Yeah. I can't be glass half full about that. But I don't know. I'm. Yeah. I'm the most positive about this movie I've been That's since good. we first started talking about it in the podcast. And I hope you're right. The trailer one more time. I hope you're right. That's the thing. I hope you're right. For me, like, if I would have got a trailer and, and they were like, okay, uh, you're getting uh, John Cena, Dave Batista. You're getting like, and they throw out some more like The Rock, like all these big ass motherfuckers. <laughs> that was the first movie, right? I mean, it was uh, yeah. Jesse Ventura, fucking Schwarzenegger, Carl yeah. Weathers. You it's know, like The Expendables versus Predator. At that that's point, what right? I want. Absolutely, yeah. that's what I want, man. That's absolutely. Yeah, I'm what not I want. gonna argue that, but I do think the second trailer was better than the first trailer yeah. for me. Like, I was worried about the stupid kid with the spaceship shit. Yeah, and like that. That's kind of all been alleviated by what they showed me in the second it's trailer. Still and I mean, I'm not going to argue that yeah. the 
I hate the stupid movie trope of here's the same movie monster and now we're just genetically engineering the next better one. Right. It's some lazy shit. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. See, that's the oh my. Can you imagine if they cast like uh, uh, Eco Ues from the Raid movie and we got to see like fucking. Uh, somebody karate kick a fucking predator in the face. <laughs> That's exciting. That's exciting. Like, I, <laughs> oh. I don't know, man. This movie's rated R, right? Hey, yeah. Shane Black yeah. he obviously has something in his heart for this franchise and these characters. Oh, man, I'm, I'm holding out that this might end up being a good movie. God damn it, Jake. I hope you're right. Seriously. I hope you're right. I really do. I, I love what you're saying because I really want to believe it. You know, I feel like I'm one of these Rajneesh cult members and I'm, <laughs> yeah. well, look, I, I know how you guys feel about Iron Man three, but I, I mean, Shane Black doesn't really make bad movies though. Like, what's the worst movie Shane Black's ever made? Other hold on, than, hold on, hold on. About Iron Man 3. Let's let, let me make a correction here. Jake liked Iron Man 3. Okay. Oh, yeah, I do sorry. like Iron Man okay. 3. Okay. I bad. did not like Iron Man 3, but I loved Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. Okay. And I also enjoyed The Nice Guys. I, I did like it. I didn't love it, but I enjoyed The Nice Guys. I think Shane Black is a competent director. He was also in the first Predator movie as one of the guys that took on the first Predator. So like Jake said, he has a love for the franchise. This guy's, and the casting is pretty damn good on this fucking movie. And I think like you got Keegan Michael Key in this one, Boyd Holbrook, I, I, you know, um, and uh, I'm trying to think who else is in this fucking movie. Uh, Olivia, Olivia Munn. Yeah, Olivia <laughs> Munn. But anyway, you know, I, Jake, God damn it, your excitement, not your excitement, but your hope for this uh, makes me want to believe because it is rated R. And uh, unlike, you know, like we didn't get a rated R mag, which I'm fine with, but like we're going to talk later about uh, we might not get an R rated Venom like we were promised. But anyway. So yeah, least, I feel like there's a lot of goods in this movie that we're not seeing. Like, I have a lot of hope that there's a lot of stuff that we're going to see that we had no inkling we were going to see. Like, the trailers are really holding a lot of stuff back here, I think. Yeah. You think that kid's going to die? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a ballsy move. So, oh, my no, God. No, I don't think he is. Wouldn't that be but, fucking crazy? Wouldn't that be fucking crazy if we saw, like, those predator fucking, like, claws, like, just ram through that... Fucking nine year old's <laughs> chest. You're gonna see the kids get it's Christmas time, so the kid's gonna get a puppy for Christmas, then you're just gonna see the three red dots on his chest and he's just gonna explode. <laughs> <laughs> is it really Christmas time? Is it Shane Black Christmas yeah. stuff again? Well it's gotta be. It's gotta be, right? Yeah. It gotta be, gotta be. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm right there with you, Brian, because I think you you call yourself a predator purist. I'm very much the same way of you know, the problem with some of the later Predator movies is that they try to go too far into, like, they they keep up in the game, but, like, there's always so much with the, the thing like the Predator that you can really do before you have to start peeling back the curtain of what's Predator culture like? And it's like, how are you going to create and explain any of that? And I do just like the simpler first two movies of just the, yeah. just a Predator on a hunt, and there are people caught in the middle of it, and let's see how... Who lives, who dies, and how the last, you know, the last man standing gets through this. Yeah, when yeah, you, sounds awesome. When you've got, uh, is it Sterling K. Brown? Yeah, I think so. When, you, when you've got him saying, like, they're global conquerors, like, that's not really what I always thought the Predators were. I, I As far as global conquerors, I, I felt like they were just uh, hunters. Like, they would send their champions to go up against, like, humans or any other planet. I, I didn't feel like they were trying to 
conquer worlds as far as like taking over. Uh, that just that, when he says like they're global conquerors, I was kind of like, that's that's V. If you're watching a yeah. sci-fi movie, like a sci-fi yeah. movie V, V like infiltrates our society and conquers like the whole planet and takes it over. That's not the predators. The predators just kind of like show up for sport, hunt I us. Know, Brian. They just go on safari. They're yeah, like Craven the Hunter. I always thought they were the same person, practically, you know? Yeah. Well, you're going to get that movie. You, you know what I'd love to see the Predator series do, though? It's like, show me show me the Predator versus a bunch of, like, samurai or against, like, the Spartans or some shit yeah. like that. I would love to see something like that. Well, they, there's uh, – in the comics, I think uh, there were, uh, the Predators did go back to the past, like, to the Civil War and shit like that. If I think Dark Horse did those comics years ago. Like, yeah, they did. Yeah, so like uh, the, I got to read those. The they were good. They were really good. Like the predators would go back to like the Civil War and stuff like that and fight people like th- all throughout time. And so, yeah, it's just it's it's one of those things. Like yeah, they just uh, the, uh, samurais to see see a predator against a samurai would be absolutely phenomenal. That would be amazing. Yeah, because they also you know they've always stressed in the past like you know despite the fact that they're just killing everybody. The predators always have that, you know, honor code of like, you know, they don't mm-hmm. go after someone who's unarmed or in the second one when the one lady and she's pregnant and so he doesn't kill her. And so there's always been a code of ethics behind like what, how they, you know, go about their business. And I always like that aspect of it because it makes it so much more than just a, a mindless killer like, uh, like the Xenomorphs or even like uh, a Jason Voorhees kind of, you know, slasher villain. Did you guys ever see the uh, short film, The uh, Predator, that went back into medieval times? Yes. No. Yeah, somebody, it was a fan film and somebody made like a short film and like the Predator went back and like fought like the Knights of the Round Table and shit. And it's fucking awesome. Highly yeah, sounds cool. How long is it? Like half an hour, you say? Yeah, something like twenty minutes, thirty minutes, something like that. I uh, I actually I talked about it on uh, PCL years ago. I'm talking like early days. We were probably even still in like the teen yeah. episodes, Jake. So that was your first Crow reboot update on that episode. Probably. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> sounds about right, man. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> fucking Crow! What cast a woman as the Crow for crying out loud? Can we fucking do that? Why not? Can we just yeah, why not? cast like Tatiana Maslany or Mackenzie Davis, one of these talented female uh, actors out there to play the crow instead of like trying to get Jason Momoa and Bradley Cooper and fucking Tom Hiddleston and all these guys. Can we just have like that's I- I'm not saying like, oh, let's just do that because that's hot in Hollywood now. No, it'd be a fucking cool story. Like it's it's a it's a vengeance story. And to see like a, a woman to come back and her and 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 see her man be killed, and then for her to die, and then for her to come back, I think it, I think get a woman in there to do it, and fucking that would be fantastic. So give me that crow reboot. Everything else that you're talking about is going to be garbage. And get the director that did Upgrade to do it because that guy was fucking amazing. Anyway, yeah, there you go. Or, or even like the John Wick guy. The John yeah. Wick, uh, Chad Stahelski or David Letch, either one of those fuckers, it'd be amazing. Uh, so yeah, I, I talked, we talked way longer on that Predator story than I thought we were, but it was good. It was all good stuff. Um, Jake, I, you know what? I'm gonna bring this story up. I know you were not a fan of season two. Stranger Things executive <laughs> producer Sean Levy talked with the playlist and he had some things to say about the upcoming season three, which hits Netflix sometime in 2019. 
Jake, your rating of Stranger Things season two, uh, seems to just continue to go down. It felt like it was, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing with you, Jake. It's like the farther removed that you are from that series, like the more hatred I believe that you actually have in your heart for Stranger Things season two. Yeah, that's a true story. It's just, it's just one of those things where season one was such a Tupperware for me. Like I gave it our annual Tupperware awards mm-hmm. and it was just one of my favorite things. Like it really just touched a lot of, you know, bases of things I really like in like a show or a franchise. And I just yeah. had such high hope for it. And I don't think season two is without any merit and like utter crap. Like I, I think I a little bit hyperbole and like shit on it for, for fun, but it really <laughs> is like. A giant letdown for me. Like, honestly, that part is true. Like, I just, it, to me, it's nowhere near the standards that were set of the first season. And I, I find it very unfortunate. And I, I kind of fight my sadness by just making the whole scenario even worse than maybe it really is. I and know. You I went- still do. I still do hold out hope, though, that we can right the ship. You go from a tasted until, and then you just co- totally like devolve online, like fuck season two. <laughs> 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 and I, what, what, yeah. I, what I love about you, Jake, is the fact that you you I what I love about Jake so much is that Jake loves to go for the reaction. But like we're me and Jake are at that it, we're at that point in our relationship as podcasters where Jake will tell me, hey, Brian, I'm going for the reaction. Watch the fireworks. And, so- <laughs> and then I, I, my favorite thing that I said, I was like, what's the worst thing I could say about about uh, Stranger Things season two? I'm going to say it was worse than Hero season two. Oh, yeah, that was fucked up. That was wrong. <laughs> he said it. He knows it's not true. And he said it for a reaction and he wins. That's when you let Jake win. <laughs> when you play into that. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, uh, Euro funny. Season 2 was like a boil on the scrotum of Season 1. It was just awful. <laughs> oh. but to me, there is a comparison. Like, I, it, it is an exaggeration. Like, it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. But it is a little bit of the same thing for me because I do think Hero Season 1 was another thing that was really brilliant and it was, it was the good. start of what could be a great franchise. Well, it was like... The adult X-Men show I always wanted, but then it was just, well, the, the Hero season two was affected by the writer's strike at the time. So like, it was, you know, it, but I, me, I love Stranger Things season two. I, I thought it had a lot of great things in it. And, uh, um, it's one of those things where when season three is announced, I'm going to watch seasons one and two again. And, uh, I still Tupperware season two. I, I, I absolutely, I had a completely different experience than you did. And I absolutely loved it. But, uh, Sean Levy, he talked at the play, playlist. And, um, before I read his quote here about what's uh, in store for us in season three, has everybody seen the piece of viral marketing that they released a few weeks ago, which was the commercial for the, uh, Starcourt Mall in, uh, Hawkins, Indiana? No, yes. I didn't. No, I haven't. Okay, guys, you gotta search that out. That's one of those things. There's a, uh, um, it's kind of like a, it's just a viral video. It's not a true trailer. They know that people were wanting Stranger Things season three this year, and they know that they can't give it to us this year. Jake, this was one of those things that I was talking about, and I'm not saying I was right, but I was saying like, this is one of those things that I was talking about after Stranger Things season two, that I wish they would just film these things fucking back to back. Cause the weight is just, insane it's yeah it and sucks. it's kids too so it's I mean, kids. It's getting older yes fucking yeah. uh what's his uh that fucking uh wolf hard kid is like seven foot tall now 
Yeah. Can, can I tell you something honest? So when I watched season two at the end, when they have like the dance, I, I'm not a crier. I, I fucking lost. It was like that Cindy Lauper song. And when, when Mikey is like, Oh, I don't know how to dance. And Allie's like, no worry me either. I was crying like a, like a, I was sobbing, like tears running down my face. Uh, and my wife walked in the room. She wasn't watching it at all. She just sees me sitting on the couch crying. I've got tissues and a bag of chips. <laughs> She's like, what, what in the hell is wrong with you? Like, I didn't cry when my kids were born, but I fucking lost yeah. it. I, I love season two. I love those characters. Oh, man. I, when I was watching it, I uh, all of a sudden the bed was shaking. And I was like, God damn it. She's masturbating again. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, woman. <laughs> <laughs> Always uh, with the masturbation. Hopner, I feel like you got something to say, buddy. Yeah, well, I'm right there with Greg. Like, that last scene at the dance really hit me pretty hard. But, Jake, I think I can understand kind of where you're coming from with your feeling of it. Because, yeah, season one is just such a, out of nowhere, such a, like, real, like, great, like, nostalgia kick for people, you know, who grew up in the 80s and everything. So just, like, everything is so spot on. And it's such a great story. And I remember after season one, when they announced season two, I was like, I don't know if I want a second season of this. I, you know, worried that it was going to, I was going to feel about it the way Jake does feel about it. But I love season two and I'm really looking forward to season three. But Brian, this short, this uh, viral marketing thing you're talking about, is it like an advertisement for yes. a mall that's being built in Hawkins? Exactly. Ba- you know, back in the 80s, malls were like the big thing. Now they're not. Malls are dying. So, but back in the 80s, they were, it was, it's a commercial for this new Star Court Mall in Hawkins, Indiana. And, uh, there's a little bit of, uh, they show Steve working in kind of like a Baskin Robbins type place with another girl. And we don't know if she's going to be a main character or not, but it's really fun. It's really cool. I love viral marketing like this. And I think it was just kind of a way to let fans know that, yes, Stranger Things is coming back. Don't worry. Yes, it's going to be 2019. No, it's not going to be October 2018. Yes, we're sorry. So they came out with this uh, <laughs> this viral marketing. And I think it's also another reason like we're getting like the Stranger Things comic books that are coming out, uh, these, these novels, these books that are coming out too, is because people are really wanting more Stranger Things. And these seasons just aren't happening fast enough, which is like, that's, I feel like they should have filmed seasons two and three back to back. This is just too long a wait for people to be quite honest with you. I'm, 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 I'm kind of upset at like the Duffer brothers for not, and, and, and Netflix for not like locking these kids down and like they're letting these kids like do other things. Like I get it. You know, it's great that like the, the, the wolf hard kid is doing the fucking it movie and stuff like that. But like, you know, like, I, I want to see him do Stranger Things. Like, that's, I want these kids to be just like 100% Stranger Things. And it's just, the, the, yeah. the wait here, a year and a half is just way too long for me, Jake. Yeah, I don't know if it's just the kids though, man. Part of me thinks it's getting the pen to paper. That's what is a big hold up here too, right? They like, had, I think they, they, they just... said they had a treatment of like the whole series. They said they had, not, they didn't have everything mapped out, but a treatment of like where the series begins and where it ends. It was like a 10 page treatment. And so it's like, Get on it. Are you George R.R. R. Martin? That book's never going to fucking come out. You got the Duffer Brothers, you're your young guys. You, Netflix is paying you a lot of money. I guess, hey, if we're going to get, if, if we're going to get the season, we, we want to get it done right. I guess take the time on it. I guess, I suppose. It's just, get, I, Jake, I guess I'm selfish. I just want these kids young because they were so good in that first season. And, you know, I don't, I don't want, 
you know, I, dude, we're getting to the point where these kids, their balls are dropping now. You know what I mean? Like these kids, they're, yeah. they're, they're becoming like men. I don't want, I, we, we, we were, when we first started the season, we were watching boys and like, you know, and that's part of the nostalgia, Jake, is like remembering when we were young in the eighties and we were on our bicycles and we were out there and, and doing stuff like that. Like, I don't know. That that was part of the fun. I don't want to see them to the point where like Dustin's got like a face full of fucking acne. You know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. And it's like I just wonder how long they can go on with just these same characters and if it's gonna be such a thing that they're gonna continue. They're to go talking on about possibly doing five seasons. If you're doing five seasons at the rate that you're going, these guys are gonna be twenty one. They're gonna be like <laughs> the age of Tom yeah. Holland now. And you better hope that they don't look twenty one. You better hope that like you know, like Dustin doesn't have like a full like Jacob Harmon beard by the time. <laughs> I was thinking they'll go like the save by the bell route and be like season five, the college years. Yeah. For those of you who don't know who Jacob Harmon is, he's been on the podcast before and he has like the world's most glorious fucking beard you've ever seen. But anyway, it's um, okay. Shut up, Jake. You're jealous. <laughs> You've always been jealous of that beard. True story. He has been. He has. And Jake hates it when I fucking compliment Jacob Harmon's beard. That thing is goddamn glorious. It is. It, it, it Like, honestly, like, if uh, – you know how, like, Casper has their mattresses? If Casper had a Jacob Harmon mattress where it was filled with, like, his beard material, like his beard, I would buy that mattress. I would sleep on a Jacob Harmon beard bed. <laughs> <laughs> I would, and I would sleep like a goddamn baby and all my back problems would be gone. I promise you, if I could sleep on a beard – on a bed made of Jacob Harmon's beard, life would be a lot easier for me. This, that's the weirdest spontaneous thought you've ever said on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's up there. You guys, you just gotta, you don't hold back. When you do podcasts, just let it come out. It doesn't matter what you say, just let it come out. The first thing out of your goddamn brain, just say it. Doesn't matter. I don't care what you think right now, Jake. Judge me, you motherfucker. I don't give a shit. I want to sleep on a bed made of goddamn Jacob Harmon's fucking follicles, you son of a bitch. Uh, I, <laughs> I've seen that beard in person. It is it is delightful. I've seen it's it in person beard. too. Yeah. And I've actually yeah, I, when I first met Jacob Harmon, I said, "Can I touch it?" And the next thing you know, I was jerking him off. But then he said, "Oh, whoa! I thought you meant the beard." And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> "Things got awkward." Um, anyway, but uh, yeah, Sean Levy. I've been wanting to read this quote for an hour. Sean Levy talked about season. <laughs> I blame myself, guys. I go off the rails. Sean Levy said it would be a mistake for anyone. Who's fucking smoking the bong? Where's the bong? <laughs> it's not I think, me. No, I, I was sipping my beer. Was that it? <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. dude. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I'm no, hold on. Down there, Chuggasaurus. Last time it was my beer. <laughs> now it's my, my Miller Lite. I will Greg, put it down. I'm you sorry. literally sounded like a snork drinking a beer at that moment. <laughs> I know. You sounded I like really, I was... I, I was sucking the can pretty hard there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh my gosh, that was like a snork smoking a bong. Um, my beer, it, my beer's slightly frozen, so I got to really suck on it to get. Oh. Go ahead. I'm I'm sorry. You like your you like a frosty beer, don't you, sir? No, it's just I got this fridge in my basement, and it's a little it's too cold. Oh, gotcha. All right, yeah. So Sean Levy said uh, it would be a mistake for anyone to think that season three is the summer of fun and lightness because it's a whole lot more than that. There's no question that as you saw in that infomercial, Starcourt Starcourt Mall is a part of season three as is summertime. So season three has a really healthy dose of poppy, bright levity, and cultural fun. But I can only promise you that season three eventually goes places that are darker 
and unquestionably more action packed than we've ever gone before. So we're getting a mall in this one. Guys, they're really playing off the nostalgia. We all remember going to malls when we were kids. We all remember. Oh, yeah. Malls used to be like a whole day-long event going to it back in the day. It was a social circle, too. Like, you'd go to the mall and you'd, like, meet new girls. You know, like, you'd go to the mall and, like, like uh, you go to the arcade. You'd uh, go yeah, to the mall and you'd go, go to the food court and talk with friends. You, I mean, there's so many different things that you would do at the mall. And this, I feel like a lot of the action is actually going to take place within the mall, which is, like, a lot of fun. And I think, like, that's definitely going to draw like that nostalgia we're all going to remember like that mall experience like you know i i mean I, I remember going to aladdin's castle and playing the video games at the mall jake you you remember this you've had the same memories as me we grew up in the same area you know and and it's just it's one of those things where i'm i, I can't wait for this i cannot wait to see this. steve working at the ice cream shop like they've already teased it that's going to be fun um god damn it I'm, I'm really looking forward to this kids fighting a new evil inside of a mall? That sounds like fun. Yeah, just the idea of the amount of action set pieces of what you can do inside of a place like that. I mean, we've all watched, you know, like uh, uh, Day of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead and those kinds of movies where you have these large set pieces in a mall. And, like, there's so much you can do with it, especially with something like this where you're adding a real supernatural, you know, otherworldly element to it. it can, you can do a lot with it. I haven't seen, like, uh, I'll be honest with you, and somebody can prove me wrong, but, like, the I haven't seen a great mall scene since 1987, 1988's uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. What about Day of the Dead, the Zack Snyder? That, movie? yeah. That's actually what yeah. I was thinking of. Good, you know? good call. So, but what, one of the things that I'm wondering is... That was a, some, James Gunn. James Gunn did the... Uh, he wrote that, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, James Gunn wrote Day of the, 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 the New Dawn of the Dead. But the, the there are so many empty malls. I gotta, Are we going to see the upside-down version of a mall with oh. ashes and all that stuff? Oh, surely we will, right? Actually, we're oh, seeing no. we're seeing that now with them all dying. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say they can just there's a there's a mall back in my uh, hometown of the south suburbs that they can just take pictures of off of online and use that because that thing's been closed for like almost a decade now, and like the inside of it, so I went in there, it's just like there's you know overgrown plants and like a tree growing out of the middle of the food court. Oh yeah, it's hey yeah. You want to go to you want you want to go to uh, tumbleweeds at the mall? Absolutely. You literally see huh. tumbleweeds blowing in the wind. Um, They're making such an emphasis of uh, it being summertime. Do you think there's any chance that you get a little bit, even though it's going to be a year later? Maybe it comes out a little bit earlier in the summer instead of the typical October release. Hmm, uh, Jake, I, I, I would, uh, I, I, th I think you're right there. I think, uh, I think it will not be the October 2019. I think we're going to get this in the, uh, within the first two quarters of uh, 2019. Yeah, maybe yeah. like a late May, early June kind of release or something. Does this season take place in 1985? Mm, I'm, I'm bad. I can't verify that. I'm sorry. What year did yeah. Ghostbusters came out in 84, and that was the last season, right? Good good call. Okay. This season's 85. I think we might get a lot of Back to the Future references. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was definitely the huge movie then. All right, guys, let's – let's. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Jake. Oh, no, it's cool. Oh, uh, Sean Levy, uh, the producer that I just quoted, he is the director for the upcoming Uncharted movie with Tom Holland. So just throwing that out there. Anyway, yeah. 
Uh, I got really sad news here for the Star Trek movie fans. Uh, and this news comes from THR. Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth are no longer boldly going where no person has gone before. The two actors were in negotiations to star in Star Trek 4, but sources say that talks between the two actors and the companies making the new installment, uh, Paramount Pictures and Skydance Media, have fallen apart with both sides walking away from the table. Uh, deal making continues with other returning cast members, including Zoe Saldana, Zachary Quinto, Carl Urban, Simon Pegg, and John Cho. Uh, looks like they're going to sign back on. But guys, we might be losing uh, Chris Pine as Captain Kirk. And this all comes down to money. Pine and Hensworth, among Hollywood's A-list when starring in DC or Marvel movies, are said to be asking the studios to stick to existing deals. Paramount, according to insiders, contends that Trek is not like a Marvel or Star Wars movie and is trying to hold the line on a budget. The actors, according to sources, insist they have deals in place and that the studios are reneging on them, forcing them to take pay cuts as they try to budget a movie that is following a mediocre performer. So uh, Pine has had this deal in place for several years. And uh, you know what? Uh, I'm 100%. If, if that's the fucking deal and Paramount's fucking them, I, I'm glad they're playing hardball here. That's just me. It's bullshit. Yeah, they shouldn't do it for peanuts. Uh, they they have, you know, there's only so much time to make so many movies. And, yeah, I, I agree. It is bullshit. It's one of the Paramount's biggest fucking franchises. Pay them in. Especially because it's, you know, it's not like Pine and Hemsworth are coming in asking for more money because their stock is higher or anything. It's, hey, you know, stick to what we've already been doing. You know, they're not coming in trying to to strong arm them to get more out of it. They're just saying, hey, pay us what you have been before. And, yeah, that's ridiculous. The studio is trying to, to, you know, lowball them on uh, that. Just because the last movie underperformed, it's not their fault. Like, you, if you have a deal in place pay them what they're worth exactly well you know and it also might be because aren't they courting quentin tarantino to direct the fourth yeah film? i was Are wondering they? where tarantino fit because didn't he have his own script and all that stuff or he was in the right I, I thought he'd said it would be like four or five years before he could get around to that like or some garbage like that I don't know if that was a direct quote from him or if that was from sources. I don't know. Okay. If somebody wants to look that up, I would not be opposed to you looking that up right now. But I don't know if that was a direct quote from him or if that was kind of like a, a source like from THR or Variety or something like that, Jake. But I th I remember I remember seeing that article and it was it, it was saying something like they were a few years out. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I'm trying to find it. While you're looking for that, well, I mean, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was, I was gonna say because I mean, if they're they, if they're still at the point where you know they're still negotiating to get people to come back, I mean, how far along could they necessarily be in terms of scripting and everything? So <laughs> you know, I don't you know even if it was like maybe four or five years, I'd imagine even if you know they were trying to even if the, the negotiations hadn't broken down as they have, it'd still be like another at least three or four years before we'd get the movie. They need to wait. They need to wait until they need to wait until Star Wars has wrapped up this Skywalker trilogy. 
right? I mean, yeah. nobody gives a fuck. I, it's sad, it's sad, but nobody gives a fuck about the Kelvin timeline in this universe. Nobody gives a shit. We're all like waiting for that Picard series to come out. Like I, yeah. you know, I don't care about seeing like that first movie Abrams did was just that was fucking fun. That was just a that was a shit fuck ton of fun. It was so much fun. I love that movie. I so do I. I think that movie was fantastic because I thought it was incredible for them to just right at the beginning and then another time with the whole Vulcan thing just yeah. basically shit in the lap of every like Star Trek fan who has been diehard for over 40 years of continuity and just be like it's all gone now. Well, it, it's not. It, it, it's two different timelines. So like... Well, I know that. You can but... have... You can have two different. I know you you understand that, but like it's two different timelines. But it was, God damn it, it was so much. It was that was the first movie I had ever seen in IMAX. I was in Orlando and I went to the uh, I went to an IMAX theater in Orlando. It's probably the largest IMAX screen I've ever seen in my entire life, and it was oh my god, it was just fucking incredible. That opening scene with. Hey, what's going on there, Beardy? Beardy what is thing? going on? Oh, shit, I'm sorry. I shifted in my chair. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go on mute when I'm not talking. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I've, been co- was... I've been coughing all night. I've been doing the same. Yeah, oh, my God. A little bit. Yeah, yeah we got we got fucking I, Hepner over there with whooping cough, and we got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, ba- I'm barely moving. i you know. I'm sorry. All I'm trying to say uh, is uh, that uh, that first Star Trek was awesome in IMAX. Anyway, uh, yeah, we might not be getting Chris Pine back. And then that deal that they had worked out where uh, Chris Hemsworth was actually going to come back. And we were all thinking, like, there might be some time travel element here where, you know, Kirk gets to meet his father, the young version of his father, uh, which is kind of weird, Jake, that he would meet Chris Hemsworth Let's say this movie comes out two years from now. Um, Chris Hemsworth at that time is going to be a l- 12 years older, 11 years older than he was when we first saw him in that original Star Trek film, which is past a timeline where he died. So they got to de-age him a little bit. I know he, he looks young as fuck. But they still got to de-age him a little bit. He does look a little older now. He had he, oh. had he had a little bit. You know, you know, what Chris Hemsworth looks like he looks like if Haley Joel Osment was handsome. That's interesting. I see where you're coming from. Now. I've always thought that you're... if you look at if you look at uh, Chris Hemsworth and you look at Haley Joel Osment, it's like it's like it could go either way. Like like. Like, 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 here's the really good version, and, and like, whoa, what, what the fuck, what, the, what happened? Like, you know, <laughs> like he, he kind of like morphed with Charlie Brown, and you've got Haley Joel Osment. So, wow. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I, I was reading this article um, about the Tarantino Star Trek, by the way, yeah. and it, it's because it's going to be still a couple more years until he's completely done with the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. That this couldn't happen anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's not a quote from him, but it's it's but it makes sense and uh, it lines up with uh, his schedule. Yeah, and Tarantino does longer shoots than most directors typically, so that does make sense. We've just now started seeing like the photos of what people will look like in that movie, mm-hmm. so that that just started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw the Brad Pitt Leo picture, right? 
Yeah, yeah. And we saw the um, – oh, I'm drawing a freaking blank um, from Suicide Squad. Uh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting what you were saying, uh, uh, Brian, about the, you know, maybe you'd have to de-age Hemsworth if this uh, ended up happening. I was going to say also you'd have to make him look about, you know, 50% less jacked than he currently is. Yeah, that's it was easy. not that huge back then. That's easy. They can do that, no problem. That's easy. Yeah. That's easy. The, the, the thing is, like, okay, here's the thing, though. What if these guys don't sign on? Do you still do the movie or do you recast Captain Kirk? Like, what do you, what do you do at that point? Like, do you just abandon this whole thing and just say, okay, uh, Star Trek's back on TV. Enjoy Discovery, enjoy Picard and any other upcoming future projects that we have coming from CBS All Access in the Star Trek universe. You know, I, yeah. I would imagine they would have to chuck the script, but I wonder if it would be like, uh, you know, Kirk is injured early in the film and the rest of the crew go out to do blah, 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 blah. You know, like you're just barely in it. How can you have hmm. how can you have a Star Trek movie without Captain Kirk? I agree. I think it's a bad idea. Yeah, you, know I mean, you can. I think, I think they're going to work this out. I think they're going to work it out. I'm sorry, Jake. Go ahead. Here's the thing. I mean, you could, but you can't do it with the rest. You like, you can't have. Here's Captain Kirk's crew without Captain Kirk. Well, right? here, like, that just seems ridiculous. Hold on, Jake. I'm Paramount, and I'm making a phone call, and uh, Quentin Tarantino picks up the phone, and I'm like, "Hey, Quentin. Hey, how you doing? All right, cool, awesome. Uh, yeah, Star Trek. Can't wait for you to get started, babe. Uh, the only thing here is that uh, we're not going to have a Kirk." All right. All right. Hey, all right. Talk to you later, man. Bye. Like, so how do you, you got to understand that Quentin Tarantino is not going to want to direct a Star Trek movie without Captain Kirk. Right. Right. Yeah. Unless he has his own ideas of someone else. Like, unless he could bring a replacement, you know, uh, Samuel, so. Samuel Jackson is going to be the new I Captain was thinking Kirk. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of like guys that he has, like Harvey Keitel is going to be the new yeah, Captain Kirk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe they can bring back Bill Shatner and just not acknowledge that he's aged fifty something years. Oh, you de- know? just de-age him. That would be amazing. <laughs> like, I want, I want Tarantino himself to be Spock in this movie. <laughs> that would be awesome, <laughs> man. Uh, man. <laughs> You know what? I I want somebody to create a spork that looks like Spock, the Spock spork. Right? The Spock spork. Uh, yeah. I'm in. Isn't that awesome? And you look down at it, and you got like a little Vulcan and his little fucking ears, and you're like, I can I can eat soup or or whatever with this. It don't matter anything. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm an idiot. I <laughs> thought you apologized. <laughs> I knew it was stupid as soon as it came out. Um, did you guys hear the rumor? Uh, and it's just a rumor that the Picard CBS All Access show might take place. And this is a rumor. It might take place in the Kelvin timeline. Not, oh, not, that'd be interesting. Not the Prime Universe. Uh, you, you I know, it. Yeah, I don't like it either. You know, you know why I like it? Because I have this nasty feeling it's going to be like Jean-Luc Picard on his farm in 24th century France or some stupid <laughs> shit like that. Like, I want Picard on a fucking spaceship. That's what I want. <laughs> you'll get that. You don't worry about okay. that. You'll definitely right. get that. I'm sorry. It's paranoid. Then I'm okay with it. <laughs> He's like, Picard meets Farmville. It's like... Uh, no. Yeah. no. Settle down. You'll get that. Don't worry. Well, this is like 90-year-old Picard, right? 80. He's like 80. Okay. All right. Yeah. 
He's like 80. In, in, uh, Jean, uh, what's his name? Patrick Stewart. He's like 80 something, right? 81, 80, 81, right? Yeah, I think he's like in his right about at mid 80s, maybe like 84 or something. God damn it. I wish I could look that good when I was fucking 80. That guy looks incredible. He's just, uh, he, he just, uh, Patrick Stewart? Are you, you're saying Patrick Stewart's 80 years old? Is dude, that true? I, dude, I don't, yeah. I don't fucking know. Like it was 1987, uh, when he was doing, uh, The Next Generation. And he looked like he was fucking like fifty something years old then, right? I mean, he yeah, was. That's, he, that's true. He was I'm, not I'm, in. He was not in his forties, right? When he was doing Next Generation, he's was, uh, seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. So yeah, he's uh, two years removed here from uh, being eighty. Okay. Two, okay. Two, two years minus eighty. Excuse me. So, yeah, he's getting up there, man. Yeah, he does look great for his age, though. You're right about that. He does. He's a handsome man. He's doing something good there, uh, Jean-Luc. Um, so that that means when the next generation started, he was like eight years older than I am now. That fucked up. Yeah, can right, we, take we don't break? have to I'm get gonna, depressing with yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go swallow some cyanide. I'll be back. <laughs> mm. uh, real quick news here: uh, CBS All Access is giving Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone a ten episode. It's giving it uh, ten episodes. And it's going to be, uh, begin production soon. So this, uh, was confirmed from an interview from Deadline with, uh, the original content, uh, president there at, uh, CBS All Access. So yeah, uh, we're going to get, uh, Twilight Zone, Jake, on, uh, CBS All Access from, uh, Jordan Peele. That's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I Tupperware that news without a trailer. Yeah. Same there. Uh, yeah. Uh, burp, 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 burp. Oh, yeah. They also confirmed that uh, Stephen King's The Stand is in development over at CBS All Access, and that should get a 2019 release. Yeah, I'm disappointed that that's going to be a TV thing again. I was hoping that they could do the uh, it approach with that and kind of do the two movies. I don't so, know, man. But that, I mean, that's cool. I'm, I'm still excited for it, but... They, you know, they, they tried with the Dark Tower, so hopefully Amazon Prime can right the wrongs of that fucking Idris Elba film. And I'm not blaming Idris, he did a great job. Anyway. Uh, Jake, what'd you, what'd you think? Of, I'm sorry, Brian. No, go ahead. What'd you think of the miniseries with Gary Sinise from the, I think it was the early 90s? I mean, I kind of hate it. There's stuff about it that I think is really cool, but I, the biggest thing I hate is the, like, how they do Randall Flagg and how he, like, yeah. looks like an 80s rock band dude. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's okay. Gary Sinise is a great Stu Redman, but, ugh. The, yeah, Randall Flagg is trash in it. He's probably still better than Matthew McConaughey in the Dark Tower movie, though. Uh, let's see here. I, I want to talk about, there was some new news that came out, uh, from Showtime. They were talking about, uh, the, Halo series. Uh, it came out, excuse me, it came out from Slash Film. It's about the Showtime Halo series. And Showtime executives spoke to the Television Critics Association. And let's see here. Kyle Killen is writing the Halo series and Rupert Wyatt will direct. Kyle Killen was uh, the creator for the series Awake. Did anybody watch Awake with Jason, uh, Jason Isaacs when it was on TV? No. I did not. No, I didn't. Okay, I did. And it, it was it was a TV series that was on a few years ago, and it was canceled after one season. And it was about uh, – there was this car accident that takes the life of a family member. 
um, a police detective lives two, and it, this was Jason Isaac's character, lives two alternating parallel lives, one with his wife and one with his son. Um, and so basically, I watched the show. I loved it. It got canceled. I was upset. But in one reality, his wife is dead and son is alive. And in the other, his son is dead and his wife is alive. It was bizarre. So like he would basically like bounce from like reality to reality. One reality, he's talking to his wife and the next one, she's dead and vice versa with his son. It was a crazy show and I loved it. And uh, Kyle Killen is also uh, working on the TV series for Velvet, which is the uh, female spy comic that was created by Ed Brubaker, which is an awesome comic book if you love kind of like uh, James Bond spy shit. But, uh, and then we get the uh, director here for this Halo series is going to be Rupert Wyatt, and he was the first director for the New Planet of the Apes reboot movies. And so... They had president of programming at Showtime, Gary Levine, talk with reporters following the panel, and uh, they asked him a bunch of questions, and they said, how are they going to tackle Master Chief? And he said, Master Chief is the most iconic character from Halo. However, it is a character who, whose face we never see, and the avatar for the player, Showtime knows they can't make a Halo show without Master Chief. So they're tackling the issue of how to transition him to an on-camera presence. Um, and sure. so it is a question and an important part of our series is all I'll say. Levine said he is a lead character. Are they going to tackle this the dread route where you never see dread's face, Carl Urban? Or are they going to basically have a guy who's taking his helmet off every other scene? You know, um, I remember when, like, this was rumored to be a movie, and um, they were going to cast, uh, there was rumors that they were going to cast Denzel Washington as Master Chief. This was years ago, probably a decade ago. But how are they going to do that, Jake? Like, how do you, your main character, are they going to have the the helmet on the entire time on our main character here? Is that going to work? I I don't. I'm not a Halo purist by any means. Um, I say just fucking let him take the helmet off. It doesn't really bother me in the least. So, right? I, I It doesn't, it's not, I think it could be just fine. Like, I'm not going to be destroyed if I see him taking his helmet off, right? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, how familiar are you guys with the games? I Not, not very. I... Okay. I played the first one. Uh, I beat that game so many times. The second one I played and I loved it. Um, the third one was the last one that I played. I, but I loved the Halo series back when I was gaming. Like Halo was like, that's the whole reason I bought an Xbox 360 was just so I could play Halo. So, okay. um, yeah, I, I I've followed the games for a while. I've fallen off of them. I think after. Halo 4, because I really didn't like the way the story was going and everything, but um, I mean, it's a it's a hard question to really answer in terms of what do you do with him? Do you, yeah, let him take the helmet off, or do you have him keep it on all the time? Um, my personal feeling is that maybe what they do is like he's, you know, not, not like a supporting character, but like he's not necessarily the main 
focus and maybe you end up having to be like the the people that are kind of calling the shots during the actual like military campaigns but like he's you know their go-to guy so you see a lot of him on the field but when you're kind of talking about like battle strategy like on the ship or in the military base you're not focusing on him very much and you kind of get a way to work around you know not having to show him but him in space but still having him be a major part of, of the series I'd say I, I I say you get a great voice actor in there and you keep the goddamn helmet on. You get like yeah. I don't need to see I don't need to see Optimus Prime's mouth when he's fucking talking. All I need to listen to is Peter Cullen's voice. I don't need yeah, to just, see, just get the guy who does the voice for Master Chief from the games. I just I just I, you know I, keep the goddamn helmet on. Get a stunt guy in there to do all the fucking stunt work with the fucking suit. And give me a great voice actor to give me the voice. That's all I need. I don't need to see his fucking face. I don't need to see a guy taking his helmet off every few minutes to say, oh, here's my pretty fucking face. Look at my face. Look at me talking. I, I just didn't know until this podcast that it was even a thing. So that's why I don't really give a shit. Jake, you know that's, what I'm that's fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this is in response to Jake's ludicrous suggestion. I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> no, I get you. I'm saying like it can work. It worked in dread. All we saw was Carl Urban's amazing fucking chin in that movie and it worked and I fucking quite loved a chin. it. You give, you, it is quite a chin. It, like if, if, uh, Charlotte's web, if she could talk, that's an amazing pig. She'd say, that's an amazing chin, Carl Urban. She'd put that on her <laughs> web because it is an amazing chin. It's a spectacular chin. Anyway, uh, that's the thing. You give him great supporting actors around him like they did in the Dread movie. He had that girl who was kind of like a uh, psychic, and she kind of followed him along there. And uh, we got to see her and everything. She didn't have a mask on and shit. Just just do that. Just have some great supporting characters around him. Get a great voice actor in there to play Master Chief. And I think we've got ourselves a, a, a possibly a fun show if Showtime can put some money into this thing. And um, this, they they went on to say that it's not. Uh, Levine said it's it's not based on any of the Halo games in particular. He says it is a new story, but we are being incredibly respectful of the canon and working with Microsoft 343 people to be sure we don't violate any of that. We made a conscious decision to hire a writer not known for sci-fi or big battle movies because that's already baked into the Halo franchise and we will service that, but we will also wanted to to make sure that we were getting underneath the armor of the Spartans to the human drama. So it felt like it belonged on Showtime. Our hope is it will appeal to Halo fans and Showtime drama fans. Um, It doesn't sound like we're going to get this for a while. It feels like it's, uh, Levine says it's an enormous undertaking. So I would say probably in 2020. And, um, they also confirmed that this is not Showtime's Game of Thrones. That like, you know, they're, they're not, you know, it's, 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 it's gonna, it's gonna cost a lot of money, but they're, they're not saying like, oh, this is just Showtime's Game of Thrones. So, um, I, uh, I don't know. I uh, I want this to be great. I really do. I just we'll yeah, see. action sci-fi show. You know, yeah. with a little bit of Starship Troopers flavor. It could be really cool. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, they they did this even uh, to the point of you know keeping Master Chief in the helmet and getting a voice actor. They did that in the uh, live action miniseries until dawn. 
So since he doesn't show up until near the end of that, but it's just dude in the suit looks really good, and it's just the voice actor does it from the games, and you're following other people throughout the situation. Greg, are you muted? Are you fighting? Are you wrestling your beard over there? No, I'm trying not to make any. I'm so I have to take a piss real bad, but I'm trying not to shift in my seat because it oh, makes shit. noise. Let's take a break so Greg well, can no, take a piss. Before we before we do that, I have a question. Yeah. So I I played the Halo games. Is there like a story reason why Master Chief has to keep the helmet on? Does he need no. it to breathe? So no, like, it's it, just he's a soldier, and that's just how we ever see him. Yeah. So like the the one thing I'm trying to think through is. Like, if you're talking about a TV series, are there awkward moments like the mess hall where Master Chief has his helmet on for some bizarre reason? Like, wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't he logically take his helmet off? You know, like they're playing cards and there's Master Chief with his helmet on. I I think they're probably going to go with just showing his face every now and then. And, you know, like they did it with Captain America where he doesn't wear his mask yet. There's always some excuse for him to take the mask off. I think that, no, I think he's like a Tobias Funke from uh, Arrested Development where he's like a never never dude. He's a never nude. And he always has like the jean shorts on. It's kind of the same thing here. Like we might see like Master Chief like in the mess hall with literally nothing on but the helmet. He might be like 100% nude, like, (laughs) you know. Still eating Fruit Loops. Yeah, he's just like, there's enough room underneath the helmet to where he can like shove the food up there and eat it that way. (laughs) This actually just made me wonder something. So, you know, like you were joking about, you know, is he, how does he eat with the helmet on? How does Vader eat? Vader takes the helmet off. Ah, uh, yeah, he gets in that, in that pod. Yeah. Yeah. He probably, yeah. he probably goes in the pod and like, you know, eats whatever the fuck he eats, yeah. like drink some blue milk and. Yeah, a bowl of cereal with blue milk. Probably yeah, yeah. go, go mm. Yeah. All fair points, all fair points. Alright, Hopner. Jeez. Nah, yeah, try again, Hopner. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking up Greg's fucking bladder with that dumb question. I'm sorry. I can go on mute if you guys want to. I'll take my piss. No, no, no. We've we've yammered on long enough. Uh, Let's take a quick break. And uh, Greg, go relieve yourself, buddy. All right. Sorry. I've been drinking. I'm sorry. (laughs) I am too. All right. Bye-bye. All right. right, Hey, we are back. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about I just – I really want to get your thoughts real quick about the the popular – what was it? The popular uh, people's like this People's Choice Award, this popular Oscar that they're going to give out. Oh yeah, everyone's saying that they just created it to give Black Panther the award because they're not going to nominate it for Best Picture. And and it's I the, mean, it's the big rumor. And the telecast is going to be three hours now, and they want they want more viewings. I personally think it's, I personally think it's kind of like a slap in the face to the movies that are nominated and also I think it's a slap in the face to the the movies that they consider popular whether those movies are like movies that like did great in the box office I think it's just a it's a made up participation award I think it's stupid I agree they might as well call it best stupid movie <laughs> yeah it really is. It does feel like a real pandering move to people who don't watch a lot of like the yeah. you know movies that are always the usual best picture nomination fodder, a lot of period piece stuff and whatnot. And yeah, it just feels like they're really trying to get crowd the crowd that's more into like the blockbuster movie stuff. And yeah. they already did that by extending the best picture nomination from five to ten. Like, well, that was about a decade ago, Pat, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been a long time. 
yeah, it, it, it feels really condescending. And what bothers me about it in particular is it seems like every two or three weeks, some other Oscar caliber actor, actress or director shits on the, the whole fantasy superhero genre. So now it's like, well, you know, we don't really consider you guys serious fans, but uh, we'll give you this one award so that you watch the movie because we want your advertising money. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not into it. I hate it. I yeah. think it's terrible. And then dumping all the technical stuff off of the, the airtime as well, it seems like. Some people were saying, like, oh, why are you why are you doing this popular, you know, uh, it's, it's being nicknamed the Popcorn Oscar. Like, why are you doing this when you could be giving, like, uh, awards to stunt actors and at first when i when i heard that i was like yeah that makes total sense and then i heard somebody say like don't you think that that kind of like ups the risk to what these stunt actors are going to put themselves through and there could be more deaths and i was oh, like, that's an interesting point like people will push themselves harder yes to win the award yeah. and then it's like not well, worth it what happened like what did we see in the last couple of years well we saw an, a, a stunt actor die during the filming of walking dead season seven we also had a stunt actor right. die yeah. on the set of deadpool 2 and i think like if you announce like yes like the stunt actors actually have their own kind of like stunt awards now but yes it's it's definitely not an oscar but on the flip side like you now you start giving stunt actors an oscar they might push themselves that much harder and i i kind of agree like it could open the door for more people to push themselves and and we people might get a little bit more dangerous with their stunts. And so I, I don't know. I think just do away with this new popcorn award and then, and it, it's just, it's stupid. I think it's, I think it's dumb. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Agreed. I can't defend this in any way. And I, I feel bad for Ryan Coogler. And I, I mean, I, I think he had a, an at least an outside chance of getting nominated for best director and, I think Black Panther had an outside chance of getting nominated for Best Film, and this essentially boxes it out, if I read correctly. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're, 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 they're going to lump it in with uh, with the Popular Film Award. Yeah. What are what are the what are the is it ten nominees for this too? Is that <laughs> is that what they're talking about? Ten nominees. No, I'm just, that's what like best picture is. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And how do you, how do you determine what's the most popular? Do you go off of box office numbers? You know? Yeah. Why even have the award if it's that simple? We can just look at the freaking charts and know who won. Well, what about like a film like, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies that were nominated in, you know, Return of the King won best picture? Are those now yeah. in a separate category because they're quote unquote popular or? Yeah, you know, Titanic. Titanic was a popular movie. Would that be nominated for popular or best picture? Right. Can you get nominated for both? Yeah. Can you get nominated for both? I, I thought I read. Avatar would do that too. Yeah, I thought I read that you could not, if, if I read correctly. But mm. <laughs> that's terrible. I don't know. I, I think it's terrible. I think it's stupid. I think it cheapens the the Oscars. Uh, I hate to sound pretentious and snobby like that, but I think it does cheapen it. I'm sorry. I, I just really do. I think the, the Oscars are something that uh, should be like uh, highly regarded and you know, everybody getting together to this one time a year. And especially like with like the, the cutting it down to three hour telecast, it makes it feel like people get up, you know, people work all, so hard all year 
making this movie and then they're like barely get to give their speech and barely get to but, thank people and that before they're dragging yeah. them off stage. But yeah. what about the films that get nominated for Best Picture? Isn't that like a slap in the face to them? Because, what, you're not popular? I thought, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I don't it's make like sure that those guys don't really – I read the ones that are nominated for Best Picture aren't really going to care about whether or not they're considered popular or not because, you know, Best Picture is still, you know, the most prestigious award that you can get. It's a weird message, I think. It's a weird message to send to viewers and and fans. And, uh, you know, everyone hates the comic book genre until it's time to cash the check. And then they mm. love it all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They, they can eat a bag of dicks as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> they get two bags. Uh, <laughs> it means a lot more when a movie like Logan is nominated for Best Screenplay when you don't have a popular film category in the Oscars. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like breaking through the wall, breaking through that glass ceiling. Like now, it's just going to be uh, Infinity War nominated for most popular movie or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And aside from like technical awards that they get, which again, it seems like they're going to they're televising that stuff less and less now as well. It would be a way of like, yeah, Logan would end up in popular, but would no longer be nominated for best screenplay. It'd yeah. be a real way of just marginalizing all these other things that everybody in the, you know, the academy thinks is beneath them because they're all up on their little high horses. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. And like, don't we already have something like the popular Oscar or this popcorn Oscar? Don't we already have the People's Choice Awards? Like, can't we just have that and leave this popular out of it? Yeah. Watch the MTV Movie Awards at that point. Exactly. <laughs> uh, moving on, Legendary is working on a superhero movie. Clyder had the details about this. Legendary Pictures has closed a deal on an untitled heist project from Bad Day for the cut filmmakers Chris Baugh and Brendan Moeller that puts a fun twist on what we've come to expect from a superhero movie – the pitch subverts the genre as it revolves around a group of career criminals who stage a heist on the lair of a superhero and then must escape with their lives when everything goes wrong. Baugh and Mullen will both produce the film with Baugh directing. I actually uh, – I read this news from Collider. It's a heist movie. It's basically like what they've done is they've kind of like combined genres here, uh, a superhero movie and a heist movie. So basically it's like uh, Ocean's Eleven meets the – you know, like a Batman film or the Justice League or Superman film. And uh, it's from these uh, filmmakers, Chris Baugh and Brendan Mullen, that did this uh, movie called Bad Day for the Cut – so I actually went out of my way to kind of like look for Bad Day for the Cut and it's on Netflix and it's about a middle-aged Irish farmer who still lives at home with his mother, sets off on a mission of revenge when his mother is murdered. As he tracks her killers through the criminal underworld of Belfast, he begins to realize that there was a darker side to his beloved mother and to himself. It's on Netflix. So I actually kind of like wanted to get a feel for like these filmmakers 
And uh, it's a it's a Northern Ireland set gangster pick. It, it, it premiered at Sundance last year. It had a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. That was only with 11 reviews. <laughs> and so it had a 68% for the audience. Uh, I watched it. I give it a high taste. It. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was a good movie. And um, this this movie, it's untitled, but a high basically a group of criminals break into a superhero's lair to pull off a heist, and then it sounds like they're going to get caught here, <laughs> and then the superhero is going to go after them. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but this sounds like the this has a lot of potential could be a lot of fun yeah it sounds like kind of what they kind of build like the original ant-man to be a little bit but it didn't kind of deliver on right yeah and with these directors it could be rated r because that movie was pretty violent the bad day for a cut um if if it's gonna be an original property then too brian is that what i'm kind of smelling yes this is not based on anything this is not like a mark miller comic or something like that so if legendary and i love legendary i think legendary does a great job they were doing a lot of work on the early dc movies like they did the nolan trilogy uh with the batman stuff and then they worked on the first uh um superman man of steel movie they did pacific rim legendary does i i love legendary i think they're great if they can make this like oceans like like danny ocean going against like Danny Ocean and his crew trying to break into the Fortress of Solitude and steal from Superman. I'm in. That sounds fucking fun. Yeah, I definitely agree. Just the premise alone, because you can either take it that way where it's a much more of a, a fun movie uh, with a lot of comedy and, you know, like physical comedy and really fun and that nature. Or you can go the other way and have it kind of turn into a, you know, either like a haunted house or like a horror kind of movie where like the superhero is coming after them and it's a real, you know, scary kind of thing because it's <laughs> a guy who potentially has superpowers going against yeah. guys who are just trying to steal stuff from him or like, you know, and so I, I love, I talk about the premise of this. I think this is a really, really cool idea yeah. and I'm just coming up with things in my head of like, yeah, what if, you know, a bunch of, nobody's tried to like break into the bat cave and like steal the batmobile or his utility belt or something i yeah it's like one of those things like what if they go up against like a superman type character a guy that can see through walls like how are you going to pull off this heist then like you know superman can't see through lead they're not going to incorporate that into this movie but they could do something around that like we're going to get to see like in all these heist movies what you we get to see is like a little peek into like what they're going to do when the heist goes down and we're going to get to see kind of like how they plan this a little bit and then we get to see it all come together. What are the chances of this being rated R? I, I, I feel like after watching A Bad Day for the Cut, like the chances are pretty high that this could be a rated R film. That that movie was semi-violent. Uh, and Legendary obviously wouldn't be opposed to it. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And, I'd, I'd be down for it. Absolutely. I love the yeah. genre mashing. <laughs> genre mashing. This sounds like a Mark Miller project, doesn't it, Jake? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. That's why I was kind of like, geez, is this a property already? Or yeah, Greg, what are you yeah. thinking, man? Yeah, the only the only catch is I think I'd rather see them try to break into a super villain's lair, but I think it's a really fun idea. 
Um, and it, it does make me wonder if somewhere the people who were working on making Gambit are like, you know what? We're never going to get this. Fuck this. We're done. Because <laughs> they've been waiting for how long to make a superhero heist movie that's uh, never going to happen. Uh, that's the so, thing. I, yeah. I, did you guys see the news this week of like, like how this, how the Disney deal is already affecting Fox? Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, the, I think it was the Wall Street Journal came out with a report and they were talking about like how, um, you know, the movies that are in production now or that are going to be in development, like they'll get made. But, you know, once the deal's finalized, if your project is not in development, there's a good chance that it's not going to get made. And it looks like it's actually affecting one of, uh, of, uh, Gareth Edwards. Is it Gareth Edwards? No, James Mangold. It might affect one of James Mangold's movies that are coming out. And then, uh, Fox is like, they got like, uh, a live, uh, an animation slash live action family guy movie in the works. They're working on a Simpsons sequel, a Bob's Burgers Bob's movie. Bob's Burgers, yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're trying to get mm. all this stuff out before Disney kind of like jumps in there. Did you see that Fox is still trying to fight to keep the Simpsons, Jake? I did see that. That's, that's really interesting. I hope it happens. Yeah, I mean, that's been their bread and butter for, what, 25, almost 30 years now? Oh, Simpsons <laughs> came out in 1989, so next year it'll be the 30th anniversary. Good yeah, God. and Simpsons oh. has always been so very anti-Disney, like, just with a lot of their humor and stuff. They, yeah. yeah. It, it would just be one of the weirdest acquisitions. Uh, yeah, God. I'm pretty sure there's still a Simpsons ride at Universal Studios, which is, it's amazing. You got two more, two Disney properties essentially there in Florida that are oh at the Disney Park. But. That Simpsons ride at Universal Studios is a fucking blast. It is, it's amazing. Like you start off on a roller coaster. They replaced the Back to the Future ride with this. Yeah. And, uh, you start off on a roller coaster and you're in a roller coaster with the Simpsons and you're going like, the roller coaster goes so high up in the air that you basically are in outer space and you're looking down on the earth. <laughs> you can see the entire earth and then you go down. There's a part in it where, uh, Maggie, uh, like, it's like a honey, I blew up the kid moment where she's like, you know, like a few stories tall and, uh, this ride is actually 4D. To where when Maggie actually, there's a point where she like sneezes on you and you get sprayed in the face with like water and you can smell baby powder in the air. That's right. It's amazing. It is awesome. It's awesome. Like it, it like Shrek 4D was fun, but it pales in comparison to the, the Simpsons ride. The Simpsons ride is such a blast. It is so cool. You actually get to like, it feels like you're in Springfield. It's so cool. It's so cool. You get to see all the, the, these these uh, prominent Springfield monuments, Jake, that we've seen over the years. Like it feels like you're there and you're looking at these things. It's so cool. I love that ride. Oh yeah, I'm jealous for that. Cool. Yeah, hey. if it's if it's anything like the, the, sorry, if it's anything like the Marvel properties, I think Universal has that in perpetuity as well. I think you're absolutely right. Something like East of the Mississippi, they they're the yeah. only ones who can do Marvel characters. Yeah, they can't. Okay, basically, Universal Studios cannot add any new Marvel rides, but they can keep the ones that they have. So they can keep the Spider-Man ride that they have, mm-hmm. and they're also allowed to have like the X-Men. Uh, like the people that dress up like the X-Men. Cause I remember going yeah. there and seeing like rogue and storm and Cyclops and people dressed as the, the X-Men. They're still, they have able a storm to- ride. It's basically teacups. I'm sorry, Brian. No. And they also, they have a, uh, Dr. Doom 
ride that's one free of the, fall. it's a free fall exactly mm-hmm. and then they have the hulk roller coaster that fucking hulk roller coaster is a blast it's great my god like i waited in line forever but it was fucking worth it because it's really the only roller coaster that they have at universal studios it launches you to like 60 miles an hour but you're in a tube so yeah. when you're in the when you're on the ground you can't see that that's going to happen so when it happens it's really surprising it's yeah it's awesome i when i was there they were actually building the harry potter world so like they were in construction of that so i never got to do the harry potter shit yeah i haven't so. gone to that either yeah uh dan real quick i want to know your thoughts on the uh power rangers sequel news that we got this week from inside licensing they said hasbro will work with a film studio to develop a new power rangers movie as a follow-up to the 2017 release so this is going to be a sequel to what we got in 2017 what are your thoughts on this um, I mean, I'm looking forward to that. I, uh, had posted something actually on the leftover army page on the Facebook page, uh, cause someone brought that up a little bit. And I was like, you know, I hope we kind of, cause the rumor was back when it came out that, you know, cause you got the stinger scene with the, uh, absent Tommy Oliver, but they're obviously hinting at that. And I said, you know, Hey, let's go, let's do something completely different. Let's, let's, cast uh, Tommy Oliver as a female and let's go down that route because I think that'd be a really fun uh, change to things because I mean yeah I'm a huge Power Rangers guy uh, old school stuff and I mean I like the movie you know I mm. watched like you I was watching that movie in the theater I was like this is dumb this is ridiculous and I've got this big stupid smile on my face the entire way start to finish and I, I really loved that movie um and so, yeah, I want more of that. And because I thought it was really nice that we had, uh, you know, different takes on the characters and actually having them be characters. Because, I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched any of the original stuff. But it's all very, they're all, you know, very you know, idealistic people. Of, you know, they're all doing constant community events and charities and helping out with this, that, and the environmental messages. And I like the fact that the one we got had more grounding of, no, these are real characters with real problems and, you know, a large variety of different kinds of problems. So I want to see more of that. I want to see, you know, a Power Rangers universe where they're acting characters as just goody two-shoes. Hopner, we are losing you. You sound like you're uh, falling down a cavern or something. <laughs> Yeah, I, I heard that too. It was weird. It was weird. It was like one moment you're talking about Power Rangers, the next minute you're fucking uh, Hans Gruber and you're falling off Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was just talking as I normally do. I mean, does it still sound like that now? No, you sound fine now, but man. Oh, like my, I think it was like my internet bandwidth just didn't know how to handle you talking so much. Yeah, it it was like it was like Comcast was like, "Whoa, what the fuck!" Like, like let's I, turn this guy down a bit. Yeah, I can see like at the Comcast building, like all of a sudden, like there was like this red siren, this red light that was just like flashing, and people were like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" And it's like Hopner's talking, and you're just he's on a podcast. Get him off. He's on a podcast. Yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, uh, I uh, I don't give a fuck what people say. I'm not a I'm not a Power Rangers fan. I didn't like when Power Rangers came out in '93. I was 15 years old and I watched it and I was like, 
this is fucking dumb. And uh, I didn't care. I thought Power Rangers was stupid as fuck. And I went to the theater to watch that Power Rangers movie, and I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a good movie. And, have you watched it since watching it in the theater? No, it's on Amazon Prime, and I have not watched it again. I really need to watch it, though. I, I, yeah, I was I was curious if you had watched it a second time, if, like, your thought process had changed on it. No, the fucked up thing is, it's like, you go through Amazon Prime, they have so many great movie selections that, that like, they, The Big Sick is on there. Uh, Arrival is, uh, no, Arrival's on Hulu. But, like, they have so many great selections for movies on Amazon Prime that uh, I, I see the Power Rangers on there, and I just, I end up clicking on something else, and I, I watch something else, and I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll watch that. I'll eventually watch that again. But I just yeah. don't. I just don't. You know what I watched last week for the first time in, like, maybe a decade? I watched Very Bad Things. Do you guys remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's a great dark comedy. It's a it's a dark comedy. I watched it now. Like, I, I'd say, like, when I first watched it, I was 20 years old, and I watched it now. It's absolutely ridiculous. I don't revere it as much as I did when I watched it the first time. Um, I see, like, a lot of the faults in the movie. But it's still just it's still just a fun dark comedy. Like that's the kind of perfect movie for Christian Slater. What a cast: Daniel Stern, Jeremy Piven, uh, Christian Slater. Um, who else was in that fucker? Yeah, Jeremy Piven, right? Jeremy Piven, Daniel Stern, Christian Slater, and uh, that movie was nuts. These guys go to these guys go to Las Vegas. And for a bachelor party, and they're partying, they're, they're snorting coke, they're they're watching like boxing on the TV, and then they the stripper shows up, and uh, they you know Jeremy Piven eventually takes the stripper in the like the next room, and they start fucking each other, and he and they're just bouncing off the walls as they're fucking uh, blockbuster girl forty seven. Are you listening? Here we go. They're bouncing, <laughs> they're bouncing off the walls as they're fucking. And, uh, he slams her head into a fucking, like, a, 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 a towel, like, uh, uh, post or whatever. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you, like, a, it's almost like a, like a coat hanger. Kind it's a of coat hanger. For a towel. Yeah. yeah. And it's just hanging. And he slams her head into that. And she's just like hanging there. Her head and her body <laughs> is just hanging. You see her twitching and they kill her. And oh my god, when the when the guy that's part of like the hotel security comes up there and then they end up doing what they do to him and you hear him wailing in that room as they're like holding that door shut. That's terrifying. It's still terrifying watching that movie. Very bad things is on uh HBO uh go. If you have HBO, go to HBO Go and watch Very Bad Things if you've never seen it. But that that movie is just fucking insane. Yeah, I saw an early cut of the first trailer for Very Bad Things. They were going to college campuses. Yeah. And they I watched it through like a set of goggles and they made me say whether I'd see the movie or not. So it was probably a year before it came out. Wow. Wow. Wow, that's an interesting experience. Yeah, oh, wow. I had to sign an NDA and everything, which oh. I've now violated. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh, busted. All right, guys, let's move on into uh Marvel news. Hey, Hopner, I know you got to leave at any time. Just tell me when you got to go, okay? Yeah, I'll let you know. All right.
Apple News. Jake, I got a question for you. Last week we talked about the Venom trailer, you know, and uh, yes. dude, they gotta incorporate Spider-Man somehow into this, right? They got to, right? Eventually, right? Yeah, I think especially with the, I, I'm, I'm sure you're going to bring it up, but like they made the announcement of what the actual Sony cinematic Marvel universe is going to be called. And like that, just that kind of thing, because like they have to bring Spider-Man in. That's their linchpin to all this. Okay. How could it happen? That's like the big question here is like, how do you incorporate Peter Parker into, you know, this Venom universe, into like Morbius, into Craven, all these things, all these movies that are, you don't plan a Morbius movie and a Craven movie and a Venom movie. And a uh, silver and black movie, which I'm going to talk about that later. There's been some developments there. But you don't do all these things without eventually having – okay, so you're, you're just going to do these movies and then that's it? Well, think about this logically. They're going to do a Craven movie and that's the end of it. All right, yeah, we're done with Craven. Ah, we're done with Craven. No more Craven. <laughs> right? Oh, hold on. Hold on. We're gonna, silver, uh, silver Sable movie. We did it and it's over with. Uh, did our Venom movie. We're gonna do, we're gonna do a Venom trilogy. A Venom trilogy and then we're done. Um, it feels like they're all gonna kinda like combine at one point, right? And like, okay, so if they do a Sinister Six movie, like who are they gonna go against? You know what I mean? Like, they gotta go against, it just doesn't make sense that you're not gonna eventually incorporate Spider-Man into this universe. Some people are saying like, they should go with a new Spider-Man, like, Let's not do the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Let's like incorporate a new Spider-Man, whether that be Miles Morales or whether that be you recast Peter Parker. Uh, and it's not Tom Holland. Um, I I still think that they're going to use Tom Holland here. I still think you know John Schneider. That's what that's what they want to do. That's for sure. That's Absolutely. the like ultimate. Yeah, they're waiting to see how everything kind of like pans out. Like once this uh, Venom movie comes out, um, how could this happen? Uh, because, okay, the Venom film, how could they incorporate Peter Parker? First off, Peter lives in, uh, he's, he's in Manhattan, right? Queens. 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 I get it. Manhattan, we got uh, fucking, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Devil's Kitchen and all, uh, Jesus Christ. Soho. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So, You've got Peter Parker and he's in New York and then, and then Eddie's in San Francisco. So we know that Peter's going to be in Europe for far from home. They've already said that. So, um, it's not like Peter couldn't travel to San Francisco if he really wanted to. Like he's traveling in the next movie, Far From Home. He's going to go to Europe. They're filming in, uh, quite a, quite a few different places in Europe. So, um, this is speculation for me, and it's not even really a theory. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out like a way for Peter to bond with the Venom symbiote, so eventually like this can all kind of tie in. Eddie, of course, could travel to New York City. He could travel to New York, excuse me, and that's one option. Or Peter could travel to San Francisco. So who does Peter know in San Francisco? Scott Lang and Hank Pym. Those movies take place in San Francisco. So maybe Hank Pym has worked on like new technology for Peter and we get that in a post credit scene eventually or somewhere within the movies or maybe he goes there to team up with Ant-Man for a battle. Um, 
I like your line of thinking, but you don't, don't you think at the end of the day, Sony will want to make that transition without using an MCU character to help? No, they had Iron Man basically usher in Spider-Man for us in the first movie. And we're also going to be getting Colby Smulders and Nick Fury in Far From Home. They, it's, mm. it's all about uh, synergy with them. They love the fact that they have uh, uh, Kevin Feige that they can talk to and say, hey, who can we get for, you know, going forward from your universe that's very popular with people? People seem to really enjoy these Marvel movies. Who can we get uh, in here to uh, kind of like promote whatever the fuck we're doing? I just didn't know the handholding was ever going to extend beyond Spider-Man solo movies. I don't know that either i'm thinking though that in basically it, it comes down to this here's here's my thing it's all about the venom symbiote bonding with peter parker it's all that's that's where this has to go i i'm thinking like how do we get the venom symbiote to bond with peter parker all it really has to be jake is like a post-credit scene or a scene where Peter Parker shows up to San Francisco and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but he shows up to San Francisco and, uh, he meets with Hank Pym, Scott Lang. And all of a sudden, like we see the venom symbiote, like creep into his backpack or something like that. Like that's, that's really all it has to be. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. And, and I think like, why would venom do that? Because venom might for all me, venom might see Peter Parker as a more superior host to Eddie. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Eddie could get sidelined too, yeah. like not necessarily killed, but like just beat up so bad that he's worthless to to you know the venom suit for a little bit. It's just it's or just so they get physically separated through. I mean, if they wanted to keep the uh, the whole sonic weakness, something ends up happening with that where they get physically separated, and then yeah, uh, the symbiote's just trying to fight to survive happens across Peter Parker not knowing and then hey holy crap what is this Mm -hmm. I just think it all comes I think it has to come down to Peter Parker eventually has to bond with the Venom symbiote it has to happen in order for any of this to work and I know they're doing things out of order right now like we're getting Eddie Brock getting the symbiote first but we've seen this in a lot of comic book movies where they don't always like you know, they're not beholden to the actual comic book story. We saw it with uh, Age of Ultron. You know, Tony Stark was the creator of Ultron, not Hank Pym. And like here, we might have a story where Eddie Brock bonds with the Venom symbiote first, but the Venom, Venom symbiote ends up leaving Eddie Brock to maybe then uh, find a find a more superior host like uh, like Peter Parker. Uh, you know, this young boy that has like these amazing uh spider abilities or something like that and then by the time it then goes back to eddie you know now we've got our spider symbol on the fucking venom symbiote suit i don't know i'm it's all speculation i don't think any of this is actually like 100 percent set in stone i'm just trying to think of like you know how do you get a symbiote that's in san francisco to where peter parker's in new york and the only connection I see is Ant Man. I, I, I honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. I think, I think what I'm saying here is bullshit. They'll find some other way to do it if they do end up doing it. But I'm just, I'm trying to logically think like what can connect these two things if they ever wanted to go that route. Well, Eddie's a reporter, right? I mean, I mean, one of the things they could do is, you know, Eddie's ex-wife lives in San Francisco, and the real quick, you know, 
I needed to go somewhere for a change. He goes to, moves to New York because it's the media capital of the world. So mm. he he moves. Yeah, um, that might just be an easy way to do it. But I do wonder. You know, I think back to that interview with Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal where. She drops that Venom is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you see Kevin Feige's eyes bulge, yeah. like, what the hell are you talking about? And, and part of me thinks that all of this Sony Spider-Verse stuff is their way of slowly migrating Spider-Man out of the MCU and building their own universe. Uh, because that's, like, Tom Rothman's the head of Sony now. Amy Pascal's out. And I don't know how he feels about that Marvel deal. Um you know, they want their own universe. I don't know that they want Spider-Man to be part of Marvel's for the long term. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, they just want to make all the money, right? Get as much of a kickstart as they can. And They are making all the money. That's the that's, that's part of the deal is like when Kevin Feige is going to be able to do, he's going to have a lot of control over like, you know, what these Sony Spider-Man movies are doing in the route that they're taking. But on the flip side, Sony makes all the profit. Marvel Marvel Studios yeah. makes none of the profit from the solo movies. Yeah, I thought that Kevin Feige basically d- does he even have executive producer credit on Venom or is he basically I know he does on um Spider-Man Homecoming. I don't but. I don't think he does. It's it basically it, that first teaser trailer that came out that it said um Marvel on it and then the yeah. second trailer that came out it said in association with Marvel. Right. So right. I <laughs> it's Jake, I understand what you're saying completely. The fact that Kevin Feige may not be so willing to put his characters in a ancillary Spider-Man character villains in an ancillary Spider-Man villains movie. He's definitely yeah. he's definitely willing to put Iron Man in a Spider-Man flagship Sony film. Absolutely. And then fucking, you know, you've got uh, Robert Downey Jr. making a great paycheck on that movie. You know, like great things. Only great, only good things can come of that. But like, is Kevin Feige willing to say, hey, I am going to let me, I'm going to let Hank Pym or Scott Lang have an appearance even in a post credit scene for a fucking Venom movie, that remains to be seen. And I don't think that that's going to happen at all in this Venom movie. I think, like, they're going to wait to see maybe the reception that Venom gets once it does come out. And honestly, I don't feel like Kevin Feige has a lot of hope for this fucking movie because that second trailer said, in association with Marvel. Like, it, it didn't even say Marvel. <laughs> yeah, they were like, knock that off. Yeah, I was going to I was gonna say the same thing, Brian. I think that the ends are going to justify whether or not they're going to actually, like, help them more than not at all right now. Yeah. Like, if this movie is a huge blockbuster, then sure, at that point, it d- does them all the benefit in the world to loan a fucking mcu character into the next movie and Mm -hmm. bank more off of the notability of venom but until it's a proven franchise or a proven factor within the realm of spider-man i don't think they really give a shit yeah yeah all right happener you got anything else to say then yeah not really. All I mean, right. I'm, I'm, I don't remember exactly how you guys feel about it, but I'm kind of at best lukewarm about this Venom movie in the first place. I just, you know, I hadn't really actually seen the uh, second trailer until yesterday. It was in front of the Meg, 
Um, and uh, I just, I also, all this uh, ideas of trying to see how you can get uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man into there, I just don't see how these two universes, as they're currently standing, could possibly gel with each other. There's just such a tonal shift difference to them, at least in my opinion, to where I'm like, I don't see this Venom who's talking about eating, you know, a person's liver and lungs and other specific body parts, you know, mesh with, you know, happy-go-lucky, you know, Scott Lang with Paul Rudd. I don't see a problem with that. It just feels like a big tone shift to me to where I don't, I don't know how you would do it. And I mean, it's, I gotta see the movie before I really, you know, know yeah, if I even want that it or happen- not. So at mean, the moment, I'm just not really into it. Shit like this happens in the comics all the time where you see like dark characters sure. meet other characters. I, I don't see a problem with that yeah. at all. There's a lot of fun with that. Like when you put Captain America next to Punisher for an event or yeah. something crazy like that. Absolutely. I don't, I don't, I don't see a problem with that. Uh, the, yeah, we, uh, Jake, let's talk about this. Vulture confirmed that, uh, the recently deceased duo of, uh, Colby Smulders as Maria Hill and, uh, Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury will be alive and well in the Spider-Man Homecoming movie. And, uh, what the fuck, man? That was not me. No, not, no, I wasn't talking about that noise. Was there a noise? Did you hear the ding? I yeah, did. I heard a little ding. Yeah, somebody, go check on your Easy Bake oven. Your brownies are done. Anyway, um, Jake, if, 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 if the, if the Spider-Man shit was not confusing enough, the fact that this movie takes place at least one week after the events of Avengers Infinity War part Avengers Infinity War part two Avengers four, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Cause they haven't given us the title yet, but the events of this Spider-Man sequel far from home happen a week after the events of that, uh, movie. Um, uh, and, uh, Maria Hill and Nick Fury, they were part of the snap, the Thanos snap, in Avengers Affinity War, and now we're hearing that they're coming back for, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. What the fuck, man? Yeah, obviously these aren't gonna be flashback scenes, so I, I mean, it's just kinda giant spoilers, right? Not that they're huge spoilers, like we expected all this stuff anyway, right? But why release it? See, Jake, this is one of those things where, uh, I think it, well, I think that I wasn't it did you guys hear this or not Samuel Jackson on Instagram kind of like uh maybe kind of alluded to this and then Marvel made him delete those Instagram posts that he was No, I did I did not know about that. He said something about like him filming in Europe and so like you can put two and two together cuz you know that fucking uh <laughs> they're filming far from home in like I think London and in Paris. Um so London, Paris, or is it Spain? I can't remember. But anyway, I don't know. It's it, this this whole this whole thing. Now we've got like two characters that are part of the MCU and Marvel Studios, and Marvel Studios is basically confirming that, yeah, uh, Maria Hill and uh, Nick Fury are going to be in Spider-Man: Homecoming. They were involved in the Thanos snap, so they're coming back. And this movie takes a place play uh, t- takes place a week after. 
the movie uh, Avengers Part Four ends. So it's like it's almost like confirmation that Spider Man comes back. He's alive. Marie Hill's alive. Nick Fury's alive. We guys, we fucking know they're coming back. But yeah, it's it's more confirmation than that. Even it's confirmation that no matter how. Even though we're going to go 10 years ahead in Avengers 4, that by Spider-Man, we're just going right back to a week after. And it, it is kind of annoying how they just kind of fill in all the, the gaps for us before the movies are even out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't- yeah. It, it, I agree. That's kind of stuff can be frustrating. I think I know why they would confirm this via a you know news article, but have Sam Jackson take down his Instagram or whatever. Because I think that, like, you know, casual moviegoers who aren't following uh, the news and stuff for these movies like we do um, are more like, like, they're less likely to read the article, but, you know, they're more likely to be following someone like Sam Jackson's Instagram. And so it's a weird chess game to try to do with, like, spoilers that we don't want for people who are just casual fans of the series versus it people who are, like, hardcore into it. Hep- it's stupid either way, by Hepner, the way. It's dumb either way. It doesn't, yeah, fuck the casuals. Anyone three hours into PCL <laughs> isn't a casual. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Here's the thing. Here's the fucking thing. Here's the fucking thing. This movie, okay, uh, we might be getting Avengers 4 a week to three weeks earlier than we thought because of this whole IMAX thing that came out, that IMAX is... You know, releasing Avengers four sometime in uh, what was it, April instead of May. So instead of getting the movie in May, we might get it you know a few weeks earlier now. But anyway, here's the thing. Uh, so let's say the movie comes out in April, like sometime in April. It doesn't matter. April, May, June, July. July is uh, when we're getting uh, Spider Man: Far From Home. We are literally gonna have Avengers. We are typically these movies have the first trailer comes out six months before. Look at the history of these movies. Look at the history of all these Marvel movies. The same thing for uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. That first trailer came out six months before the movie came out. So we're gonna get a trailer. That comes out July. We're gonna get uh, a tra- the movie comes out in July. We're gonna get a trailer that possibly comes out sometime in mid January. Yeah, maybe like Super Bowl. I could see. Right. So Jan- yeah. yeah, exactly. So we're gonna get our Super Bowl Far From Home trailer that comes out that shows us uh, Mysterio, Tom Holland, Spider Man, possibly Nick Fury. I don't know if we're gonna get that in the trailer or not in the first trailer. Probably not. I would guess, but we're at least going to get Tom Holland Spider Man. The movie's called Spider Man Far From Home, and in January when we get this trailer, as far as casual fans know, and I'm sure casual fans are going to be watching the Super Bowl. As far as they know, Spider Man fucking died. So unless, yeah, that's that's a very fair point. So unless they can kind of cleverly trick fans into thinking like this movie is happening before the events of Avengers Infinity War. I don't see how this is going to work. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right on that. It's yeah. I wasn't thinking about that part of it, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's yeah. uh, yeah, It's just silly that like, again, we all, you know, comic book people, we know this shit's going to get undone 
But yeah, for casual people, yeah, watching a trailer for a new Spider-Man movie four months or so before he's not dead again is going to be really dumb. Well, and the announcements that we're also going to throw in two more dead fucking people into the movie doesn't help. <laughs> no, that yeah. definitely doesn't. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to... Is that? It's not really the impact that Iron Man is, right? Are they really going to be flaunting Nick Fury and Agent Hill in the first trailer as the big selling point to see the movie? I, I kind of doubt that. I said... No, you'll that, probably see I that, said, like, really briefly. I said that first trailer, I don't think we're going to get any Maria Hill... Or Nick Fury in that first trailer. I wonder if they're just going to let their marketing dick flap out. Like you, you, like Ant-Man and the Wasp, for example. We saw that movie and didn't really know when it took place until the post credit scene. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to do the same thing and just like, here's the trailer. You'll you'll figure out when it takes place when you see it. You know, and maybe the hardcore folks like us, we, we know having read ahead that it's whatever after Infinity War, Avengers 4. But I think they'll just let it fly. Yeah, they could try to backpedal to the hardcore people, too. I could easily see them doing that. Like, oh, you know, that's not true. You know, you'll have to wait and see type of shit. You know, try to make us question the reports that we've already heard, which is like varying like reports that differentiate from that, you know. Mm-hmm. Also, they haven't been averse to just straight up lying in the trailers anyway. Yeah, it's a very good point. Like, yeah, I, but I just, you're, you're I lying. There's going to be some, they have some form of deception planned, I assume. Yeah. I, I, I suppose. I, I, you're, I, I hope they do it right to where, like, we, yeah, but the thing is, like, we watch the, what's going on? Who is fucking, what, what's going on? Correct. Uh, uh, <laughs> I thought I was on mute. I reached into a, I reached into a, <laughs> What are you I'm doing? Just, I'm eating. Uh, I'm eating Star Wars pop chips. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I forgot my point altogether. Now I like how how Hopner was just right on top of Greg. There, it wasn't even a question to him. Oh, I yeah, know it's me, and I know it's not in our view too. So. Oh yeah, if 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 it wasn't like a an obnoxious uh cough, then it wasn't Hopner. Yeah. I did I did spit them in my hand when you when you caught me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm done talking about this. Let's move on. Uh we're getting uh solo silver and black cat movies now. We're not it's not gonna be a silver and black movie. It's gonna be solo movies. Um we're getting a uh, Morbius solo movie here with Jared Leto. Uh, they're also talking about uh, developing – Sony's talking about developing movies based on Silk, Jackpot, and Nightwatch. And uh, they're actively looking Ugh. for writers to pen the script. So, uh, All right. Who the fuck is Jackpot? All right. Let me talk about Jackpot. It's a Dan Slot character, yeah, right? I yeah. remember yeah, when we thought she was Mary Jean, right? But she wasn't. I'll let you go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. No, you're I'm just, just going to go on mute again. No, just eat your fucking chips like a <laughs> like a like a fucking Savage. like a fucking jackal over there. <laughs> They're really good. <laughs> Jack, yeah, Jackpot was created by Dan Slott about ten years ago. I think 2007. And uh, there's here's there was two jackpots. So. The first jackpot was Sarah Errett, and uh, she was this uh, scientist 
at uh, Felcorp, which was a uh, subsidiary of Oscorp, uh, which worked on gene therapy to cure Parkinson's disease. And she was exposed to LOT777, that virus that she was exposed to rewrote her DNA, leaving her in a coma for four months. She came out of the coma and went on to have uh, her child. She was pregnant at the time. She had her child, Madeline, and uh, her family came under threat by falling debris, and she then uh saved them with uh she found out she had like the superhuman strength and then ended up saving them so she didn't want to continue being a superhero and this other woman alana jo- uh, jobson recognized who she was and she went to, this is so weird she went to sarah and she paid for the jackpot identity and the license she basically paid uh, her Sarah Eret to be jackpot going forward. And then she buys her identity. And then uh, Sarah, the original jackpot, goes into hiding. And Alana starts using this um, enha- these enhancement drugs, and um, which included this uh, mutant growth hormone. And she gives herself these powers of super strength, stamina, and invulnerability. And then um, Alana, I don't know. Alana, her story then like uh, she she has a crush on Spider Man uh, just so she can kind of like fool people about her sexuality. And uh, they reveal later that she's a, a lesbian. She was uh, attracted to uh, Sarah Eret, the original Jackpot, and she never told her. And it's just kind of a it's kind of a crazy story. I. I don't know. Like, I think they're going to go with the. I, where are they going to go with this, Jake? I, it, she's like a forty-year-old superhero. Are they going to do that? Are they going to do that whole story with these two different jackpots? And I feel like they'll just throw all that into the trash, right? And they'll just—it's just the idea of a you know a female superhero with the name Jackpot and tied into the Spider-Man universe. And as long as that's intact, they'll just kind of take liberties from there. I would assume. Are we going to get that far? Are we, are they going to, are we going to get to the Jackpot movie? (laughs) I I mean, if silver sable and black cat are hits, then absolutely. I think those are definitely the litmus test. What do you guys think we're going to get those movies, right? I think we'll get at least one of those. Yeah, because all this stuff sounds like just put it right next to the Gambit movie to me. No, not at all. Not at all. Not with what Sony's doing already. Not with Venom, Morbius, you know, um, Craven. (laughs) This stuff's happening. Yeah, I mean, they've already got uh, writers for the... They already had a writer for the Silver and Black movie. And I think the writer that they had for that movie is basically... (laughs) just kind of moved on to one of these solo movies. It was, uh, yeah, uh, Gina Prince Bythewood, and she was the writer and director who was originally attached to make Silver and Black. She's going to depart the project, but she's going to remain as a uh, producer on the on both the Black Cat and Silver Sable films. And 
So they're looking to replace her with uh, another female director. I mean, they've already got some people in place in these projects. So, and then a Night Watch movie. They're talking about a Night Watch movie here, and Night Watch was uh, a character that was created in '93 by Terry Cavanaugh, Alex Savick, and Joe Rubenstein. And he was a Spawn ripoff, right, Brian? Yes, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Um, character uh, Kevin Trench totally looks like Spawn. Uh, Kevin Trench witnesses a costumed hero die in a battle fighting terrorists. He unmasks the body and learns that it's an older version of himself. He takes the costume and it gives him superhuman powers. Kevin then wants to find out more about how all this came to be. So... It's a fun story. Totally looks like Spawn. But, um, yeah, uh, Sony is, um, planning to experiment with these different characters and they are, uh, they've publicly said it is open to making comic book movies in the vein of Logan or Deadpool that are more for adult audiences. And then this, the, an article uh, that Variety came out with, they're speculating that Venom that was promised to be an R-rated Sony movie is now going to be PG-13. Yeah, that's – I mean the speculation there is that they're trying to keep in line so they can play ball with the MCU later in the future, right? But I don't know. That seems really weird like it's – I don't know if it's even worth all that gamble. We've, we've yet to, like we were talking earlier, we don't know if they're going to play with these ancillary characters or not. So why not just concentrate on making a great, different, unique superhero movie or villain movie, however you want to put it. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think, I guess from a business perspective, it makes sense to, you know, keep it PG-13 in case you do have the opportunity to play ball with the ancillary MCU characters. But yeah, from a fan perspective, it is really disappointing when you, you know, they tout something is going to be, yeah, we're going to make it, you know, we're going to make the best movie we can. You know, we've heard these kinds of things before from other projects. So it's going to be the best movie we can. If it ends up being R, it's R. If it's not, it doesn't end up being R, it doesn't end up being R. But it's like, it's always We so... were promised a fucking R-rated Venom, right? Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. were. What's the point in not having Spider-Man in it if that's not what you're doing? Oh, I... Uh, I don't know. This is... Trying to appeal to a wider audience to get more money out of it. I mean, that's usually the name of the game, right? Oh, so, okay. Uh, I guess. I mean, I if they if they would appeal to a wider audience... Yeah, I see what you're saying, Hopner, but I'm saying, like, Hopner, I'm saying, like, what I'm saying is, like, you could appeal to a larger audience and make a Deadpool movie. Jesus Christ, dude. Sorry. <laughs> also was, not me. That was my cat. Oh, that was my cat. That was, oh. that was totally on my end. Dude, I love you too, and I, I totally am aware of your existence right now. And yes, I will scratch your belly because you're fucking adorable. Oh, my God. I love you. Anyway, um, <laughs> it, the thing is, like, they could say, oh, yeah, let's make a Deadpool movie and appeal to a larger audience and make it PG-13. If they would have came out with a PG-13 Deadpool movie, it wouldn't have made half of the fucking money that it made with Ryan Reynolds. I promise you. It wouldn't have been half as good. It scratched an itch that hadn't been scratched up to that point. And, you know, the one thing I can't get past is I don't 
I don't know that anybody should be trying to make a shared universe at this point. I, I think Marvel did it. I don't know that anybody can repeat that. I think Warner Brothers learned their lesson, and I'm not sure that Sony's caught on yet to the fact that they're just not going to pull this off. See, that's the thing. Like, how involved is Kevin Feige in talking to them about their shared universe? I don't see why he would be. He doesn't stand to make a dime from that. See, the thing is, though, we know that from the Sony leaks, before there was a deal in place with Disney, uh, Sony didn't have a deal in place with Marvel Studios slash Disney. Kevin Feige was actually sending notes over to Amy Pascal about like what he would do to change some of the things in the Spider-Man universe. Like they, you know, and that's, they didn't pay him for consultation. Like Kevin Feige actually just sent an email to Amy Pascal and said, Hey, uh, if I was in charge of, uh, Spider-Man, I would have done this, 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 and this. We've seen. And she threw his, she threw her sandwich in his face for that. She did. She did. She absolutely did. Do you think he walked up to her while she was eating the sandwich? Like, what are the logistics of that? Sorry. Dude, I've hold just on. Been wondering about that every I want to see a reenactment. Right. <laughs> I want to see a reenactment like when you're watching like uh Rescue 911 back when like Exactly. <laughs> I want to see yeah. that. Like and I any of those cop shows. And show it in like black and white. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it, it, it really means that it's a flashback. You know. Now maybe Pascal there and uh, you know distort her voice. Yeah, exactly. You know, get a pixelator face and shit. Yeah. But that's, that, that's like Marvel's crown jewel. I, I, I get why Kevin Feige would feel like he has almost a responsibility to his employer to give Sony notes saying you're, you're shitting on our corporate icon versus like, Hey, you fucked up the Craven movie or you, you know, you shouldn't make the silver and black movie. I could see him giving two shits about that. Yeah, but it's, it's, it, they already, they have kind of like Kevin Feige at their disposal. Why wouldn't you want to take advantage and talk to this guy and figure out like, honestly, I think Kevin Feige, when it comes down to it, he would probably tell them what we're telling them. Don't do it. Stop. Right? Right? Like he would, Kevin Feige would like, put uh, he would have amy pascal and avi arad and all these sony people he would put them in a room and they would walk in un- unsuspecting that there's like this big intervention sign you know <laughs> and he would say hey i know you see dollar bills but like stop it like nobody's gonna nobody gives a fuck about a morbius movie <laughs> Yeah, no, no one gives a fuck about Silver Sable meaty Morbius. You know, the, the, sad, the sad thing is of all those movies, Morbius is the one that's most intriguing to me because I really like the early issues of the comic book in the You're 90s. Right. You're right. I, I, I've actually said that on a previous episode that like out of all these movies like Craven and Silver Sable and, you know, Black Cat and stuff like that, like the Morbius movie is the one that could actually be interesting. So... And, uh, oh, here's the thing. Antoine Fuqua, the director for Training Day, uh, he also directed the new Magnificent Seven reboot, the the Equalizer movie. He revealed in an interview with Hey You Guys that uh, he's, quote, going to have a meeting with Kevin Feige soon, just talking. And then he also revealed that Sony approached him in April about directing the Morbius the Living Vampire movie. What are the chances? What are the chances 
that Kevin Feige is going to talk to him about doing a Blade movie? And 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 if that could help, I don't know if it could help set up a Morbius movie because like, or yeah, this would come out after the Morbius. Blade and Morbius have fought multiple times in the comics. That's not out of the question. Oh, yeah. yeah, they did all the like Night Stalker stuff and yes, everything. The Night so, Stalker the night stuff. Suns yes. and everything. Yeah, they even did that stuff in the nineties uh, animated Spider-Man series too. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, Morbius had teeth in his hands. Remember, because they couldn't have him bite people. Mm-hmm. Ha! I think. I think honestly, I think if there was an announcement that Antoine Fuqua was directing a Blade movie and they gave us our new Blade. I think that that movie would explode. And if, you know, and Marvel Studios would be in charge of it. Fox lost rights to the character years ago. And I think most people were kind of expecting Blade to kind of be like a Netflix series for the longest time. But I think if Marvel announced that they were going to do a Blade movie, I think that would, and Antoine Fuqua was directing, I think that might get people excited. I don't know. Oh, I'd be there in spades. Absolutely. That sounds like an amazing matchup. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious because that would sort of be, that would be a shift for Marvel to the sort of more street level view and how that meshes with the overall universe. I mean, I'd see it on day one. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd just be interesting given all their properties, their other properties being in Netflix, does Blade feel isolated? It's yeah. like, does, does Blade team up with the Avengers, you know, or the Guardians. Or. Well, uh, <laughs> here we go. Does that force Marvel Studios to make Blade rated R? Mm, you almost have to. With all that blood, you almost have to. Well, is Sony, I mean, Sony's basically, it sounds like their variety is reporting that Sony's backing off of making Venom rated R. Are they going to back off making Morbius rated R? A character that does crave blood? Yeah, and Jared Leto's going to be in it. You would think the whole reason you'd have someone like him is because you're going to go R. Yeah, but he was also in Suicide Squad, which was PG-13. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. Yeah. I I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, Venom makes a shit ton of money at PG-13. They'll probably try to continue along that way, I would imagine. Yeah, Yeah. I I think, honestly, I don't know. Make Venom for the adults. I, I you, you can you can have a rated R movie and you don't have to make it like disgusting gore. You can like have you ever you know Jake you know what I'm talking about when you watch The Evil Dead, like it's gory but it's also funny, right? Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. I Venom would easily lend itself to an R rating. It's not like you're really stretching anything to make Venom R, right? Yeah. Like even the trailer kind of promotes that it should be R. You like don't have to. I don't, I, I don't need to hear like Eddie Brock saying "fuck, fuck you," you know? Like I don't, I don't need, to, I don't need the no. cursing. I just like the gore would be if if I, I can deal with the gore. You know? Yeah, and I don't think it's, I. I kind of don't want it to be campy gore. I mean, to me, the terror is, you know, Eddie has no control over this alien just ripping the limbs off of someone. Right. Yeah. Like he's not a murderer, but this thing is making him into a murderer. Yeah, I like that too. And 
like that's kind of the violence and the R rating I want to see. It's a different R than like the campiness of the Deadpool. It's a little bit more in line with like the R of the Logan, right? But still, even on a different level, more on like a body horror R level. Yeah, you turn it more into a a horror movie, kind of a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde kind of a situation. It's kind. I want the scene where Venom eats somebody, and then Eddie talks about what it felt like for him when Venom eats somebody. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, see, like how gross that was. That's yeah, because I, I mean, I still don't understand in the comics how that happens. But in the trailer, it, it's like it's like he's talking about eating that guy's limb, his heads, his arms, his pancreas, his liver, whatever the fuck. He's you know he's going through like uh, you know all, the entire anatomy there, and then uh, then then it's a, it, he it, we're left with a joke as he's talking to like the the clerk there. He's like, oh. Yeah. I got a virus, you know, and so I hated that moment. It made me it made it seem like the whole thing was a dream sequence. The fact that the clerk would just stand there and listen to a punchline. Right. After seeing that. Yeah. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I didn't like that either. Either. Yeah, and it's, it's stuff like that that's in that trailer that I said earlier that I'm like, I'm very at best lukewarm on the whole movie as it is because it seems like they have that whole. We're trying to be really intense and, you know, uh, frightening. But then, yeah, we just end that where he eats a person with a joke. You know, here's another thing. And I get it, Jake. It's like a Venom movie without Spider-Man. It's just like symbiote versus symbiote is what it feels like we're left with in this movie. And I don't know how interesting that's going to be. Yeah, exactly. It's just the hero fighting the same villain kind of. Yeah. There's something about there's something about there's something about Tom Holland. This this young actor, this this young Peter Parker going up against something so sinister and so evil that just makes that story amazing. And I don't know. I, I how is this going to work? How is this going to work? And it, it's like, even if they do pull this off and, and we fall in love with this Tom Hardy, Eddie Brock slash Venom, you know, relationship and, and, you know, him doing whatever the fuck he does in this movie. We love that. Like, how are they then going to, are we going to get to see Venom versus Spider? I don't know. This is weird. It's just so weird. Yeah. Is that where they tone it down to PG-13? Yeah. Well, they would have to once you introduce Tom Highland Spider Man, which I feel like I don't know. Part of me wants to see him like in a in a. Oh my god! Part of me wants to see him in a rated R fucking movie. Yeah, I feel like that's the way you would do when Craven meets Spider Man. I feel like that should be rated R. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I mean, you know, you're never they're never gonna do that, but it's what I would want to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's talk about. Uh, Hopner, are you good on time, or you good, you gotta go? Um, I should probably get going. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us, dude. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, it's always a good time when I'm able to come by. Yeah, we love having you here. Uh, Greg, are you are you good? Are you good to stick around? Are you good? Yeah, I'm. I'm good. All um, right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Hopner, right. Hopner, if this was a sleepover, you would totally have a dick drawn on your forehead by the morning. Okay, buddy? No, oh, I know. <laughs> oh, there'd be a whole cornucopia of dicks everywhere. Totally. We're putting your hand in the water. You're pissing yourself. We're all laughing. We're taking yeah. pictures. 
you know. Yeah, yeah one hand has the hand in the water, the other one's got the whipped cream in it, and here yeah. comes the feather. Yeah, yeah. The family dog is licking the peanut butter off your dick. That's totally happening right <laughs> now, buddy. All right. Fair play. <laughs> Look, yeah, that's that's the way it's always supposed to be. No, Dan, Dan thanks a lot, man. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, yeah, we're gonna, I totally gonna have you back on for our Bumblebee episode in December. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. All right, man. You have a good night. All right, guys. Yep. Later, Hopper. Take care, everyone. Bye. Oh, thank God he's gone. Jesus Christ. Yeah, all right. <laughs> now we can start the show. Finally. I know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I love that guy. He's great. Um, THR had a huge story on James Gunn. James, uh, Jake, are we, are we ready to talk about James Gunn finally? Uh, yeah, look, look, if we're going to do the James Gunn talk, let's take a break. I was kind of doing the pee-pee dance. Oh, <laughs> shit. All right, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Ooh. Ooh, we are having people uh, waiting on this James Gunn thing. It's been like three weeks now. Jake, are you are you there? No, I'm here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I hit my mute and I didn't realize it. <laughs> Jake is just Jake is Jake is dreaming about urinating right now. <laughs> yeah, I was like. TLC's Waterfalls was just playing on loop in my head. I am keeping you from that. That, that, that. (laughs) I mean, it'll just come to a point where I'll hit the mute and just, (laughs) Brian, can can I add something to good, good pop, bad pop? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, another iTunes review just came in. No, good pop, bad pop is now good piss, bad piss. And it's. Right now, Jake is in the bad piss section. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the needles leaning towards bad. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about James Gunn, finally. All right, we'll be right back. Oh, yeah. Leftover Army. You should follow the leftovers on Instagram at Instagram.com slash PopCultureLeftovers and on Tumblr at PopCultureLeftovers2.tumblr.com. If you get a few shots of vodka in you, it's almost as sexy as my voice. That's gangster. Hey, uh, we are back. Uh, yeah, uh, THR had a huge story on James Gunn, and we are finally ready to talk about James Gunn, Jake. We've been putting this off for weeks. We, uh, the leftovers are going to give their thoughts on that James Gunn thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, shit. I also want to apologize to you, Jake, for not letting you piss right away. I feel like a dick. No, it's fine. It's fine. I feel like, I'll be okay. I feel like a dick for not letting you use yours. <laughs> it's okay. It was, it was all good. We all needed a break. Greg needed some more pop chips. and Yeah, yeah. Hey, Greg, uh, let, we're going to talk about this James Gunn thing. I, 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 I let you know early in the week that we were going to talk about this. I didn't want you to get caught off guard with this whole thing. I know this is a, a sensitive mm-hmm. subject with some people. So, um uh, Apparently, uh, THR, they came out with this article. The Guardian's director has been approached by several top producers and executives that are dangling big film projects. And, uh, guys, anytime that I see, like, uh, gun fired, I think of something completely different. <laughs> yeah, not again. <laughs> well, like, I think of an actual gun, like a physical gun being fired. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Oh, not okay. again. Oh, yeah. Oh, um but uh you know what i'm gonna start greg i feel horrible but i'm gonna start with you like what were your thoughts when this whole james gunn thing went down 
That's okay. You know, so uh, number one, let me just go on the record. I am firmly against pedophilia. Okay. Not, not okay with pedophilia. Um, that being said, it, it, I, I find it really upsetting whenever anybody loses a job because of something they said or did or tweeted 10 years ago. Um, to me, that's just really unfortunate. And, you know, um, Having seen the Guardians movies, having followed James Gunn on Twitter, I have a, a I think, somewhat of a sense of what kind of person he is. I yeah. actually don't know the guy. Yeah. Um, but what what really disturbs me is Disney has now put themselves in a position where, uh, like, anytime they hire anybody, they're going to have to do a full background check. And are are they going back ten years for what people said and tweeted and all of that stuff? I mean, if if you told me when Disney acquired Marvel that they were going to be behaving this way, I would have I would not have been happy. Um, so I, I understand what they did. I, I get it. I get why they quote unquote had to do it. I think it's it's really unfortunate. And I think anybody who's not perfect can relate to somebody digging up something from 10 years ago that you said or did and somebody losing their job because of that. And it's just sad. I think it's really just unfortunate. Jake. Um, yeah, I, go ahead. Yeah, I like what Greg said. You know, I, I strongly oppose pedophilia too. But yeah, I mean, seeing this really, you know, it really crushed me seeing him fired for this. You know, it's the Guardians movies are my two favorite MCU movies. And it's just like, it's not like it's something that he tried to hide. He'd already acknowledged this and uh, apologized for these, you know, tweets and blogs that he'd written in the first place. Yeah. And uh, man, and, and, it's like the Guardians movies themselves are about, you know, a band of fucking misfits and no-gooders that realize that they can become something more and, you know, elevate beyond being, you know, a shitty person and actually accomplish something good. And I, it's a very personal story to James Gunn because of him doing this shock humor type stuff years ago. You know, I, he regrets it. He obviously has regretted it. And then to get fired after already showing all that remorse already in the past it's just oh man it's really crazy and yeah the whole can of worms that it opens it's like you know there's so many people with a checkered past that are even currently working with the disney and the marvel movies so it's just and just on top of the fox merger it's like you know even more it makes you worry about like you know the r-rated stuff for the movies and you know who are they going to take any more chances hiring any directors? And there's just, oh my God, there's so much to talk about with this. I, it's just such bullshit that they would succumb to, you know, them bringing something up that had already been brought up. And I'll be interested to see when Kevin Fahey actually makes some kind of statement on this. It feels like yeah. until they actually decide whether or not they're completely letting them go with all the rumors mm-hmm. going around that Fahey isn't going to like, say anything about future plans or anything like that because this is above him like this was yeah. not his decision this was disney brass not marvel brass yeah it went over his head for sure yeah this, yeah. this is uh marvel studios has not come out with a formal statement about any of this as far as i know this has all been and and there's a rumor uh from uh from a youtuber uh jeremy conrad who take his I, I take his opinions with a grain of salt but he says that uh feige is on the inside and he's fighting for james gunn and trying to get james gunn back uh you know instated with uh 
with with Marvel Studios trying to get him back there. And the fact that the others, like, if the, if you can believe the reports, like, let's just hypothetically say the reports are true, that other major studios are dangling other major products in front of Gunn, but that can't be resolved until the Disney thing is resolved. That should be, like, the proof that the Disney brass needs to see that, like, this is, like, you made a lousy decision here. Like, what Gunn did years ago isn't stopping all these other studios from grabbing him up and having him do their franchise movie. So, you know, and he's not making these jokes currently and as you know, has absolved himself of saying them in the first place. So it was it only, kind of, it was only a big deal when he was fired and this was brought into the media. Like if, if, am I right? Like I don't, I don't think yeah, like, it, even it, though even though there's this even though there's this article written about like you know his tweets and stuff like that until Disney acknowledged it and gave it credence and said yes this is grounds for firing that's what really brought attention to this if Disney would have just said if they would have just kind of like ignored this and because, guys, you gotta understand, he was working for, when he was making these jokes, he was working for trauma. And mm-hmm. you've gotta have a twisted sense of humor and a dark sense of humor when you're working for trauma. That's kind of like what they are known for. And so, of course, like he was coming out with some really shocking kind of comedy and stuff. Some of the stuff was like not, it was just not funny. Like the pedophilia stuff, like it just, it wasn't funny. And, and, uh, but honestly, it's like, uh, I don't have any kids, but like I really wouldn't have, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know James Gunn personally, but I honestly feel like, Dave Batista and Chris Pratt and Zoe Saldana would have no problems letting their kids, like, if they have kids, like, let James Gunn, like, watch them for an afternoon while they're out doing a, a shoot for a movie. Like, I don't think that they would have to worry about their kids coming back and James Gunn. I agree with that, Brian. I don't think Chris Pratt would have put his name to that statement if yeah. he thought there was a 1% chance that James Gunn was a real-life pedophile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and... I think James Gunn was just at that point in time working with Troma, which is like this really shocking kind of like comedy. They're really kind of like off the wall. He did like Tromeo and Juliet. And um, I think he was, it's unfortunate that he felt like he had to express himself on Twitter. You know, it's, I understand like you're in the creative mode and you like, want to put your voice out there and like, this is what I'm working with trauma. And, you know, here's my, here's my shocking jokes now that I'm a trauma director and I'm a trauma writer. And he put his thoughts out there on Twitter. It's unfortunate that he did that. But like on the flip side, like, I don't think that what he said was indicative of who he is as a person. No, and it was clear he was, uh, you know, I, I happen to not find the tweets funny, though. I have a very dark sense of humor. Um, yeah, they just weren't clear, funny. They weren't funny. Yeah, it, it, it's clear that he was trying to make a joke that, again, wasn't funny. But here's one question I'm curious about. So if you're James Gunn at this point, do you want to go back? 
Like, why not make a $750 million grossing Doom Patrol movie and just tell Marvel to go fuck themselves? Yeah, why not? Mm. Why not say, like, oh, I'm going to do, uh, I'm James Gunn. Warner Brothers is interested. Like, this is one of the rumors we're hearing that Warner Brothers, uh, or Lionsgate, you know, one of these companies, they're interested in signing James Gunn once this kind of like cools off. And, uh, you know, James Gunn is, he's going to do a, uh, uh, blue and gold movie, you know, uh, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold for, uh, Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. or he's gonna do, uh, Green Lantern Corps, you know, something like that. He's gonna be involved in their cosmic universe, you know. I, I agree, like, why the fuck, like, Disney just, like, they let him go, like, it was nothing, and he did no. everything for, and now we're hearing the rumors from THR, that Disney still might use the uh, James Gunn script that was recently completed. Well, that way they can put his name on it and try to get ahead of any protesting by fans or any shit like that. But yeah, that makes sense. And I, I, I completely agree with what you you guys are saying. Like, you know, why even fucking go back after they did this to him? And I think the reason, the why of it all is is the personal connection with the characters, and even more so now, I think with the cast. Right? I mean. I think he's made lifelong friends from pretty much yeah. all of the main principal cast of this franchise. So yeah. I think he would want to come back to finish out this Guardians thing and to work with these people one more time. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not so much Marvel Studios, but definitely the cast. No, it, not, not Disney. I don't think he has a problem with Marvel Studios working under Kevin Feige. I think it has to do with Disney. Let's not confuse yeah. that. Yeah, that's yeah, true. His, his boss is boss. And, you know, here's another way of thinking. Like, I, I generally like Disney. You know, I do have kids, and Disney produces a lot of good shit that yeah. makes a lot of people happy. Yeah. But when the, when I think of this whole situation, it makes me think that Disney's leadership is either hypocritical because they knew he said this years ago and apologized, and now they're upset about it because it got out in the media. Or they're incompetent because they knew he said it, he apologized, they didn't realize it, and now they're realizing it. So they're either incompetent or hypocritical, but either way, the decision doesn't make a ton of sense, given what happened a few years ago. But uh, I, they're, they're, Hey, hold on. Maybe it comes down to them being frugal, right? Think about this. The guy comes out with this movie Super. He, you know, he worked for Troma. He did this movie Super. He did another movie. And they're like, we can get this guy on the cheap. He's talented. We can get him on the cheap. Does it just come down to them being fucking frugal? I think originally uh, that was a little bit of it for sure. There's no way that was 0% of it. Why did, the, it was, why, yeah. why did Sony hire John Watts to do Spider-Man Homecoming? All we really knew him from was Cop Car, right? Why did Fox hire Tim Miller to do Deadpool when all he had really never had a breakout? I feel like some of these studios hire these guys because they're frugal. They're cheap. You know what? Look at how changes in directors affected enthusiasm in Solo, for example. Uh, if I'm Disney, I want to be very careful about screwing with fan bases and their expectations. Because I'll tell you, my enthusiasm for Guardians 3 with anyone other than James Gunn and maybe Taika is way less, yeah. way, way less. I mean, I'm not yeah. – I'll go see it. It'll be opening weekend. I'm not going to see it twice. I may not see it three times unless it's really shockingly great. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I can't imagine anyone that's going to make it not seem like a parody of itself. Other, you know, that's going to be very weird to see a James Gunless Guardians of the Galaxy movie. 
We're gonna like, get even it. if they use his screenplay, that doesn't mean like that someone else is probably still picking the music yeah. and that'll be, you yeah. know, that'll definitely make a difference. It, like it, there's lots of little things. It almost feels wrong. It, it just it, it's like the I know he didn't create those characters, obviously, but he, he did. I mean, for film, he did. Yes. It just it, it just to me, they are, it, it seems like it's such a personal film for him. It just feels icky for anybody else to be directing. that. Well, the fuck property. hasn't. OK, I know Dave, Dave Batista has been uh, he's been outspoken and uh, very outspoken, more outspoken than anybody else. Like Dave Batista. Yeah. Dave Bautista says, I will not be in the movie if you do not use his script. And I know that the entire cast has like signed this, uh, you know, document that, uh, that they all kind of like wrote up. But like Vin Diesel has done many videos, Facebook videos with James Gunn. Like I haven't heard anything like just from James, from uh, Vin Diesel himself saying. You know, I know he's involved in the Bloodshot movie and all this stuff. He's busy with that, but is he too busy to like stand up for his friend here, guys? That's the thing. It's like it's like I don't think that James Gunn is a pedophile. I think I feel like he was just making some stupid fucking jokes because he's trying to get his mind in a weird place because he's working for this weird film studio. Yeah. And he's saying inappropriate things that are shocking. You know, he's in a Anthony Jeselnik state of mind, you know, where he's making shocking statements and shocking jokes that really aren't funny. Like I, 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 I laugh. I, I think Anthony Jeselnik is fucking hilarious. Like he says some inappropriate shit, but like, I think he's hilarious. I just think the James Gunn stuff is like, yeah, stick, <laughs> stick to the guardians yeah. of the galaxy. You know, movies. Your Giving Tree joke was kind of stupid, but um, yeah, it was like a modern horror movie where, like, yeah. it was it it wasn't scary. It was just shocking. It wasn't funny. It was just shocking. I can know? appreciate somebody being creative and trying to get themselves in a kind of like a weird creative state of mind and say off the wall shit, but um, it it wasn't funny. But I don't think it was worthy of him being fired, especially since Disney knew about this, like you said, Greg, and him, I think maybe even six years prior to this, kind of like came out and said, hey, that's not me anymore. And then like the statements from his brother, the statements from the cast, and it's all kind of like, I understand like there's this whole Me Too movement going on right now and I think it's great. I think it's great that we are uh, kind of like, uh, you know, uh, flushing out some of the bad influence in Hollywood and um, getting rid of that. But on the flip side, it's, it's, it's one of those – this is com- something completely different in my opinion, whereas the other people that were kind of like accused of things were either accused of like – rape where James Gunn has not really affected anyone personally he's just made some inappropriate jokes and yeah, I mean sorry Brian no 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 if, if if making inappropriate jokes is like grounds for being fired for something then you know I guess stand up comedy is dead yeah Exactly, exactly. It's turned into the thought police. And look, you know, like, I, I, the Me Too movement is 
a, a lot of good that, that's obviously you know is, is coming from that. Uh, yeah. But that, that's about actions that people have taken. It's not about things that people have thought or said. What about and what? I, what, what about forgiveness, Greg? Like, yeah. uh, Do you see? Disney movies, do you see characters that start off on the wrong path in a Disney movie and then as they as these characters progress through the story in a Disney film in a Disney screenplay do they realize maybe some of the things that they've done are not so good and they redeem themselves I understand this is Disney and I understand this is a a child friendly company and and, uh, you know, it's, it, it, man, it looks bad when you have like one of your directors, uh, under one of your s- studios here that are making these pedophilia jokes and things like that. But like, whatever happened to forgiveness? Especially, yeah. for, especially for somebody that hasn't, to our knowledge, excuse me, to our knowledge hasn't like partaken in any pedophilia that we know of like it was just jokes so and bad jokes but you know i don't know yeah it's very hypocritical like you say brian like when like almost half of their fare is about like you know overcoming things you've done in the past and Mm -hmm. you know being forgiven and you know becoming more than your mistakes so it's like it's such a giant like a hypocrite move to not even like follow what your own like thematics are and you're in you know the majority of your movies honestly i think if if disney would have came out with a statement saying like you know james gunn just like many of our characters that start off on a on a path that's like not good has kind of like redeemed himself and uh we we see james gunn for who he is now not for who he was and and maybe some of the bad things that he said in the past but you know we see james gunn for who he is now and I, I, I honestly, I think the majority of people out there would have kind of like understood. And uh, if they would, they could have actually branded this as kind of like a Disney story. Like James Gunn has changed his ways. And and I still think you would have the outpouring from the fans. You still would have had the outpouring from the uh, from Chris Pratt, from from his brother, from Dave Bautista, from Zoe Saldana, all the people that were involved saying that, yeah, Disney's right. James Gunn is just he's he's more than like what those stupid jokes were. He's he's this to me. He's that to me. I I, I wouldn't want people like if I did like one, if I said one thing that like offended people, I wouldn't want people to say like that's that's what defines me as a person. Yeah. And Lord knows after 245 episodes of PCL, I, I'm sure we've said a few things that have offended people. Yeah, but like Everything that I say, like, is it, am I not saying some of the things just for comic, comical reasons? Like, and you may not find them funny, and that's totally fine, but like, doesn't mean that I mean them. You know, I don't know. It's, I, I, like, like it's the death of comedy, like you guys were saying. It's crazy. Like, it's like, where do you draw the line? Like, the line will just get pushed further and further back the more you try to, like, kind of, you know, Nazi comedy like this. And it's like, I'm not, saying the jokes were funny but it's like you know it's it's the whole thing is just so crazy yeah i don't know i i uh is this is this okay so amc rehired chris hardwick after their investigation i mean 
does this open the door for James Gunn to come back to Disney after? I'm not saying like now, but even if they get another director for Guardians 3, I mean, could could Disney ever bring back James Gunn? Yeah, I think there's definitely a possibility. In my head, it's like there's a 15% chance that they rehire him back. It's not very big. Yeah, I think there's a 0% chance, sadly, and um, for them to bring him back at some point in the distant future, I think it would you'd need a change in leadership. Because somebody like, uh, I think it's, it's Alan Horn, who Feige reports up to, and then Bob Iger, who probably blessed the decision, it makes them look weak if they about fate they're not going to they're not going to reverse a decision that big i just don't see it in any way so you'd have to have some kind of change for them to do that man i i honestly i feel like forgiveness is for something like this like if we found out like there's no forgiving a an, an actual pedophile that's disgusting our children are something that should be protected like if i ever i, I have a niece and nephew and that's one of those things where, like, if I ever found out that anybody ever touched my niece and nephew, I would want to. Right. I, I that like that's the only thing that could ever like drive me to murder is to actually for somebody to actually touch my niece and nephew, and um, because that's. But, you know, comedy on the other there is dark comedy. People people say some dark things, and James Gunn said some dark things, even though I don't think like they were particularly funny. But he said them. He said them because he was in a creative com- comedic state, working for Trauma. I, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't. Unless I hear something about him doing something to someone, unless there's allegations, um, I don't know. But it, it, it's Disney, though. It's Disney. I get it. That's their brand. God, it's it's a. But we're, it's, it's a weird thing. I, I, I just, uh, I hope that, uh, Warner Brothers is serious about, you know, hiring him. I, I think that's where we are at this point. Once Disney, once Kevin Feige kind of says, hey, you know, this is where I stand, and Disney says, sorry, yeah, we love you, Kevin, but, uh, we can't hire him back. I hope that Warner Brothers, after, in about a year, year and a half, you know, yeah, it's a shame because, um, and we know Sony did kind of seem to scoot whatever he was doing for them under the rug right away. I wonder if that'll come back too. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, Sony, I, I have no idea what Sony Entertainment is up to. Sony Films are up to, uh, because they, uh, they had a, you know, James Gunn had a big announcement that he was going to make at San Diego Comic Con for a Sony project and they kind of like, kind of parted ways with him too right yeah yeah i think it was just kind of in the wake of all of it like mm-hmm. they just didn't you know yeah. but they, i don't know if they could possibly change their tune as well yeah we'll see so and here's where it gets confusing so like <clears throat> if james gunn hypothetically was directing a marvel tv series on netflix yeah same situation otherwise and i know that you know like it goes up to pearl mutter and it's different does he still get fired I guess what I'm getting at is, does Disney not understand the maturity level of the fans? See, that's the thing. Like, like these these aren't cartoons we're watching. If he's doing, we just watched a movie about genocide. If he's doing Netflix stuff, 
that's that man. This is tricky. If he does Netflix stuff, that stuff is still considered a Netflix original. Yeah, I mean, I saw a guy get decapitated by a car door on Daredevil. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right yeah. up there with pedophilia in terms of horrifying shit. Yeah, it, well, see, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, I don't want anybody to listen to our podcast and say these guys support pedophilia. No. Fuck you. You're a fucking idiot. If that's what you got out of this, I do not support yeah. pedophilia. You're a fucking idiot. No, no you're I, a I fucking admit, moron. I probably laughed at a Michael Jackson pedophilia joke in my life, but that was long ago. Yeah. And I am wholeheartedly against pedophilia. And I happen to be yeah. that. So go fuck yourself if you think I think pedophilia is okay. No, I It sucks, like, looking yeah. on social media at, like, the arguments because it, like, it always breaks down into that, too. It's like if you even try to defend James Gunn, you've got, like, six trolls just basically calling you a pedophile, too, for even defending him. And it's like, okay, that's what this argument's devolved into. You're a fucking idiot. Yeah, it's, that, that's stupid. Whatever. I don't care. Come at me. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you can't, no, you can't fire me from fucking pop culture leftovers, so good luck, asshole. <laughs> I mean, Apple could kick you off the platform. That's possible. Yeah, it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it ain't gonna happen. I don't, no, that's... <laughs> 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 you can go to SoundCloud or something. Hey, welcome like to episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, SoundCloud. Welcome to episode two forty-five, the final episode. <laughs> it wasn't up to me, but no, it, Jesus Christ! Like I'm gonna get on here and be like, "Yeah, I support pedophilia." Well, fuck you! <laughs> You're an idiot. Good thing we waited so late into the episode to make that announcement. Yeah, God. <laughs> more. Let's move on to the DC news. And uh, do I got any Star Wars this week? Do I? I guess I. Do. Jesus Christ! I do. Fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on into DC news. Pedophilia's bad. James Gunn. I don't think he's a pedophile. But I think he did some stupid fucking shit. He said some stupid fucking shit. And he should have deleted he should have deleted it off his Twitter a long time ago. That's dumb that Disney didn't tell him to delete that stupid shit off of his fucking Twitter. Yeah. Hey, all that stuff you did while you worked for Troma, you don't work for Troma anymore. Clean that up. Clean that up. Jesus. Anyway. Alright, DC News. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Alright, you fucking pieces of shit. What do we got here? What's going on, DC? What's going on, DC? Uh, we, uh, Deadline's reporting that, uh, we're gonna have a Supergirl movie in development over at Warner Brothers. And, uh, they kinda tease this. In the Man of Steel scene with the scout ship where there uh, wasn't a dead body in one of the pods. The pod was opened. There was no body in it. And so we were all thinking, oh, somebody survived the crash in this scout ship that has been there for thousands of years with this empty pod. And uh, Zack Snyder got on Vero. And recently said that this pod was not meant for Supergirl. He said the the open pod was something more. And this annoyed the shit out of me. Because 
there was a Walmart tie-in comic that was supposedly canon to the Man of Steel movie. I know it sounds silly, a Walmart comic tie-in. <laughs> I know that. I know it sounds silly coming out of my mouth. They uh, said it though. I get you. It's yeah. It was supposed to be canon. Yeah, you were you were promised. I was promised by this Walmart comic tie-in <laughs> that it was canon, and and you could read the comic, and it was Supergirl. Supergirl was the one in the pod, and now Zack Snyder is saying, "Oh, uh, the open pod was something more. It was not Supergirl." But anyway, that's besides the point. I don't know. I think Zack Snyder's just kind of stirring shit up now. But um, it looks like we are... Uh, uh, Warner Brothers is developing a feature film based around Supergirl. And uh, Oren Uziel is working on the script. Not a lot more is being divulged at this point, And it comes as a surprise considering most internet chatter has been based on what will happen next for Superman, who after... 2013's film Man of Steel was conscripted to become key to the plots of Batman v Superman and more recently Justice League. Uziel's script work includes an untitled collaboration with John Krasinski and Pearl Street partners Ben Affleck and Matt Damon as well as Mortal Kombat 22 Jump Street, The Cloverfield Paradox and in production Sonic the Hedgehog. So uh, there's no producer on Supergirl at this point. According to DC Mythology, the character was a teen when she escaped the doomed planet of Krypton, along with the infant who grew up as Clark Kent. Um, yeah, so it looks like DC is uh, working on a uh, Supergirl film. What are you guys' thoughts on this uh, Supergirl? Oh, I don't know. I always find it weird. I mean, to me, this seems even weirder than doing the Flash movie when they already have a TV show. Like I don't know, I, 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 it'd be, it could be cool, it could be well done. A lot of it has to do with casting and how charismatic your lead is. But it's like, can't you let the TV show breathe and do its thing, and then come out with this thing? Uh, like I don't on. know. Hold on, Jake. Hold on. What's been the biggest movie for Warner Brothers as far as their uh, new DC uh, films? Yeah, I know. I get it. Wonder Woman and, and money talks and bullshit walks. But I don't know. It, it is unfortunate. So, But I don't know. This could still be easily be a Tupperware movie and something that's really fun. So it's like I'm not upset by this news by any means. So, I mean, this could be really cool. Greg? I'd, I'd much rather see a Supergirl movie than a Man of Steel sequel. Um, uh I think, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying, Jake. It's kind of hard, especially if you like the TV show, to sort of associate a different actor at the same time in the same role. Um, but I, I like Supergirl as a character. I've liked her since the, um, God, what was it, like 1983 movie? Yeah. Um, and I'd love to see a big screen Supergirl, whether it's now or a few years from now when the TV show has kind of run its course. And I totally agree. It, it, it I'm sure it has a little something to do with Wonder Woman being so successful, but you know, there's a market for it. It's she's a good role model. I I think it's great. Yeah, I think it has to do with uh, with uh, Wonder Woman. I also think it has to do with uh, response to. Hold on, a couple of things has to do with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was their biggest movie of last year. It's been their biggest movie that they come out with. It did bigger numbers than Justice League, which is a 
fucking insane. Anyway, <laughs> that I'm saying that, it's crazy. But um, I also think it has to do with response to Captain Marvel coming out. Right? A little bit, possibly? Yeah, that makes sense to me. It's you, you don't want to let them run away with what you started. And with the new leadership that they have, uh, Walter Hamada, their new CEO, their new creative CEO over there at Warner Brothers, I think Walter Hamada is wanting to do a little bit more of this. You know, that's what, that's why we're getting these announcements of possibly a Batgirl movie, you know, and stuff like that. I, 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 I think things are... God damn it. Uh, did you guys see the Aquaman trailer in theaters yet? Have you seen it on the big screen yet? I have not. No, me neither. I haven't either. I saw it today before my screening of uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. And watching that... It it just looks fun. I'm not going to fucking lie. Aquaman looks fucking fun. I don't know. Um, I think a lot... I think Walter Hamada coming in there is is maybe a breath of fresh air, and uh, you know maybe we'll get a proper Bat family. Now we're getting, you know, Supergirl and stuff like that. Uh, I, I like it. I think it's good. I I, I don't know. I, I I'm so I'm so ready for the the dark and gritty DC bullshit to go away. I, I yeah. I want I want. I want the Joker to be dark and gritty. I, I want Batman movies to be kind of like a little bit darker and stuff. He's a darker character. But when it comes to like Superman, you know, yeah, I want him to be more like the, the Boy Scout that we got with the Christopher Reeves films and, and, uh, a Supergirl film. That's shit. Yeah. Uh, sign me up. I can't wait to see it. I hope they, do a great job casting her. I was actually thinking, I was, as I was watching Mission Impossible Fallout and I was watching, uh, Vanessa Kirby play the role of the, the White Widow, I was thinking, wow, Vanessa Kirby would be a pretty damn good Supergirl. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, I'm not familiar enough with her, but yeah, I trust your instincts there. Well, they were talking, I... they were talking about Vanessa Kirby actually showing up in the Birds of Prey movie. That's an actual rumor. Mm. But as an unknown, as either um, you know, uh, one of the characters in, in in that film, one of the main leads. So I don't know. We'll see. Black Canary sorry. or uh, what? I don't know. Go ahead. What, what do you got, Greg? I'm, I'm sorry. So I, I guess so. The approach with Warner Brothers essentially is, you know, we kind of have a shared universe now, but we we're just focused on trying to make good movies. And if it happens to fit within this universe, great. If not, so be it. That's the impression that I get. And I, honestly, my reaction is that's probably a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I'm in favor of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. That's what they should have been doing from the beginning, is just focusing on getting good. That's what Warner Brothers is. Like Warner Brothers has always been kind of like a, a director-driven studio. And that's what they, they should have been trying to focus on getting the right directors for the right project and not kind of like focusing on like this whole, you know, expanded universe that they've been trying to rip off of Marvel. And I'm not trying to, I'm not saying like they're ripping it off of Marvel in the fact that like they couldn't go there because yes, like there's 80 years of these characters 
joining up in the comics. I get it. Like, you know, the Justice League is a thing. I get it. I'm saying that they jumped the gun and they didn't give us those individual solo movies that were satisfying before they gave us the Justice League. Yeah, they got to that Batman v Superman in the second movie, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, Batman v Superman was the second movie. They went to Suicide Squad. They did Wonder Woman, and then we got then we got a Justice League film. Yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. were bad too, other than Wonder Woman, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I will, I will defend Man of Steel. I, I, I really enjoyed that movie. Honestly, you know, I, I love that movie so much, but. I really did, but honestly, it feels kind of like an Elseworld story. I will admit that that it does feel. I, I, I yeah, right. I, I like Man of Steel too, and actually, yeah. it's weird. Man of Steel was the first episode I listened to for you guys, but um, I liked it. The ending made me sad for yeah. the same reason that I think Mark Wade was upset with it. It just like Jor-El sent his son to show us the best that we could be. And that's not the best that we can be. Mm-hmm. So that, that bothered me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get that. But you know, it is what it is. It's, that's not my Superman. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, if it comes down to like, uh, what Superman do I love on film the most? It's, it's always Christopher Reeves. Yep. You know, I mean, I own those movies. God damn it. We found out Margot Kidder. It was suicide. Oh man! Oh yeah, that was heartbreaking. That that really sucked. Yeah, that broke my fucking heart. I know she was suffering from. She was suffering from mental illness anyway. God, you know, fuck you, Doctor Phil. Do you do you remember when he like had her on the show? Doctor Phil had Margot Kidder on the show. That motherfucker is. He just exploits people. He makes me fucking sick. Yeah, I've never been able to watch any kind of daytime like psychotherapy show like that. So, ugh. well, he had her, he had her on there, and he knew goddamn well she was not like well. And he oh had, yeah, it's and, all about exploiting people. And he exploits her. They had this guy. I, I remember I was watching. Uh, I resp- uh, it's so crazy because like I I there's this one Doctor Phil episode that I will watch like clips of it on youtube and yeah you can look it up it's absolutely it's amazing if you hate dr phil definitely watch this clip on youtube (laughs) there there was this guy who would um he did like uh this web series or this series that you could like purchase like it was it was like hobo fights or like he would make (laughs) he would he would make hobos like homeless people do like really fucked up shit like Oh, uh, if you pull one of your teeth out, I'll give you a hundred bucks. Or like, if this homeless guy over here goes over and fights another homeless guy, I'll give you like, whatever. You know, I'll give you some money. And like, he would record these homeless people doing like fucked up shit. Yeah, that's sad. Okay, yeah, that's fucked up, right? The, the creator of that hobo fights videos was kind of fucked up. So, the guy, so Dr. Phil is gonna have this guy who like records these hobo fights on his show. And so when the guy shows up to the Dr. Phil episode, he shaves his head 
like Dr. Phil's where he's got like no hair on top and just like the sides. He's just got like the hair on the sides. He looks like Dr. Phil. And what he does is he says, hey, I'm no different than you. I exploit people just like you do, Dr. Phil. You know, the guy's a dick, but he has a point. Yes. And and Dr. Phil was so fucking intimidated by this guy, but tried to flip it to say, oh, I didn't know anything about your videos until I just saw the footage they just showed on your little preview here before we had you come on. And I am so, I am so distraught and so disturbed by this video footage that you've shown us, that they've shown us here today, that I'm not even going to let you talk on my show. It's because Dr. Phil knew that this guy, his whole point for being on the show is saying, Hey, I'm no fucking different from you. I exploit hobos, and I'm totally admitting to that, that I get paid because I exploit homeless people in my videos, but you're trying to do it all shady and shit. You take people that are fucked up, you get them on your show, you talk about how fucked up they are, you really give them no help, and you just point out how fucked up they are. You you don't help them at all. You just exploit them. I'm no different than you. And he dressed like Dr. Phil, had the same suit on, gave himself the same fucking bullshit fucking haircut, bald head, and just the hair on the sides. He looked like Dr. Phil. And Dr. Phil was so fucking intimidated by that, he kicked him off the fucking show. Yeah, what a piece of shit. Dr. Phil's a fucking, he's a cunt. Fuck him. (laughs) That's kind (laughs) of like a comic book where the supervillain says, you know, we're we're more alike than you think, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Watch (laughs) it. Guys, I'm serious. Like, if you, like, look up that video on YouTube. It's on there. It's like, I don't know. Just look up, like, uh, Dr. Phil Hobo Fights. Do a search on YouTube. You'll find it. You'll find it. It's, it's fucking, cause, like, Dr. Phil tries to play it off, like, oh, yeah, I, I just saw this video for the first time. I'm not even gonna give you the time of the day to talk on my show. And it's, like, honestly, it came, Dr. Phil realized that this guy had an actual point that, he he exploits people in just an just in a sinister way, just like this guy does for profit. So, so Doctor Phil doesn't prep for his show at all. I guess he just comes on and lets it roll. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm looking right now, and this guy he's even he's wearing the same suit as Doctor. I told you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is fucking crazy. It's what, what a, a dick. What a dick. Exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> It's fucking insane. Jake, you got to watch this shit, dude. I will. I will. Uh, yeah. I'll find, send me the link, Greg. You already found it. <laughs> I, I did. I will uh, I will send it to you now. Hold on. <laughs> Making, uh, let's move on into Star Wars news. I'm going to play the bumper. I never play it anymore. Here we go. Hey, guys. What's Amisa saying? You were supposed to be here with me. Listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. It's not true. That's impossible. MakingStarWars.net had a rumor about John, the John Favreau Star Wars TV show that's going to premiere on the Disney streaming service. Did you guys hear about this shit? I did. Uh, is yes. it about the budget? The budget or is it about, about the location. Both, man. Fucking, uh, okay. it's, it's okay. gonna, I'm on top of this stuff then. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be set on Mandalore. Yeah, that's very interesting. Very interesting. And then also, like, what was the budget, Jake? Like, is it? 
hundred million, which they bucks. which they said was as much as they more than they used for the first season of Game of Thrones, about on par what they used for the final two seasons. Yeah, and they're going to be using uh, technology provided by ILM. Holy fucking shit! Industrial Light and Magic is going to be uh, providing technology for this series. Uh, Disney streaming service is not fucking around. If this is the truth, if making Star Wars dot net, uh, if their sources are uh, are legit, and you know what, they have been. In the I believe past. it. I believe it too. Yeah, you got to come out the gate swinging, right? It's going to be their first big exclusive show. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to fucking launch this shit with Teen Titans. They're trying to launch it with fucking something that's going to blow you out of your fucking shoes. You know, hundred million dollar yeah. Star Wars series. So yeah, they're not joking around. Yeah. Uh, Greg, is this series enough to get you to, I know you have kids, so Disney streaming service is probably like right up your alley, right? It's a, it's a layup. Yeah. I'll say if all there, if all there was on this service was this Star Wars show, <laughs> I would pay, you know, 15 bucks a month easily. Yeah. Uh, I'm in. And I'm, yeah. I'm really excited about the Mandalore concept because w- from, from what I was reading, you know, one of the things they were thinking about was sort of like this post, like the fall of the Empire Mandalore and the Mandalorian people deciding what they wanted to be. Did they want to be the warriors or did they were more politically sort of thoughtful? And that's a really intriguing concept, I think, especially today, given all the political shit that's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in. I mean, yeah. I'm in all day. I can't wait. If we, that's the case. Well, in Rebels, like we saw... Mandalorian split in Rebels as well. Yep. So, I mean, seeing this in live action makes 100% sense. And um, do you think we'll get a, a grown-up Sabine? Holy, oh, that's a good question. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god, if we got a if we got an actor actually playing like a, an adult Sabine in this series, I would love that. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I would love that too. Yeah, I would really like that. I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, like in the movies, I, I appreciate the Easter eggs from Rebels. I don't feel like you really have to incorporate, like, I don't need Ezra to show up as a main character in one of the main Star Wars films. But if you're, if you're doing a TV show where people on the streaming service are going to have access to the Rebels episodes, I think not only does it support them to go back and like stream the old Rebels episodes if they haven't watched them, but it, you know, but it also like gets fans of Rebels to be more invested in the actual live action series. I, you you tell me that that we're going to get an adult Sabine in whatever this title of this John Favreau directed thing, I'm there. I'm there anyway. But, like, I'm even more invested if I get to see, like, a, a live-action version of this character that I've come to love over, like, four seasons. So. Yeah, and how yeah, old it, is she in Rebels? Is she, like, 17? Maybe that's how, what my guess is. She's basically... That's where, right where I was at. Yeah, she's, like, a year or two older than uh, Ezra himself, right? Yeah, so this is three years after Jedi, which is four years after yet. Is it so I, three? I she's like, Hold what, on. 25, 30? Is it three years after Jedi? The original 
some of the reports, I think it was the original report said it was like seven years after Jedi. And oh, okay. then, well, hold on. But the newest report said it was three years after Jedi. So I don't know like, where is it taking place? Cause it's conflicting reports. You're not, yeah. you're not wrong, Greg. They, I, I've heard three years and I've also heard seven years. Hmm. It's, it's hard to imagine when they're going to tag that down. It seems like they would do the three years, right? That's a little bit more safe. The closer you get to right before Force Awakens is probably area that they want to cover with stuff. How many years are between? There's like 30 years between those movies, though. Right? Oh, that's true. So what's the difference of five fucking years at that point? Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. Uh, the closest that we've gotten to The Force Awakens is six years prior in the Bloodlines novel. So there's still at least 20 years that are pretty much unexplored. Correct? Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Hmm. You know, yeah. you first take. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, what, one of the things that made me really believe this rumor is so like the, the main way that TV shows keep their budget down is by reusing sets. So you would think that even though it's Star Wars and there's got to be exploration and all of that stuff, mm -hmm. having the show take place in the same locations as much as possible is going to be key, even with a hundred million dollar budget. So having it take place mostly on one planet makes sense to me. Yeah, if you if, and it's set on Mandalore, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Jake. I didn't mean to. Now that Hopner's left, I'm interrupting. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. That's a great point. That even with the hundred million, you're still like obviously it's not only going to be on Mandalore for every single episode. You'll you'll move around a little bit. You know, yeah. it is Star Wars, but yeah, having the majority take place on one set does make a lot of sense. Fuck a hundred million dollars for the first season. This is insane. I like the original reports were saying that they were going to use the same motion capture technology that they used in the Jungle Book, John Favreau's Jungle Book movie. Makes sense. That's probably half the reason Favreau's there to oversee it. Right? That also makes me think that they're going to definitely have some really cool aliens involved in this series. Not just Mandalores basically are just, they, they almost look just kind of like human, like except for like the ears a little bit, you know, um, mm -hmm. it, the thing is, is like, it makes me think that we're going to also have other aliens involved in this series. That's totally star Wars. And that fucking, uh, the, the same technology that they used for the mocap in, in the jungle book, they're going to be using here. And then also industrial light and magic is involved in this. Wow. Yeah, it's going to look ridiculous. Well, Disney like, bought Industrial Light and Magic, so why the fuck not, right? Why not use some of those resources that they have for this streaming service? Yeah, if you got it, flaunt it. Man, I, I expect the first trailer or first like, little blink of this we see is really going to fucking blow us away, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, who's going to be our main character, right? I mean, that's the thing. that That's what I think Disney has done so well is introduced us to, like, new characters, like, in the Skywalker saga, they used Han Solo Chewbacca as kind of like the bridge to introduce Rey, Poe, and Finn. Like, yeah. The, well, the, the thing is with Rebels, we came out of the gate with Ezra and, uh, you know, uh, 
Sabine and fucking, uh, I'm trying to think, Chopper and Zeb and, you know, all these new characters that we were introduced to, like, these are just brand new characters. And so I think I like, feel like we're going to get a bit of that, for, especially from Favreau and yeah. how creative he is, right? Where I think we're going to get like an ensemble, like a five to seven character, ens- like mixed ensemble. Yeah, it's one. Is is Dave Filoni involved in this? He's got to be. I right? do not think he is. Really, no, he's I not. Think, I didn't think so. Wow! Holy shit! This seems like the thing that Dave Filoni would be involved in. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, I think he's concentrating all of his gears on the animated side still, especially yeah. with Clone Wars coming back. Yeah, it makes sense. So to your earlier question, I, you're probably going to have a lot of characters that at least somewhat look like Boba Fett, which is one sort of visual hook for people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did read one article that wondered if there would be some tie-in with Boba Fett where, like, they hunt him down for stealing their armor. I just can't imagine they would do that off the big screen if they were going to do that. I mean, uh, why? Uh, the, the the whole thing is like Jango Fett already had kind of like Mandalorian armor when we were introduced to Jango Fett in... Yeah. Right? I mean, why would they have to... You would think that Boba Fett would just model his armor after his father's. Right. Right, Jake? Does that make sense? Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I, I, I don't think the Mandalorian armor is going to look too similar to Boba Fett, right? Well, I mean, look at the Mandalorian armor in Rebels. It really looks similar to Boba Fett. It's it's just the different... Basically, Mandalorians with their armor, they... Each one gives it, like, kind of like its own artistic kind of, like... Sabine was very artistic, and, like, we saw, like, what she did with her Mandalorian armor and how, like, she painted it and, and made it her own. It was really vibrant, and... That's kind of like the thing with Mandalorians. They're very kind of creative and like with their armor, they're able to give it like its own personality and its own look. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think we're going to see too much of that. Like we're going to see a variety of things too. Right. So it'll just be like probably one Mandalorian like person like that in our main cast. I would imagine if it's taking place, if the whole, if the whole show's taking place on Mandalore, we're going to see a lot of Mandalorians in Mandalorian armor, right? Oh, I agree, but not as not as principal main cast members, right? Like, there's going to be a twist to that, right? I assume one Mandalorian Mandalorian armor will be on the principal cast, but the rest of the people will be on the planet for some reason other than being native Mandalorians. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I there really haven't been any kind of, like, plot details and story details that have been released on this. So... Yeah, but you're right, Greg. People are trying to tie in, you know, how they could work in Boba Fett into this. Uh, MakingStarWars.net said, I would imagine Boba Fett could appear and be seen as an imposter or even actually made a Mando in this show. I would also have to imagine that Sabine Wren and Bo-Katan could also be characters who show up at some point on the side of saving Satine's vision for Mandalore, especially after the series finale of Star Wars Rebels. So, um, I don't know. It's, uh, this will be interesting. I, I'm looking forward to it. I, we don't know if this rumor is even true, but it's making StarWars.net, and those guys are pretty goddamn reliable for the mm-hmm. most part, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love this. I love Jason Ward. I love all those guys. I think they're fantastic, so. 
Yeah, Jason Ward is great. All right. That's all I got this week. We're done. How about that, Greg? You did it. You made it. Uh, wow, I did that with came from nowhere. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know, I thought this episode was going to be a lot shorter. And then, like, uh, every week, every week, there's more news that pops up. And then, you know... Everywhere, like, how the fuck did we, like, we, we get up, we go off the rails, Jake, sometimes, and we start talking about some weird shit. Oh, I know. Like, the, the blurb that you think we're just gonna talk about for 30 seconds ends up being like a half an hour blurb. And then I yeah. start, how the fuck did I get start, uh, talk about Dr. Phil? Well, you talked about masturbation, your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, pet, Dude. Pedophilia, Dr. Uh, Phil. I mean, oh you know. my god. My ex-girlfriend masturbated all the time. This is no joke, guys. Like, this is legit serious. Like, I would be laying in bed and all of a sudden I would hear, I would feel like the bed shaking and I would look over at her and I'd be like, ah, you're, you're flicking the bean again, aren't you? And she, <laughs> Her face would turn red, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I'm masturbating again. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm fucking like she was. She was like punching that thing like it was a like a like a boxing like training bag. You know what I mean? Like she was, and she was like, she was like Rocky she down was, in egg whites at the same time. Yeah, she was she was eating egg whites and like punching like a slab of meat in the freezer." She she's like right, da na da na na, masturbating, flicking my clit, da 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 da. Yo, Adrian, what you doing? Oh, I'm flicking the bean, Rocky. She was, I'm not kidding you. She was so sexually oriented. It was insane. She was all about her vagina. Her vagina, like you know, women say like, oh, men, like they make most of our our, our dicks make most of our decisions. I beg to differ. This woman's vagina, this thing was like, it had a mind of its own. This thing, like, it had a mind of its own. Like, if you could put, like, if you put, like, an Oculus Rift on her vagina, like, it would have its own dreams. You know what I mean? Like, it would be, <laughs> it would be in its own world. There would be, a, that's a Black Mirror episode that would frighten the entire nation. If her, she if sounds, her, uh, she sounds awful. If you want to send me her picture later, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like I, uh, oh no! I see. I'm drunk, and now I'm like wanting to get into some really personal shit. The next girlfriend that I had, like, uh, you know, when she would hear, you know, like how the ex girlfriend always hears stories about the previous girlfriend, and they hate the previous girlfriend. You know how? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. They like the current girlfriend always hates previous girlfriend. So here we go. Here we go. I got new girlfriend. New girlfriend hears stories about previous girlfriend. And then me and new girlfriend. New girlfriend realizes that previous girlfriend. No, I'm not going to get it. No, I am not getting into this. I'm not. No, no, I'm not. Leave him hanging. I'm going to leave. Right. Do you want I, me to share a really awkward masturbation story? I will. I'll do yes. You guys, yes. Because I love it. you guys. Do right. it. Do it. So, you know. Both my kids happen to be in vitro. They're, you know, like my wife and I, we had fertility problems, which a lot of some listeners know. Yeah, one of my best, one of my best friends did this. It's, it's expensive. It, well, I, thankfully my insurance covered it, which I'm really thankful for. So when we were trying to make my first son in a lab, you know, one of the things you got to do, it's like this really clinical, uncomfortable, sanitary thing, but you have to go into a room with tons of porn everywhere. And you have to produce a sample like in a little cup, right? Mm -hmm. 
so I go to this place. It's like a hospital and all that. And they hand me the cup and then they take my wife to take her eggs and all this shit. And I go into this room and when I open the door, I can hear like, you know, that sound of a VHS tape playing like like the that winding sound. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, there's a tape already on. So I go in the room and it's uncomfortable. And I I'm like trying to work myself up to make something happen. And I, I turn the TV on, and it's like a blowjob scene. So I see, like, a guy from the waist up getting a blowjob. I'm like, all right, I can I can kind of get into this. So I start trying to make shit work, and then the camera pans down. It was another guy blowing him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. So And it's because, like, you know, in the gay community, they use IVF a lot. You know, like, the gay and lesbian uh, couples will help yeah. each other out. So it was like 35 minutes later, I finally returned with the sample. And my wife was like, what the fuck took so long? I'm like, I'm just going to tell you later. So someday when my son is old enough, I'm going to have to tell him that he was conceived by sperm that I produced after watching gay porn. (laughs) That is incredible. That was an amazing story. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> okay, I will hold on. I'm fuck it. I'll say this. Okay, so like uh I got new girlfriend. I had ex-girlfriend that was like the masturbating fiend. Like she was like like seriously, like she was just like with her with her clit she just <laughs> she, she she was like zamphir on his pan flute with her fucking vagina she was just fucking like going crazy with that fucking thing so she was really sexual and um you know like um so she wanted me to take pictures of her in the nude I didn't offer. I swear to God, like I wasn't like, "Hey, can I take naked pictures of you?" She like wanted me to do it. So like, I bought a Polaroid camera at the time. You remember Polaroids because you don't want to take these pictures to get developed. Um, <laughs> this is back in the day. So like, I bought a Polaroid camera and all the film and stuff like that. And like, you know, she's laying on the couch and shit, and we're taking all these pictures and blah 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 blah. Anyway, I got those pictures. So like, um, then. Year like I start like you know a few years later I start dating this new girl, and then she comes she comes across the pictures. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, she comes across the pictures, and I was like, "Yes, that's my ex girlfriend." No, I don't care about the pictures anymore. Yes, I'll throw them away. And so like I had to make like the like the walk to like I lived in an apartment building, so I had to like make the walk to the dumpster and like throw the pictures away. You know, if, if, do you if, slip if one in your pocket? No. See, here, yeah, I was gonna say if copies of these pictures exist, I'll send you directions to my secure post office box. God damn it! I, I that's the thing that pisses me <laughs> off. Like, Man, Greg is desperate for spank material this episode. <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, I I am a good boyfriend. I take the pictures. I throw them in the trash. I didn't even look at them one last time. I swear to God. I didn't even look at them one last time before I threw them in the dumpster. I throw them in the dumpster. I go back up there. And what does she say? Oh, did you get one last good look in before you threw them away? (laughs) Oh, my God. I should have, at that point, knowing what I know now, I should have just dove back into that dumpster. (laughs) 
<laughs> and grab those pictures. Just masturbated right there in the middle of the dumpster to the pictures. And what's funny about this story is that literally, like, months later, I'm taking pictures of her in the same kind of poses. I was that's I was going to ask that question. It happened, yeah, with the same camera. The fucked up thing, though, is, though, Greg, listen to this. Like, those pictures, um, I was like, oh, I'm not going to throw these out. I'm going to keep these. And so what I did is I, I, uh, I took those pictures and I put them behind a picture frame. To this day, I can't remember what picture frame I put them behind. Oh, somewhere at a flea market, someone is in for a wonderful surprise. Who yeah. Buys a picture frame. Somebody's going to like uh, pull out a picture frame and be like, holy shit, who's this chick with 36 C's? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that's a true story, people. Anyway, yeah, but I, I man, I threw those, I threw out those original pictures, and I, you know, I, I, I was thinking I was doing like the right thing, and I still got shit for it. Oh, did you give him one last, <laughs> give him one last look before you toss them in? I, uh... That was a dig for you having them in the first place, though, you know. <laughs> How is it? She asked me. I was, I was in a committed relationship at the time. Oh, I know. But like, there's this there's this thought somewhere that's unrealistic that like now that you're in a relationship, you purge yeah. every memory and you know. Yeah, yeah you probably you forgot you even had them, Jake. I'm right. telling you, guys have it easy now because they have the cloud. They can just upload these pictures of past girlfriends that they've taken into the cloud, and they don't have to worry about physical media. I had physical Polaroids of naked women that I was that I was dating. <laughs> And, and now guys have it so easily because they can just take these pictures and throw them on the cloud. I wasn't doing anything dirty. I didn't even ask to fucking take these pictures. These women, these women that I was dating, that I was in these relationships, they were like, they were offering this up. They were like, hey, take a picture of me. I want you to draw me like one of your French girls, Jack. That's what they were saying. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, they set you up basically without even knowing it. I know, I know. Hey guys, uh, we are done. Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Greg, you don't have a podcast, so I don't have to plug shit. No, I don't. I'm occasionally a guest on Tales from the Yard, but that's, I don't know if I can officially refer to myself as an occasional guest or not. I'll have to ask Scott's permission. You are an occasional guest on Tales from the Yard. That is the Leftover Army podcast. Go to iTunes and, uh, search Leftover Army. You'll see uh, the Leftover Army podcast. You can listen to uh, Tales from the Yard. You can listen to me drop a beer bottle cap like that <laughs> and like that. And then you can also listen to Le Ladies of the Leftover Army. You can listen to Brute Force and Ignorance, which is the new Dungeons and Dragons podcast that uh, Dan West has been producing as well as Jacob Harmon, their uh, – dungeon master on that thing hey jake i got asked to be part of a role-playing group for a pathfinder rpg recently yeah are you going to i don't know i'm gonna talk to it's my buddy curtis and curtis is like hey you know we've got uh we've got one more spot available and i was like i'll talk to you next week and he's like we're just gonna do it once a month we're just gonna do it once a month and he's like, it's uh, not bad of a commitment. You probably have fun. Yeah, he's like four hours for once a month. They're actually going to record it and throw up, throw it up on a podcast. So, oh yeah, you should definitely do that. So I'll talk to him about that and see if, you know, 
if uh, it's something that I'm interested. I'm just rambling, talking about taking pictures of women, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> rambling, just rambling. How how long can I stretch this fucking bullshit out? <laughs> what do you guys think? Is, is this episode okay, or is it complete trash? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was like seventy percent trash. So that's pretty good for us. What's this episode two forty five? Two forty five, two four five. Yeah, two hundred. Yeah, talk to me. Talk to me, Greg. What are you thinking? You've done at least one hundred and fifteen episodes worse than this one. All right, cool. This is like in the upper uh, upper upper portion, then, right? I mean, I've listened to every single one, and uh, yeah, it's in the top half. Oh my god! Hey, Greg. I have uh recently, I'd say within the last six months, like kind of like got curious and I went back and I like listened to the first episode. It's fucking terrible. Well, compared to today. I know. That's the thing. It's like everything, you get better at everything you do, right? Yes. You know, like the first time, like even the first time you masturbate, it's a goddamn mess. You don't know. You know what I mean? It was for my mom's couch, yeah. Oh, my God. My mom's couch, too. It was the basement couch. (laughs) And I think I was – I think I I threw my dick in between the cushions. Yeah, I think I mounted a throw pillow. It was ugly. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I – you know, it was one of those things where I was like, I didn't know that shit would just come out of it. Right? No, I was surprised. I was like, what is this? What is this stuff? I know. Yeah. It was the force that it came out that was the surprising part. What's that? The the force that it would come out was the surprising part the first yeah. time. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I thought I was like Spider-Man shooting webs or something. I was confused as to how this was happening. No, it was the <laughs> fact that my dick could also like, not only does it urinate, but I could also like decorate a cake with this thing. It was fucking yeah, weird. much. You yeah. know, it, it was crazy. I was like, holy shit, there's a new substance coming out of this. <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and it had, and it, it, it had its own peculiar smell, you know? I was like, it has its own scent. This is different. That was a thing. Yeah. I, n- I never smelled it. Oh, I did. It was one of those. I, I had to. You know? It was like, oh, yeah. Semen has its own scent. Yeah, I hope you weren't eating asparagus or Brussels sprouts or anything like that. Oh, you. no. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I was not. Yeah. Uh, did you know, like, is that a thing? Is that a real thing that, like, only certain people can as- can smell the asparagus piss? I can smell. Uh, it. I didn't know that. I smell it. It told like when yeah, I, I everyone can smell it. I thought. I thought that only certain people could actually smell the asparagus piss. <laughs> I never heard that. Google it sometime. Yeah, it. it <laughs> yeah, throw that in your Google search, people. Can everybody <laughs> smell the asparagus piss? <laughs> it's, tr- it's trending on Twitter now. I just typed in "can" and that was the first thing that popped up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's, no, no. I'm, I'm totally joking. Yeah, that's the biggest question on Twitter right now. All right, Google right now. <laughs> All right, this episode's ridiculous. We've gone on long enough. Greg, we got to have you come back. Will you come back sometime? I'd love to. I've had a blast. Yeah, it's, Greg, it's one, it's been one of those things. I wanted to have you on for ages, but I like I know you got a family and you got kids, and I'm like, oh, oh that's it. Will they, will they let him stay up this late to, to hang out with us? Because like, you know, like, I want to play with Greg. I want to play with Greg. I want to spend some time with Greg. But like, I didn't know about like the family, if that was like a thing. 
No, honestly, the way the fact that you guys do Sunday night makes it work pretty well. Because so I said goodnight to the kids. I came down, and you know we're good to go. We're gonna have you back then. That's what, oh, this I, is, I'd love to. It's a goddamn done deal. It's a, it's a it's yeah. a done deal. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk about other ex. Yeah, do you have other ex girlfriends that we can talk about? Or oh god, I've got a slew of ex girlfriends that we can talk about. Like, it, <laughs> okay. Oh my god, so many because like I am not good at relationships. They they. <laughs> <laughs> they last for a few years or a few weeks. It just, it really doesn't matter. Like I have so many that I could talk about. It's like the, it's, it's limitless. Sign me up. All right. Yeah, we will definitely, we will uh, continue these conversations. Blockbuster girl 47. Thank you so much for that five star yeah, review. Yeah. You ain't going nowhere after this episode. No, we've got plenty of other things to talk about. Uh, as far as uh, weird sex shit. All right, guys. Uh, uh, Greg, thanks a lot again. Just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage, and thanks for listening. We will see you next week for episode 246. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good at topic, good at taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and with the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.